Happy New Year, everybody. I am Bob Mackey, one of your hosts, and I think Farquaad was the original short king who is here with me today. Hey, I'm a believer. I couldn't leave this podcast if I tried. <laughs> it's Henry Gilbert. That's right. You're legally bound to stay here, Henry. <laughs> and uh, just like last year, we're giving you a little New Year's bonus. You're not going to be hearing your regularly scheduled Talking Simpsons episode. Instead, you're going to be getting one of our What a Cartoon Movie mega-sized podcasts. That's right. If you saw on the free feed last year uh, when we took the first week of January off, that was for the Iron giant podcast and this is no less of a monolithic movie that we're covering this week or this time that's right in uh, april of 2021 very long ago we covered the movie shrek for its 20th anniversary it's been affecting pop culture or infecting pop culture <laughs> for 20 whole years and we covered it in detail we covered the history of it and we went blow by blow through the movie tons of clips all the stuff you like from our podcast oh yes yeah and we i mean if you love uh it, it focuses on the main character of what a cartoon movie as well jeffrey katzenberg we can't escape talking about in most of them yes uh yeah. he is he's the third chair on uh, what a cartoon <laughs> and and you know it's fun too because uh it just hit me now that we are at april 2001 in the Simpsons timeline of covering season 12 right now. So we're actually lined up pretty well with the premiere of Shrek. And with Talking Futurama, we're also in spring of 2001. So yes, it's yeah. a real t- <laughs> uh, before the bad times yeah, era yeah. we're talking about here. And Shrek rec- represents pre-9-11 epoch as, as much as anything does. Mm, the arrogance of America yeah, putting so. <laughs> that big green monster on the screen. So yeah, four and a half hours of Shrek talk you're going to be getting here. And that that's what we do every month on the what a cartoon movie yeah if you like hearing this mega long podcast and want to hear more i think there's uh, maybe 37 other ones you can listen to they're all between three to five hours long go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons sign up at the ten dollar level you get access to the entire what a cartoon movie catalog we've covered uh so many things over the past three complete years of what a cartoon very varied subjects things like wallace and gromit curse of the were rabbit end of evangelion beavis and butthead do america so many things going on on that feed tons of Disney movies. I think this was our first uh, DreamWorks movie. Uh, yes, yeah. Then And then we, uh, not too long after that, covered the Rotel Dorado. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll cover another DreamWorks. Either good or ill, we'll be covering other DreamWorks stuff, too. And, and if you're a Simpsons fan, that Rotel Dorado one's pretty interesting, because we talk about David Silverman's involvement in that, too. Yes, he left uh, the Simpsons uh, to go to DreamWorks, then ended up at Pixar, briefly. Yep, yeah, so. he was, after like a year and a half at DreamWorks, he's like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> Check out the entire archives at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons if you want to hear us talk about animated movies super in depth, just like we do in this one. But now let's celebrate 2022 with our deep, deep dive into the first Shrek film. Cartoons from present in the past. Every week will be an animated bash. What a cartoon! What a cartoon! Hello, everybody, and welcome to What a Cartoon Movie, the podcast that's never ogre-rated. I'm one of your hosts, the hilarious Mike Myers character, Bob Mackey, and this is an audio exploration of every animated movie ever, who is here with me today, as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and I know the Muffin Man who lives on Drury Lane. And this month's movie is Shrek. They judge me before they even know me. Oh, 
<laughs> I know you, Shrek, and I hate you. Come on, it's a happy shrek anniversary, everyone. Yes, the 20th shrek anniversary. Yes, now when you're hearing this at the end of April, that is when the first premieres of Shrek was going on. I guess a month beforehand, it was at Cannes Film mm. Festival. But did not win the Palm d'Or. <laughs> there's some people say it got a good reaction, but they have an interest in saying that. Why? We've been living in the world after Shrek ever since. Like it was four months before 9-11. We all saw Shrek <laughs> and the world was never the same again. And then in post 9-11 world, we had the DVD and that yes, really brought us up. It, it pulled us back together. Yeah. That Christmas with that Shrek DVD. With all those extra songs at the end, <laughs> all the donkey uh, outtakes. It's been 20 years since Shrek farted his way into our hearts. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I saw Shrek in theaters. I, I Did you, Bob, as oh, well? Oh, I saw it twice in theaters. Whoa. Does that shock you? Yes, yeah. It should. <laughs> I only saw it once, and on first watch, I thought it was good, but over very quickly, I was seeing people go like, oh, Pixar's got a new challenger. I was like, what? No. Because hmm. like, I definitely, even on first viewing, I was like, that was good. No way was that as good as Toy Story, and it was a lot of cheap jokes. And then... I was getting increasingly pissed over time seeing people go like, oh, this is better than Pixar. This is better than Monsters, Inc. I was like, no. I was really caught up in the spell of Shrek because I saw this movie on a trip to see my friend who lived in Southern California. And I, I had like a week or so there. So we had a lot of time to kill. So we ended up seeing Shrek twice. And the previous trip I went to see him was in the summer of 99. And we saw Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me twice. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Wow. Uh, does that make you horny? I hope not. No. But no. Uh, obviously growing up in the 90s, comedy fan like huge mike myers fan this is before the cat in the hat and you know his terrible aughts with the love guru Ooh. i love the first austin powers i'm okay with the second one the third one's awful yep. but yeah i couldn't be more in love with mike myers and his comedy so of course i was there and yes i loved it i loved it enough to see it twice although the second time i was like oh i can take a piss during this hallelujah crap i don't care about it <laughs> that get, cloying garbage uh, you don't want to feel bad that was when a hallelujah cover was only slightly cliche but now i'm resentful towards Trevor because I grew up with Disney stuff and I love Disney but when I saw a Trek I was like get that Disney stuff away from me I'm a man now baby <laughs> uh, all that crap was nothing this is the future of entertainment and I was, I was still okay with Pixar I'm not a big Monsters Inc. fan but yeah I was there and then by the time the DVD came out I was working in retail and that mm. same friend was working at Suncoast and Shrek was on a loop so he was oh. watching Shrek four or five times a day and every time I go into the store to say hi Shrek would be on he grew to hate Shrek I grew to hate Shrek and I think like the over merchandising of Shrek over that holiday season the ogre merchandising yeah oh, fuck yeah. yes the ogre merchandising of Shrek it really really pushed me away and I never saw any of the other movies the only fun I had with Shrek was when Tim and Eric did unsolicited advertisement for Shrek 3 yes I actually just watched that this morning they're like an Expedia.com want to thank you Shrek 3 oh man so many good friends here the, the weight is ogre the weight is ogre them and their little dealy bob head things and painted green yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, one more thing, though. Like, as a Mike Myers fan and as an animated movie fan, when I saw this, I loved it, but I had an issue with it. Number one, Mike Myers, I saw that character, and so I made her an axe murderer. Yep. Number two, Eddie Murphy, I saw that character in Mulan. Yep. So totally unoriginal takes on these characters. <laughs> well, Jeffrey Katzenberg wanted a tried and true things, not a new idea like that. Oh, and uh, also Fat Bastard, duh. Yeah, I mean, How did I miss yeah. the most obvious character? Well, Shrek is like a slightly nicer Fat Bastard yeah. is who he is. Fat, I mean, Fat Bastard is a jerk, but it's just 
in in a way it's mike myers just going like yeah i can do a scottish accent i have like scottish family members i think so it's an sure. imitation of his dad he described the accent as a scottish person who's lived in canada for 20 years okay that's that's how he describes it but not just the release time but if you weren't paying attention in 2001 that christmas it was the dvd like i pulled up those commercials that were uh, from then of like it is the dvd to own get it like it was the one of the first times because i think they noticed disney hadn't gone fully into dvd yet so they're like don't get the vhs get the dvd like this has all these extras the the karaoke dance party yeah i think they added a lot more singing over the credits right yes because the original uh, movie ended with i'm a believer but then it kept going on the extended version yeah the extended version on the blu-ray it's a separate video it's the regular credits and you can then pull up the karaoke dance party well in the december of 2001 holiday season our president ordered us to buy shrek he did yeah we were commanded to go out and shop (laughs) shrek was he is a perfect symbol of like post 9-11 consumption and just whatever and the saddest thing about shrek though is that even if it was a, a good enough first film that was kind of funny its success made the next 10 plus years mm-hmm. of animated feature films in america awful so much worse every shrek copycat whether from dreamworks or all of their competitors like the shrek copycats from within dreamworks were bad enough but then you had the stuff like sony animations open season oh yeah or nomeo and juliet like over that the crap. hedge yes yeah happily so, never nafter or whatever it was called <laughs> i think it was our friend scott gardner but somebody did this great video loop of all of those trailers that you got in the aughts oh. of just like a celebrity name over a hideous looking CGI creature. That was probably Lindsay Ellis because she has that great video of how oh, the yes. genie opened Pandora's box. Robin Williams as the genie. Yes, definitely look up that that video. She also coined the term Jeffrey Katzenberg petty asshole or petty <laughs> asshole Jeffrey Katzenberg. But everything after it had to be a celebrity fest of just like, well, well how many famous people could we get in a room for like seven hours and say that, no, they star in this movie and doesn't this character look like? them and and plus it it killed 2d animation like its success killed it on a a feature scale i think it took a long time before a certain level of personality and expressiveness could come to 3d that you could get in 2d like and that that took many years for people to figure out yeah disney had to get their shit together really quickly and their first two cgi movies are not good (laughs) i know i know people like meet the robinsons i thought it was bad i i didn't like it either now yeah even even things that i heard were okay like robots i was like "Eh, eh, that wasn't disney though no 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 that was fox yeah you're right yeah but yeah that was another robin williams thing though it it was yeah well hey go with the best if you're gonna get somebody get robin williams (laughs) but yes i I do hate the film Shrek. I watched it again uh, before recording this, uh, and I'll do my like full rewatch note taking after we record this. But when I watched, it, I was like, "Oh, these scenes are better. I remember oh, that's legitimately funny." And then a horrible thing will happen on screen. And I'm like, oh, no, a Matrix joke. No. In 2001. Yeah. Also, we'll get to it, but All-Star in 2001. Mm-hmm. Even then, and even in the theater in 2001, I was like, this song's like four years old. What are you doing, guys? Well, now it's an American anthem, Bob. It's, yeah. uh, we, we all are all-stars. <laughs> Everything that glitters is gold, It's Bob. a soundtrack to every meme. <laughs> uh, but yes, what possibly could have caused shrek to enter our lives well listeners you know in these history segments i usually focus on the director 
or like a key creative figure on it. And while there are several great directors on this, there if there's one auteur of Shrek, <laughs> it is executive producer Jeffrey Katzenberg. Oh, is he okay? We are we are post <laughs> the death of Quibi. Uh, I think he's he's gone into a cave for the last like six months after everybody once they shut down Quibi. Jeffrey Katzenberg didn't have to do any more interviews, so he's like, I'm going away now. <laughs> I think we're a year after the launch of Quibi, officially, because it was uh, launching alongside the pandemic. So yeah. it, actually, it's April 6th, so <laughs> oh. by the time you hear this, that will be in the past. Wow, another great anniversary, yeah. The thing about Quibi mastermind Jeffrey Katzenberg is that uh, from doing research on his professional history on all these i read disney war i read multiple articles that came out of the fall of quibi that were like jeffrey katzenberg actually has been like this forever and it really is true quibi was just his biggest failure in part because he just didn't have enough people to lift his ass up out of the gutter and also <laughs> he's 20 years older than he was when he had a success so he's even more out of touch and clueless but he is such a ambitious asshole that he would never listen to anyone telling him like you don't know what's popular anymore jeffrey's like fuck you fuck all of you <laughs> uh and well jeffrey katzenberg he'd even say himself like yeah i'm a napoleon like that's me and yeah he's, he's also he's if not a billionaire very close to it and Jeffrey Katzenberg doesn't need to do any of this, but he wants to work 18-hour days forever. That's what's wrong with all these people like Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. They go into work every day even though they're billionaires because they're all psycho, and that's yeah. how they made their money. Katzenberg is such a psycho because he is like in his late 60s now, and he could have retired... 10 years ago, he got another giant payday, $400 million, in addition to already being half a billionaire. And he still is like, well, it's time to start a new thing. Time for Quibi. <laughs> but I, I'm still with it. But yes, before Quibi, from 1984 to 2015, Jeffrey Katzenberg was one of the most important figures in United States feature animation, and I would say global animation in general. Uh, we've touched on him quite a bit in our podcast about well, almost everything, but on the movies, you'll hear a lot about him in Black Cauldron, Great Mouse Detective, DuckTales, Aladdin 1 and 2, Goofy Movie, and Toy Story, and Nightmare Before Christmas, and the Wallace and Grumman movie. I think if you put all those clips together, you will have an entire What a Cartoon Movie podcast. 100%, yeah. just The five-hour Cats and Cast. The Cats and Cast, man. We could fill a whole year of weekly podcast about things where he's just credited as executive producer. Two years, honestly. I would say out of all movies that Jeffrey Katzenberg takes ownership of, I would say Shrek is his crown jewel mm -hmm. as a creative executive on these things. I also want to say if you want a more in-depth version of some of the stuff I'm telling you, definitely I would check out the books Disney War and The Men Who Would Be King. Those are both really great, very listenable audiobooks that your eyes will glaze over a bit when you have to hear a bunch of business bullshit. Or you'll hear stories about people who have since been canceled and that <laughs> might upset you hearing about them of just like, oh, right, Harvey Weinstein has to come up in this story, doesn't he? Or David, uh, or the very normal David Geffen. There's nothing weird about him at all. At least as of this recording. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, born the upper class son of a New York stockbroker. Uh, yes. Yeah. He's he wasn't born as rich as Michael Eisner. Michael Eisner is a rich boy too. But also, they are old money. They are guys who are like yeah. you know 1950s rich, not 2000s rich. Uh, but he was an incredibly ambitious troublemaker. Most people target him as that a college dropout bouncing from job to job trying to get in with the most well-connected people in New York, whether it was in the restaurant industry or in politics. By the mid-70s, though, he's like, I got to go to Hollywood. That's where it's really at. And so he becomes like an assistant to top Hollywood producers, slowly working his way up. And those producers end up liking him because he would do anything. He really was <laughs> He's like a vicious prick. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. So Katzenberg, this, the myth is that Jeffrey Katzenberg got to start in the Paramount mail room and through dogged determination and prickishness, he worked his way up to be an assistant for Barry Diller. Oh my God. That's why the system no longer functions like that because now all your mailroom guys are like outsourced <laughs> contractors who don't actually work for the company. So there's no way anyone could work their way from the mailroom anymore. That's right. All of this outsourcing he can't even get like homegrown talent anymore as crazy as jeffrey katzenberg is and barry diller is a weird old man it's time for my theory again but it, it has only been more reinforced since then if you look at barry diller next to jeffrey katzenberg i think you will see what i see which is mr burns and uh, smithers and Wayland smithers that's what i see and at paramount before he came to disney Katzenberg and Diller worked a ton with Jim Brooks on Terms of Endearment, and they know them well. I definitely, I feel like there is some credulity to that. Well, and also, like, it kind of is a... Jeffrey Katzenberg is a straight man, married to a woman, has kids, not saying anything. But he was an assistant and a beloved assistant of very powerful gay men, Barry Diller and David Geffen. Mm. Both befriended him and took a liking to him in the 70s because they're like, this guy gets shit done. And of course, as I said, David Geffen is a very normal guy who you could never say anything weird about him. Anyway, uh, by the late 70s at Paramount, there was a new boss who was moving up the ranks. Michael, hello, Eisner and he gave Katzenberg some of his first film jobs producing on movies one of Jeffrey Katzenberg's first films he produced on was Star Trek the motion picture really yes. wow uh, and he said it was hell for everyone involved and it turned Jeffrey Katzenberg into one of the favored hatchet men in the paramount industry like he kept the cogs moving he'd make the tough decisions he'd say this movie sucks fuck you <laughs> there's a story of katzenberg being one of the people who told jim brooks like hey you can't go a million over budget with terms of endearment if you need another million get it from somebody else you asshole and uh brooks was really pissed about mm. that but apparently they're all friends now but you're like of course you are you're all yeah very they're all rich, they're all rich. so 1983, Paramount has been doing great with films like Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. and many more. Katzenberg is starting to make headlines alongside Michael Eisner. That's where Katzenberg is called the Golden Retriever of those guys, <laughs> which is a name he hates to this day. Sounds very flattering. Yes, yeah. They were, You're a like, dog. Uh, he goes, uh, I think he should feel happy that he was given the name of, like, not a tiny dog, like, not a pug. Yeah. He's, he's not a tall man. <laughs> <laughs> So, 1984, Paramount gets a new owner. That owner hates Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg. They're already eyeing the exit, and they think they were going to get Barry Diller's job, or Eisner thought he's going to get Barry Diller's job, and he moves up Katzenberg with him. That's not going to happen. 
but already the embattled Disney company is reaching out to Eisner and wants to hire him. And Eisner is going to take Jeffrey Katzenberg with him. But Katzenberg will not be number two to Eisner. He'll be number three. Frank Wells mm. will be the president of the company. Until his mysterious accident. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <a>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I got to say, that's kind of suspicious. I mean, it happened in a helicopter. Uh, never get in a helicopter. Yeah, boy. You know, uh, you're giving me Epstein brain here, Bob. <laughs> I, can't. I can't. It's like if someone invites you onto a boat, don't do it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just me and you on a private fishing trip. It'll be fun. <laughs> so, yes, Katzenberg was given several jobs at the Disney studio in 84. The main one, though, was to rehabilitate the broken animated features division where he would team up with Roy E. Disney. Talked a ton about that on Black Cauldron. He took all of these beleaguered Burbank animators who thought they were going to be shut down and that Katzenberg was going to shut them down. And Katzenberg said very quickly he took a shine to feature animation. I think... I think most biographers say that Katzenberg saw it as like, this is a fiefdom I can control and I can have so much more control over it than I do with all these live action people. I can just treat animators poorly. And who are they? They're, they don't matter. Like <laughs> you can only yell at a famous actor so much, you know? And so Katzenberg became this would-be Napoleon figure who knew little of art. Everybody made fun of him as a Philistine who drank Diet Coke every, like, eight times a day, overcompensated perhaps for a small tick, <laughs> uh, and just disrespecting lower creative people. But he would say, and I kind of have to agree, it's like, well, if you look at Black Cauldron, compared to what was finished by the end of the 80s, he made better movies. Yeah, again, yeah. check out our podcast on the Black Cauldron. It, it's rotten. So they do Black Cauldron, they do Great Mouse Detective. Uh, those start to ramp up. 1988, those when really the first true Katzenberg Eisner films can come out. That's Roger Rabbit and Oliver and Company. Mm. I don't love Oliver and Company, but I have to say, statistically, it made way more than Black Cauldron and Great Mouse Detective combined. And and it was star studded. <laughs> star studded. And same with Roger Rabbit, though. Yes, Oliver and Company had the real Katzenberg stamp, which was famous voices, Billy Joel, Cheech Marin, Bat Midler. You know what? I'm surprised they didn't keep doing that with the Disney movies. That was yeah. the outlier for a long time. Yeah, it's weird. They they did all these star stuff, and I think maybe they felt it didn't work as well for them as they thought it would. It was a pattern he'd finally figure out on Shrek. Like that's because uh, after that, they would have famous people in it, including one very famous guy who was the selling point of Aladdin, which we talked about that. But they didn't really cast like every role as a famous person. So, yes, very successful 1989 with directors Musker and Clements, songwriter Howard Ashman. Katzenberg begins the Disney renaissance with The Little Mermaid, like an undeniable hit huge critical reaction everybody's like disney's back this is the greatest and for katzenberg uh, give or take a ducktales or a rescuers down under <laughs> it was success after success after success beauty of the beast aladdin nightmare before christmas lion king i'm sure those lesser movies made a ton of money on vhs oh god yes yeah well and we talked about it on return of jafar but katzenberg also discovered like the direct-to-video or well honestly he was just copying warner's success yeah. with tiny tunes but he made it so Disney would do direct-to-video stuff that was also making them a shitload of money. And as we mentioned in our Toy Story podcast, Katzenberg was one of the people instrumental in making the multi-picture deal to get mm. Pixar to make a CGI movie at Disney. 
And as you mentioned on that, Katzenberg's notes were like, be a little meaner. And yeah. Have like, and also it does have famous people in it too. Like, oh, it's like yeah. every role is a famous person in that movie. Yeah. So you can see the Shrek template there. And also it's where Katzenberg can see that like, oh, CGI films might be the future of animation. He's learning a lot of lessons. But Katzenberg is also feeling increasingly stifled. For one, doesn't like Roy E. Disney, and Roy E. Disney sure doesn't like him. <laughs> they both are feeling the other takes way too much credit for everything they do. Eisner is also getting pretty sick of Katzenberg. They both sound like assholes, to be honest, in most of the stories I've read. Now, there are two Roy Disneys. Is this the nephew of Walt's? Yes, yeah, okay. the nephew of Walt. Yeah. yeah. Who everybody thought, like, ah, it's just the dumb nephew, but... He sounded like he wasn't a bad leader, and he did respect the animators at the very least. Uh, so all that came to a head in a truly tumultuous 1994. Mm. The start of the year, Katzenberg's still number three. Frank Wells is president. In April, Frank Wells dies in that helicopter accident. Katzenberg was a little too eager for Eisner's taste that <laughs> right after Wells died, Katzenberg is making very clear overtures of like, well, and of course you're going to make me president. I'm ready to take it over, boss. And Eisner's like, this guy just died. Fuck you. <laughs> Show some respect. And so Eisner instead says, you know what? No one's president. I'm also president. I'm taking that. Katzenberg, you're staying where you are. At the same time, over the summer of 94, Katzenberg is taking center stage and promoting Lion King. He's like, oh, well, Lion King's my movie, and it's actually a movie about me and how, <laughs> how I grew up and how my dad and all this stuff. Really? Okay. Yeah. They frame that as the breaking point in the Waking Sleeping Beauty thing. They show all these crazy videos of Katzenberg on the press tours for Lion King of, like, him posing with real lions and just all these interviews about That's how, right. like, Lion King's mine. It's, uh, you know so, what? <laughs> yeah. I had a great 1994. He should have played more Final Fantasy VI and Super Metroid. Just chilled out uh, a bit. Uh, he should have, yeah. Well, Donkey the, Kong 94, <laughs> play some of that. Donkey well, Kong Country, sure. Well, Katzenberg can't chill out. Like, no, he, no. He makes people have morning meetings on a Sunday. Oh. Like, that's what that's... And in person in 1993, like, that's when he wanted them. There's another great story in Waking Sleeping Beauty that is Katzenberg. He would hold back on spending things. He'd be like, well, uh, we can't put spend money on that. We're wasting too much money on this. But the guys tell the story of, like, for Roger Rabbit, they were flown from Burbank to England. England where yes. he was and told stop wasting money fly back yes buy some souvenirs for the kids so by October well actually by August Eisner just tells Katzenberg he's done there he's like resign or I'm gonna fire you Katzenberg says I'll resign if you give me my deal that I get an excellent percentage of Disney movies Eisner thinks it isn't in writing Ultimately, in a lawsuit, it will be proven it was in writing. <laughs> and what would have been, I think, $50 million, Katzenberg is ultimately paid $250 million by Disney in 97 Christ. Uh, for being fired before. Yeah, that would have made three big <laughs> budget movies back then. And that wasn't even the biggest check Eisner signed to an executive he fired without cause. Like, it's Eisner was bad at his job in many ways. I know we all want to love Eisner now, and he's, he's more exciting than Bob Iger. I'll give him that. He's but. the lesser of two evils. <laughs> so, Katzenberg is out of Disney, and this is an important thing you need to know. It is not hyperbole to say that Jeffrey Katzenberg is driven mainly by ire and rage <laughs> and spite. Well, and so are we. <laughs> yes. I That's can't. how you succeed. <laughs> and and his spite and rage was at Michael Eisner and the Disney company he ran, and he was going to prove via vengeance that he could run a better place than Disney 
and beat them at their own game. And he had some very rich friends who were going to help him with that. And so October 12th, 1994, Katzenberg, alongside Steven Spielberg and David Geffen, would launch a brand new studio, which in January would get him a name, DreamWorks SKG. S for Spielberg, K for Katzenberg, G for Geffen. You know what? As a little kid, like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, I was very excited for DreamWorks because I loved all the Geffen uh, albums that oh, came yeah. out with the Geffen oh, yeah. logo on them. Some of my favorites from that era had the Geffen logo. Of course, I loved Steven Spielberg and Katzenberg. I associated with all the Disney movies I like. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, the po- these are going to be the best possible forms of entertainment coming out of this group. Their PR rollout for it was so tremendous, too. And they're like, I watched an interview with Katzenberg from five years ago, and he was still saying... We launched a company that was the first new studio in 65 years. They had the PR rollout perfect for it. And also I found multiple old articles that had the classic Katzenberg Quibi quote, which anytime you tell him that Quibi's dumb and it's like five people watch this over YouTube, he'd say, that's like comparing apples and submarines. Jesus. Zing them again, (laughs) Jeffrey. Uh, He's been saying that for 30 years at least on the record, but But yes, Katzenberg, Spielberg, Geffen, along with $800 million from Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen and a Korean company called the CJ Group, they dumped a bunch into it and they're like, shit, like that was a lot of money in 1995. I believe it was $2 billion, almost $2 billion that Quibi got. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. And so one thing Katzenberg was quick to find out was that Despite being an equal partner in it, Spielberg and Geffen made it clear that he would not be in charge of live action films, which pissed off Katzenberg. He would instead, though, be in charge of DreamWorks Animation. And he's like, you know what? I can prove I'm the best. I can replicate my success at Disney. And this time, Michael Eisner and Roy won't be holding me back. (laughs) So DreamWorks Animation actually starts out faster than i thought because they didn't have to build an entirely new studio because all right steven spielberg had amblimation in london that was already starting to get moved over to la and then when they launched dreamworks they're like you know what amblimation just is dreamworks animation so that was uh, roger rabbit and then we're back a dinosaur story and we're back and one more thing balto okay balto. balto and the second fievel movie they oh, fievel bl- goes west yeah it was after his blue breakup he's like well i still own fievel so amblimation is going to do Fievel Goes West and the Fievel TV show as Oof. well. All part of Universal, which Universal was longtime friends with DreamWorks. It's why you go to the DreamWorks Theater to see 3D movies at Universal Orlando and Hollywood. So yes, they were going to start out though with a 2D animation team to make films like he'd been doing. Like really Katzenberg's first thing was like, I need to beat the Lion King. And he was also <laughs> working on Pocahontas and you know, the story on Pocahontas is like that was the one they thought would win the Oscar. Oscar and it's very serious he hires away as many Disney talents as he can with big money there's lots of people who talked up that after DreamWorks Animation launched everybody got a raise whether you left Disney or not because if you stayed at Disney they were going to give you a raise to stay and you were getting big money bonuses Hmm. so at the very least the usually underappreciated animators like got big money deals and if you were a big name guy like glenn Keane, you got huge money well he deserves uh, it yeah and and same with james baxter kathy altieri brenda chapman richard chavez lorna cook the four biggest names they got at the start for launching it and so they're gonna work on a big biblical epic the kind that disney would never touch because it might offend people with its religious storyline 
the prince of egypt which is you know the ten commandments it's their version of it yeah yeah and it's it's good i'm it's sure it's right. it's good I, I have no interest in it and maybe i'll watch it one day but i went to catholic school and i after uh after that <laughs> was over i was just done with god i don't need to hear about it anymore i understand the commandments i saw them every day let's move on with our lives no burning bushes for you no but, no but i think it's some of the best if you just want to look up videos of like character acting in it it's some peak animation there or like fire like drawn fire on the screen has rarely looked better than it does in prince of egypt but as a film itself it's kind of boring and they thought they'd out disney disney with a 1998 planned release date wouldn't work out and it even had an elton john song right yep they got got elton john back again too they're like yeah we can do it all like i'm sure they would have hired musker and clements if they could have but they (laughs) couldn't like they were tamped down at disney and of course getting part of emblemation opened a door because steven spielberg one of his producers named john h williams not the composer john h williams they got the rights to a 1990 kids book by william steeg who uh already was in his 80s at that point hmm. and he he was a creator of dr DeSoto. if you read those books as a kid no what were those uh they were about the mouse dentist hmm. if you remember that i, I remember those me. well by 1990 me and you were eight we would have been the audience for this book but my parents never got me a book called shrek with no. an exclamation point i think i was reading arthur Oh, yes. Yeah, I was much more of an Arthur kid. Yeah. So uh, that book was the story of a 32 pages long, (laughs) a parody of fairy tales about a nasty ogre who shoots laser beams from his eyes as well. That's much cooler. He befriends a talking donkey for like two pages. And ultimately, at the end, when he meets his fairy tale princess, it's a big, ugly ogre princess. They have a big, ugly wedding. And it's a fun, silly little book, you know. And and Shrek also, the name comes from Stieg because he was the son of jewish socialists who had moved to Mm. america and i believe i've read the trek is yiddish for monster okay cool i didn't know that so after the 1995 success of toy story katzenberg knew he couldn't just have 2d films he needed cgi films as well and there were only so many people who can make those in 1995 especially well only pixar had made a feature-length film nobody else could really even make like a 30-minute film. Very few could. And one of those was the second biggest CGI place in the Bay Area, Pacific Data Images. They were at the cutting edge of CGI character animation. They had existed since 1980. They were one of the top groups who had done famous stuff already. They'd worked on Waldo C. Graphics for Jim Henson. Oh, that guy. (laughs) Yeah, nobody likes him, but he was one of the last original Muppets created by Jim Henson. They also, if you were a kid of the 90s, you watched Spellbound as Michael Jackson morphed from character to character Hmm. at the end of Black and White video. That is PDI. And of course, as Simpsons fans in 1995, we all watched the Tim Johnson directed segment of Homer Cubed. Which they did for free. Yes, yeah. An incredible calling card for them. Honestly, looking at the timeline, I think Homer Cubed is why DreamWorks wanted to work with PDI. Oh, me too. (laughs) They could have also seen the work they did on commercials for the Pillsbury Doughboy, but I have a feeling it was probably Homer. So out of all that buzz, DreamWorks decides we're going to partner with this company. By the spring of 1996, DreamWorks Animation buys a 40% stake in Pacific Data Images. I'll call them PDI from now on. And 
They were going to make a film slated for 1999. Mm. PDI had been wanting to do a feature film for the longest time. They just never had the money for it. And also, they were going to help launch the fledgling DreamWorks Interactive Gaming Division, which I learned a very funny story about that, that like Steven Spielberg for a time, he thought of an idea for a game that basically sounds like The Sims. He briefly hired Nora Ephron to write a script for it. Jesus. And apparently after like a month, she realized like, you got to write how much for a video game? I'm out of here. That label did exist. I remember there being a Lost World game. And yeah. uh, the secret ending is Jeff Goldblum clearly on the set of the Lost World being filmed <laughs> against his will saying, uh, go outside, go outside, get some sun. That's right. Oh, my God. I forgot that. They also almost created Medal of Honor, but then they sold it to EA. Like Medal mm. of Honor was supposed to be like, Saving Private Ryan the game. And then it turned into EA's like, we want it to be a brand we own. So DreamWorks Interactive did lead to Medal of Honor, which led to Cult of Duty. It has a very big footprint in the world of video games. So this is a whole podcast on its own. But <laughs> PDI's first assignment was Ants, which Jeffrey Katzenberg says... He had had that pitch way before he ever met Pixar and that he had been thinking <laughs> of Disney of making a film called Army Ants, didn't get it approved. And so now he's finally making his Ants film. He was dreaming of getting the dialogue, you to ant on the oh, screen. Oh, God. <laughs> or talking about drinking out of a animal's anus. Or <laughs> yeah. So It's Woody Allen's <laughs> least offensive movie. <laughs> because you don't have to see him. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so Jeffrey Katzenberg, that's his story. The story that John Lasseter and Andrew Stanton say, boy, I'm saying a lot of bad names here, but the guys who worked on Bugs Life, they said they directly told Jeffrey Katzenberg more than once their plans to make an oh, Ants movie. That famous meeting where they outlined the next 10 years of Pixar movies. And they also tell a story that not only after that meeting, but like that in 95, Lasseter and Stanton were in LA doing post-production on Toy Story and they just happened to meet jeffrey katzenberg he's like hey so what you guys working on <laughs> and he told him about bugs life and then they find out pdi is making ants then jeffrey katzenberg gets pissed off seeing that bugs life is gonna premiere within a month of prince of egypt and he's like hey don't please don't do that i want prince of egypt to be big and like michael eisner is going to listen to jeffrey katzenberg <laughs> saying please they're still in a lawsuit so instead out of more spite katzenberg moves up the release of ants to october 1998 somehow pdi completes it in time and so they get in theaters a month before bugs life though they don't earn more money than bugs life you know bugs life is just fine people trash it all the time <laughs> i honestly don't know why they didn't make bugs life university or whatever spinoff they could have made out of it yeah. because it, it's fine and give dave fully more work i say yeah it's too bad you know those poor bugs they got their bugs life torn down a couple oh. years ago to make room for avengers campus like there's no sign of the bugs anymore. I guess maybe you'll see a look of like Flick the Ant. If you really search for him at Pixar Pier in Disneyland. But yes, Ants, even less successful. Honestly, a giant failure. <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks. Also, one has Kevin Spacey, one has Woody Allen there. They're both hard Pick to your watch. poison. But, but at least Kevin Spacey's <laughs> the villain who dies. Yes. You're yeah. guaranteed that. Instead, you're supposed to be rooting for Woody Allen to get with Sharon Stone oh. at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, it's, but also. She's way too old for him. <laughs> and you can see it was the PDI style too. Oh, God. Sorry. I just, uh, that Sharon, the too old joke caught up with me there. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but no, the uh, but it did show PDI style. Like, well, here's a famous actor 
Can you make this CGI person kind of look like him? And also, how good are you at making, you know, green areas and like naturalistic backgrounds? Like PDI definitely felt they were better at doing humans and leaves and stuff than Pixar was. I think for a time, occasionally you could see that they did get ahead of them tech-wise, though I never felt a PDI film looked better than a Pixar mm -hmm. film. So unfortunately for PDI, Ants kind of, who knows how successful it could have been if it wasn't rushed to theaters just to fuck with Bugs Life, but it was hardly the last time a film similar to a Pixar <laughs> film would be released by DreamWorks in the same year. So what happened with Shrek before Pacific Data Images were handed it? Well, Katzenberg liked the idea, but he didn't want it to be their main deal. He bought the film for DreamWorks Animation in 1995, but he's like, well, this is our small budget film, like $20 million. And he knew just the guys to hand it to. A bunch of recent college graduates who had a tiny CGI company called Propeller Heads, hmm. which was run by Jeffrey Abrams, who now goes by J.J. Abrams. What? Really? Yes. Okay. Yep. And Rob Letterman, who would go on to direct Shark Tale and Detective Pikachu. Hmm. So, And uh, they had impressed people because in 93 or 94, they did a student film that was like the Silver Surfer, and it, which basically was a Pepsi Man commercial. It's like Silver Surfer land in a normal street and a si shiny silver man's walking around hmm. and so katzenberg after seeing that was like you guys could do like motion capture and draw some funny stuff with these characters and he very much was like well this is going to be a fractured fairy tale like out of uh, rocky and bullwinkle that was the energy they were going for from day one on the propeller heads version of it and of course they knew just the famous person that they wanted to be shrek Chris Farley. Oh, boy. I wish someone could have just locked him up in 1997 and cleaned him up. I mean, we read the Chris Farley story. It's an yeah. amazing... Uh, the Chris Farley show. show. Yes. I I think Chris Farley story is the name of the uh, documentary, but... Oh, there's a documentary. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's really... Or it might be called show two. But anyway, that book is so sad because like two years before he died, he did get cleaned up. And yeah. then he fell off the wagon even harder. But in 1995, hey, happy times for Chris Farley. And, and, and That was the year of Tommy Boy. <laughs> I like Tommy Boy. The original screenwriters of Shrek, Ted Elliott and Terry Rosio, you talked about in the Aladdin one, is like, oh yeah, the famous <laughs> screenplay guys, they the Katzenberg loved. It was like, no, these are real writers, guys. <laughs> All their scripts from cartoons seem to get thrown out and heavily rewritten by actual cartoon writers. They originally did see Shrek and Donkey as, at least this is how David Spade tells the story, as a Chris Farley-David Spade combo. Donkey would be David Spade and Chris Farley would be Shrek. And when you see the scenes of Shrek and Donkey arguing with each other, you're like, that could make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I can that. hear their voices. Yeah. Well, especially if you're Jeffrey Katzenberg, who's just like, I just saw Tommy Boy. Could we do a cartoon thing of that? Let's just do that. Unfortunately, David Spade got trumped by the guy who he had just made fun of as a falling star, Eddie Murphy. Uh -oh. By 1996, as this team is working on Shrek, Eddie Murphy was the biggest box office star in the world. He just had Nutty Professor. It was only going to get bigger for him. And Eddie Murphy's big success in theatrical was in part thanks to Katzenberg. Katzenberg put him in 48 hours. He had produced Trading Places and Beverly Hills Cop before he left Paramount. Murphy has a long time 
friendship with Katzenberg still to this day like a few years ago and Murphy won some lifetime achievement award Katzenberg was the one who presented it so they're still bros those guys hmm. and it probably was not a coincidence that in 1996 Eddie Murphy was almost certainly already recording his voice audio for Disney's Mulan and the character of Mushu oh for sure yeah I mean, uh, the film came out in 98, so I think Murphy might have been cast before Mulan came out, but he definitely wasn't cast before he signed the deal to do Mulan. And uh, I mean, knowing Katzenberg, you'd think he'd even have told him, like, could you quit Mulan and just do this? But Mushu and Donkey, the same character, basically. I bet whenever Eddie Murphy is cast in something animated, Phil Lamar does a little fist pump because he, <laughs> he gets to do all of the replacement dialogue for TV shows yes. and toys and theme park uh. appearances. He's like, yes, I can wheel out my Murphy again. I know. You're right. Yeah, he has made Phil Lamar so rich just being, being TV Donkey and walmart commercial donkey <laughs> so the real struggle was in 1996 they were doing storyboards the cgi was really having trouble coming together the story behind the scenes was quote if you failed on prince of egypt you were sent to the dungeons to work on shrek <laughs> and being sent to work on shrek was called being shreked like is like oh god i got shreked i'm working on shrek like it was just seen as like this no-go like it was just not going well no script would get locked down katzenberg still believed in it over time the character you can see some early character designs like a little more like chris farley and a little more like they <laughs> they gave him more of chris farley's nose they gave him hair which shrek does not have in the original book but they they want to look more like chris farley with little to show after more than a year the animators have a quick demo reel of test footage it was one minute of it i couldn't find it out there anywhere but you can find pictures of what their shrek looked like it's hideous and they said that unlike it, the final <laughs> version oh yes no it'll make you appreciate real shrek more if you see original shrek uh, i could find online a storyboard of it and it's like shrek strangles a guy and he turns purple like out of a looney tunes cartoon and katzenberg hated 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 it hmm fired the propeller heads they're like you guys but it also didn't help too that the propeller heads were already starting to get hired for other stuff jj abrams had sold a couple scripts and he's like what am i working on this shrek shit for <laughs> like i'm a well-connected like son of hollywood katzenberg kills that version of it brings on new writers to start back over that's joe stillman of king of the hill and beams yeah. and butthead to america and adventures of pete and pete that's right right and roger shulman who had just worked on balto for emblemation and alf he was an alphabet so they're reworking the script and not only that but briefly nightmare before christmas director henry Selick was brought onto it and it sounded like he did not have a good time mm. and, and was not very long the director of it millions of dollars later the production was briefly shut down by late 1996 seemingly it was all ogre oh even though they had all this chris farley stuff so 97 they started back up they're working on it some more they record more stuff with chris farley they have a completed ish storyboard that is not that close to the film but close enough that you can see oh they could make a film with this and chris farley has recorded 85 percent of his dialogue but then a week before christmas of 1997 oh. chris farley passes away from a mix of drug overdose and heart disease 33 oh, 33 awful just it's tragic every time i say it i got the thing now he wouldn't even be 60 like he'd be i mean to imagine chris farley living to 50 it, well, well it, i can't imagine that a 50 year old chris farley what that would even look like 
I know. It's like, that's not the life he lived. It was only known as like, oh yeah, Chris Farley, he had played Shrek, but that was just like a story. There was never any footage until 2015. Someone got two minutes of the footage, released it online. So here is a scene that is pretty close to what is in the final movie. You can hear how Chris Farley would have played it. Oh, this is another one of those onion things. No, this is one of those drop it and leave me alone things. Well, why don't you want to talk about it? Why do you want to talk about it? Why are you answering the question with a question? Why are you asking questions I don't want to answer? Why are you blocking? I'm not blocking. Then why do you have problems expressing your wants? I don't. I want you to shut up. See? No problem. You're just displacing your anger. Believe me, it's properly placed. You're really mad at whoever did this to you. No one did anything to me. Yes, yes, yes. Someone hurt you so bad. Someone hurt you many years ago. Leave my parents out of this. Breakthrough. <laughs> His parents were part of the script originally, too. Like, the Shrek's, Shrek's parents were important before. But yeah. I, I might have liked the movie more with Chris Farley. I feel that this is going to sound terrible, <laughs> but I feel that Mike Myers is like an empty human being. That's why he's so good at playing characters, because he has nothing to him. A lot of comedians are like that. A lot of actors are like that. But I think Chris Farley doesn't do like a lot of voices. He plays one kind of character, and there's a lot of pain in his, in his life, and there's a lot of, he's got a lot of demons. So I feel like that portrayal has a lot more humanity than the fat bastard impression we get well yeah i think too the mike myers like he buries a lot like if yeah he, whatever his real feelings are are just buried beneath like eight layers of uh, onion like layers <laughs> uh, but like so many layers of self-hatred or just like love of comedy or also like weird sexual and race stuff as well all mm. mixed in that come out in his films i mean how many times does he make movies about like well then my girlfriend got fucked by a guy oh right <laughs> But you're right, that Chris Farley Shrek is just him. Like, Chris Farley's not playing a character there. Like, that you're feeling the pain of Chris Farley through there. It's yeah. a much more natural performance. Yeah. You're not at the distance of, like, well, I know this is like a Scottish accent that he loves to do in so many characters. And I'm thinking of two other characters that for movies I like well, at the same time. And, and also like his SNL characters, too. Uh, he, right. he played like the... If it's not Scottish, it's crap. crap. <laughs> but before Mike Myers came in, at some point after Chris Farley's passing, Nicolas Cage was offered Shrek. He had, uh, would tell this story when he was doing promotion for The Croods. He's like, yeah, I turned down Shrek, kind of regret it. I did The Croods to make up for it because I, I was like, oh, I should have been Shrek. He would have been a bad Shrek. Uh, and another thing that came out way later after the film came out was that along with Chris Farley, in the original cast, Fiona was played by Janine Garofalo. Oh, okay. A very different energy than Cameron Diaz would bring to the role. Garofalo was let go. She had funny interviews later saying just like, yeah, I was let go, never said why, but it's not like that became like a big movie or anything. You <laughs> oh, know? Poor Janine, uh, but then she had Ratatouille fame. Yes, after yeah. That. And, and plus she was on what, Criminal Minds or a thing like that. Like she's doing fine, but I could see... If I'm Janine Garofalo and see how Cameron Diaz got paid $10 million for Shrek 2. For her flat performance. <laughs> eh, look, Cameron Diaz, she's a good actress. She's fine. I she's like fine. Her. Also, apparently she's like retired from acting now. She hasn't been in a movie in like five or six years now. That's the way to do it. Is it? she one of the bad moms? 
No, that was Christina Applegate. Okay. She was. Oh, she could have been a bad mom. She was a bad teacher. Oh, she was, she was the, bad teacher. Yes, Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot the that the other SEO movie. Uh, and also sex tape. She was in the sex okay. tape where she's like, the sex tape is in the cloud. Oh. Uh, but when she was hired to play Fiona, uh, she was hot off the heels of "There's Something About Mary" and "My Best Friend's Wedding." Mm-hmm. Like Cameron Diaz was the it girl. By the time this had come out, she'd also had her first like big starring, big, big starring role in Charlie's Angels. Right. And she was in another movie with another green guy, The Mask. That's right. Yeah, that was her first movie. She she loves green men with her old face. (laughs) Oh, I'm just uh, <laughs> really bitchy today. I'm sorry. Uh, but so that's where Shrek, Shrek is such a nasty, mean movie. Yeah. That puts us in this way. But but so they still don't really know what they're going to do with Shrek. They then decide, you know what? PDI is done with ants. Let's send it up to them. So while there was a lot of boarding and stuff being done in Los Angeles, it would get sent up to the Bay Area to work on a PDI. And folks said that every single frame of Shrek, Katzenberg is very involved in. He approved everything. <laughs> but also, a thing that really helped PDI was they're up here in the Bay Area. And Katzenberg lives in L.A. And while he could fly up once a week, you got four whole work days a week where you didn't have Jeffrey Katzenberg yelling at you. What's the benefit of working outside of L.A.? Yeah, you can better believe that's why eventually PDI got shut down. But that's uh, that's farther off. <laughs> so, so following Farley's passing, what was the biggest film of 1997 in comedy? Of course, it was Austin Powers' Man of Mystery. Mike International Mike, Man of Mystery. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no one thinks about that subtitle. Uh, yeah, you just call it the Austin Powers. Mike Myers, huge, huge, huge comedy guy by then. And at first, he wasn't interested. And I think yeah, part of it was, he, he would say part of it was, he felt bad that his friend Chris Farley was dead and didn't want to replace his voice mm. acting. And I think they... For a time, they even floated the idea of like, we could just get like Kevin Farley to do the remaining lines we need. It's an 85% done film. But I think Katzenberg, in a smart business strategy, realized if this actually succeeds, are we just going to have Kevin Farley in every movie after that? Like, we need a person who can be in more movies and sequels and everything if it's a success. So they went hard for Mike Myers. Mike Myers agrees to do it, but he wants his own team to rewrite the film uh. more to his feel. That's why there are so many Mike Myers one-liners in the movie of just like the Mike Myers trick of saying a bad joke and then going like, oh, hey, hey, I'm sorry. Like that, that's there all over the place. I, in I guess it's kind of smart for him to have writers like that because it's why uh, Dana Carvey never rose to the Myers level. Exactly. He didn't have that kind of co- uh, quality control for sure. He, he just wanted to be the turtle man and turn it up at the oh this, this was not the year of master of disguise that would be next year yes yeah it was filmed this year yes as we, all, we know. all know the story yes. the turtle club was a <laughs> moment of silence for us all uh so mike myers in his original line readings did something pretty close to his ontario accent i read this was kind of fluctuating i read other reports that said his voice was more like his lothar of the hill people voice from from snl Hmm. they were also starting to find a lot more heart for shrek with myers in there like myers there is a usually a little moment of like heart and humanity to his jokesters they bring in there but and they got rid of the parent stuff too Hmm. so they then got some co-directors for it 
Katzenberg was a big believer in co-directors on, on most of his early DreamWorks animation films. For example, Road to El Dorado has, I believe, five credited co-directors. One of them, David Silverman, who got fired after a year from it. Oh, I forgot about that. Then went to Monsters, Inc. On this one, the first two co-directors, Andrew Adamson, who would stay with the film to the end, and Kelly Ashbury. Now, Adamson was a New Zealander trained in visual effects. He had worked on Frighteners and Batman Forever. Asbury, meanwhile, was a Disney feature veteran. So the strategy on Shrek in general was we'll get a 2D guy to work with a 3D guy and they can fill in the blanks on each other's discrepancies. Will they get along? (laughs) I actually think they did not get along because (laughs) Kelly Asbury did not stick around. But apparently it was Adamson that story goes that while Katzenberg wanted Shrek to be edgy, Adamson kept pushing it to be edgier and edgier. Like it was Adamson who came up with the, there's a joke where a sheet rises ever so slightly while Farquaad is looking at pictures of Hmm. Fiona in bed and then he like kind of blushes and everyone's grossed out. You have to, the joke is he has such a small penis that a boner rising, raising the sheets is almost imperceptible, but they still kept it in there. That was Adamson who wanted that. Uh, He also wanted a scene where welcome to the jungle would play while uh, Shrek is being chased and Katzenberg's like, no, we're not, we're not doing that Mm -hmm. one. We will pay Smash Mouth, but not (laughs) Sons and Roses. Everybody was shocked how much Adamson was like forceful with Katzenberg. They thought he'd get fired, but I think Katzenberg actually kind of respected how you've got spunk. (laughs) They also had three high-level board artists, who I'll get more into in the the film when we talk about it. But they really were invested in these board artists who, in Pixar style as well, they're like, you know what? You're so funny at this temp voice. You can be the magic mirror. You can be the three little pigs. And you can be the gingerbread man. And Pinocchio, too, right? Is he oh, and Pinocchio one of those guys? as well, yeah. yeah. They were like Joe Ramp, too. Just like, oh, you're so funny, forget it. Like, so I believe Jimmy Fallon was originally going to be the mirror voice. Ooh. And they're like, you know, this other guy's funny. Get him out of everything. <laughs> he can't do anything without giggling, that guy. Uh, so 1998, Asbury, not enjoying it. They do keep some of his storyboards, but he leaves the director position. He moves over to Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, oh. which is like, hey, it's the best drawings of horses you'll ever see i bet it is and believe it or not bob spirit is actually got turned into an incredibly successful netflix series in the last five years and they're about to have a, a sequel theatrical wow. sequel to spirit in theaters you know what while skimming around on netflix i think i saw it but i forgot it was a dreamworks thing it's like skylanders my husband was like oh they skylanders it because it's <laughs> like technically it's a spirit sequel but they changed all the parts of it um uh, but yeah so Asbury, though, would go on to direct Shrek 2 and a whole lot of Shrek shit ripoffs. Like, I believe he is the Nomeo and Juliet director. Oh. So instead, brought in his co-director was somebody who had moved up to, like, head of story, one of their top storyboarders, until she was eventually co-director. And she was, like, one of the first women to, I don't believe the first, but one of the first women credited as a director on a feature-length animated film that is vicky jensen uh she was a spumco og hmm. she had worked on mighty mouse and the original run on ren and stimpy had left that i think uh she was like an early visual designer on ren and stimpy a lot of a lot of the look of ren and stimpy okay. some of it can be credited to her she left that for fern gully and pretty much it stuck in feature from that so when you see especially ren and stimpy and fern gully 
this is a woman who knows how to do gross farts and forests, <laughs> which makes her perfect for Shrek. So in a way, Ren and Stimpy inspired Shrek. Okay. <laughs> so Jensen was brought in post Farley to get a new feel for the character. As Jensen and Adamson would say, they, they kind of split it 50-50 directing, like as in, I take these scenes, you take these scenes, and it'll be a movie in the end. And with Katzenberg overseeing it all. So that's why, too, I'm like, well, this is Katzenberg's movie because it's like multiple directors who just oversee stuff, and he oversees them. Hmm. Uh, without Farley involved, they also redid the look of Shrek into the final version we see, which, while DreamWorks has not said this, it 100% looks like the old-timey wrestler slash carnival performer Maurice Tillette, a.k.a. the French Angel. Really? I've never <laughs> seen a picture of this guy. If you search just real-life Shrek and see this black-and-white photo of Maurice Tillette, you will be like, yeah, that's just Shrek. They just did. That's oh. his face. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, yeah. He was a pro wrestler back in the days where being a pro wrestler meant you look like a freak and you shove people. You have some kind of genetic disorder, correct? <laughs> yeah, he, he did. He, he had, like Andre the Giant's gigantic, but it was selective his body was like it wasn't a small body but it wasn't in proportion to his head his head was much bigger as were his hands he looks like the brute man he does he does and also they cut out shrek's parents no more of that also as the edginess kept growing they took many more swipes at disney particularly in all the scenes set in duloc and the Eisner-faced villain Lord Farquaad, voiced <laughs> by John Lithgow. In one of the things I read, even they acknowledged that while Farquaad's face, well, one, Farquaad sounds like fuckwad. Fuckwad, yeah. Uh, but Farquaad's face definitely looks like Michael Eisner, but other people do acknowledge, and I think even Katzenberg himself maybe was forced to, that Lord Farquaad is an overcompensating little man who uh, created his own fiefdom to fight other people, and... It more sounds like Jeffrey Katzenberg than uh, than Michael Eisner. It really does. I think he's projecting. Yeah, I think so. I I think it could be that also the artists who are sick of Katzenberg, they're like, let's say it's making fun of Michael Eisner, <laughs> but we all know it's making fun of him. Or, hey, maybe Katzenberg actually had a good sense of humor. He's like, fine, make fun of me. It's a good character. I kind of doubt I don't that think one. so. Yeah. <laughs> so... We're in 1999. The film is really starting to finally take shape. Like Adamson said, in 1999, they finally had a real storyboard. And they're like, this can be animated. This film, which we've taken forever to figure out, to turn a 32-page joke kids book into a 90-minute film, they felt they really captured it. They're starting to work on animation. Most everything's locked into place. Mike Myers sees a work cut of a lot of temp stuff and mainly storyboards. And he thinks, you know what? My accent isn't good for mm. this. He felt that with a fancy kind of English villain in Farquaad, he's like, I need like a rougher guy. I need a Scottish accent. And the thing he seemed to not understand was with locked story and animation already starting on Shrek scenes where his lips are moving to the old lines, they would have to redo a good third of the film. Ugh. And they did. They paid an extra $4 million. As Katzenberg tells it, he knew it would cost a lot, but he's like, I gotta trust Mike Myers on this. And so he ate the cost and paid $4 million. And also, I'm sure Katzenberg did have to do a lot more work because of that. 
but so did a shitload of other people yeah. who worked a lot longer than Katzenberg on it. I think that gave them a lot of Austin Powers goodwill because he made that choice before the second movie came out, I'm guessing. And that was yes. huge. Even yeah. bigger than the first movie. <laughs> yeah, Fat Bastard was 2000, and, right? 99. Oh, 99. 99. So yeah, it was. And yeah, the Shrek, I do think he does seem a little more hard scrabble. If I was like, his Lothar the Hill People voice is a sillier, even sillier voice. Like you kind of, it would feel, the you wouldn't feel for Shrek when you're supposed to feel sad for him as opposed to like when he's talking about how he's like i push people away before they can reject me that feels better in a in a scottish voice i will say they decide fuck it we'll just redo all of these shrek scenes to <laughs> redo the mouth movements and acting uh production designer on it james hedegas hegedus uh was tasked by katzenberg to create what he called hyper reality look to the film like inspired by artists like grant wood and originally they thought they were going to have to make real small model sets and then put cgi into it because they just thought like there's no way we can do the lighting stuff hmm. that is demanded for this but pdi they figured it out they're like you know what no i think we can i think we can do it and parts of shrek that don't feel like showing off now like when characters are just walking places were showing off in 2001 because they're like here's a sunflower field here's them walking up a hill we go to all these places you never go anywhere in toy story you go three places in toy story one ha two houses and an arcade and the scope know? of a bug's life was very small yes yeah very small and and very similar looking places too uh, shrek was really showing things off for them and they felt pretty much like they could fold off now they also th seem to think they could do better humans than pixar which I mean, if you compare in 2001, the one human who's in Monsters, Inc., like Boo, she is much better executed human than, say, Princess Fiona or Farquaad mm -hmm. in this. Like, she's she feels much realer. But the, you're always going to have that Uncanny Valley. Even today, you still do. All of this tied together with a soundtrack brought to you by Geffen's DreamWorks Records that included Smash Mouth, as oh, we yeah. said, who I'll, I'll talk about that in the intro of the real film. The Baja Men, Rufus Wainwright, The Eels, and many more was sold on like, yeah, get the soundtrack. Like the film is full of songs that you wouldn't hear in most Disney films because it's like, no, these are just pop songs meant to sell soundtracks because they didn't want Shrek to be a musical. So they're like, well, then how do you sell a soundtrack without a musical? And they realize like, well, just have like Cohen cover playing over. Montages. Yep. Yep. There were multiple times where they did a cover in the movie that then afterwards like, shit, this person isn't signed to DreamWorks. Uh, we'll get a DreamWorks person to just do <laughs> a separate cover. So the version of hallelujah you hear in shrek is different than the one you'll get on the album so they're working on shrek but they were still pretty nervous they were like i don't know if it'll be a hit it's a weird film about like farting and and gross stuff with a very annoying donkey character in it will it work they debuted at con they think they're going to be laughed out of the place but they say it was like they in the story standing ovation at con they loved it like i could see the french sensibility for humor loving shrek they were putting it out in theaters and like i think this will really work and also shocking you look back on it in 2001 
it was a critical success. Like, it really was. It wasn't like four stars most places, but just about every critic. Like Roger Ebert really liked Shrek. <laughs> it was a breath of fresh air for a lot of people after the Disney Renaissance. That's true. I think it was an overcorrection. but uh, An ogre correction? Oh, no, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> but uh, yes, it was an ogre correction. Yeah, I, well, I, I guess you do need to put yourself in the headspace of we're five years of lesser Disney films after Hunchback of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Since then, we're just kind of sick of them. And so having a film that's like, hey, aren't these fairy tales fucking dumb? Here's a cool guy. He's too cool for those Disney fairy tales. I can see why people and also it's it's a meaner, uglier time of jackass. Yeah. We, we need a mean movie about an ugly guy who farts. Things are too easy in the nineties and uh, before nine eleven. It's time to yeah. be mean. Yeah. <laughs> it was a huge hit released in may of 2001 would rake in 265 million domestically it quickly became the most successful dreamworks film to that date and just giant giant hit katzenberg was smiling ear to ear he was like finally i got the hit i needed he was so worried and unfortunately for them though they had several other disney likes in the pipeline very uh, humorously They'd be like, oh, well, we recovered from Road to El Dorado. Then right after Shrek, they put out Spirit yeah. and Sinbad, which almost kills the company. That movie <laughs> I've never heard anyone even reference. It's just a movie that doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, no one remembers it. Yeah, that's... If you wonder, like, if you look back and say, like, Shrek 2 was merchandised on every single thing that existed in part it's because Simbad cost them a lot of money but yes shrek one giant hit first in theaters in may by november it was on the then new dvd format it became to that point the fastest selling dvd it sold 2.5 million in the first month it beat disney at making good dvds with a ton of extra features like it was a highly featured with like you got like three or four original shorts worth of content on that original one of like shrek talks behind the scene on making the movie and and all of this shit it was incredibly popular why then right after dreamworks buys controlling interest in pdi because mm. they're like we need this to be a yearly movie factory now apparently behind the scenes though pdi was really pissed because they had stock options and they think the owners sold out for way too little to DreamWorks. So they all got like fucked out of a bunch of money. Oh, it sucks. Even worse for them. They'd eventually get shut down. Sadly. In like 2015, but, right? Yep. Yeah. So, but Shrek itself sold so many toys, soundtracks, Xbox launched with a Shrek video. Oh, game. that's right. It was one of the big games of the Xbox launch, like exclusive to Xbox, the Shrek video game on the green console. It was perfect. Game. It was perfect. You drink your surge. You play your Shrek game. On the, <laughs> I mean, also too, he's he's right there with Master Chief. It's a, it's a green system. I recall that at my grocery store at the time where I was working, we had green ketchup because of Shrek. Oh yes, yep. God, I forgot that green ketchup. Man. <laughs> All right, and by Shrek too, they would have green filled Twinkies mm. as well because they were supposed to be Shrek's like swamp sludge in a, in a Twinkie. They just How recycled delicious. the ooze from Ninja Turtles. It was just a turtles ripoff yeah and yeah that would be all topped off cherry on top of shrek's first year was in the newly invented first time ever oscars best animated feature category shrek was the winner mm. they beat out only two other nominees jimmy neutron 
and Monsters, Inc. Jimmy Neutron, get out of that category. I don't care if you're animated. <laughs> I do recall in 2002 when that happened, I was bad Monsters, Inc. lost. Yeah. I, I felt that it was, should have won. Maybe, uh, I don't know if this is a surprising fact, but Monsters, Inc. did make more money than Shrek. That's right. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Even but... though it didn't seem to have as much of a phenomenon, but it still made more money. And now I'd say you can look back at Shrek now and it's like they haven't made a new Shrek in 10 years. I mean, there have been the Puss in Boots side shows and stuff yeah. but shrek is only really kept in our memories because of like horrifying memes <laughs> yes <laughs> that's really why shrek sticks around shrek is up there with garfield in terms of uh, memory uh, you're right he's he's garfield 20 years later well because he is such just like garfield a specific look and sensibility yeah and also just this feeling of like oh yeah this was merchandise to shit like it's meaningless let's put meaning <laughs> back into it by it being weird and there's no shrek ride at universal right so there was shrek 4d for a time okay and you can still see shrek 4d in some other places but uh i no i think shrek 4d might still be in orlando but it was replaced in hollywood when you and i went to universal hollywood the dreamworks theater shrek 4d was replaced by the kung fu panda okay. thing but in both cases they're not rides it's a no. theater where your seat moved around so at least california adventure has the ride the movie ride for monsters inc you can be yeah. reminded of the plot of that movie <laughs> that one i've never ridden though because it is like the baby ride and i just don't oh. want to ride a five-year-old's ride it's, it's still fun you could be like oh that's regis under that uh, oh, well, radiation sure. suit of course we we can all love it is like the the dressed up bones of uh, the hollywood limo right but yes shrek was so successful katzenberg for a time still said well i i don't want to give up on 2d in interviews i found him he's going like look we definitely see a future of 3d but we still believe in 2d films and the artistry of that after spirit and sinbad made a decision from the top down no more 2d cancel 2d or make it into a 3d film and after shrek 2 came out it was then just everything they made was a 3d film that on some level was a smirking eyebrow lifted famous person going like um i'm over the hedge guys i don't know about you we've all seen just google dreamworks face the and you'll DreamWorks see it face, yes and a million other ripoffs from it it was a horrible decade if oh. you loved feature animation it was a horrible decade for everybody <laughs> yeah in in always it was a horrible decade it i don't say this lightly but after re-experiencing the decade of shrek and looking back on it i actually do welcome the minions into our lives because <laughs> i'm like you guys are better than shrek you you are cuter and you have a funnier deal than like farting ogre a decade of shrek is a shrekade it's a it, totally missed it <laughs> it's a painful shrekade <laughs> i much prefer the minions or also frozen it's like you know what frozen has more artistry to it like frozen yeah. was kind of their was finally their response to shrek but like shrek was like isn't disney dumb as shit like come on these fairy tales and disney did all these things like we we can joke about fairy tales too and then by frozen they're like no back to fairy tales they are good wasn't uh, tangled was their shrek right where they started yes. to be self-aware yeah yeah well i guess home on the range was a bit of a shrek yeah as well. still want to see that i bet it looks nice it feels like a shrek answer and that also killed 2d animation for them too for a time but so that's why it's hard the legacy of shrek for me is the death of the animation i prefer to 3d yeah like it's and also 
the creation of some of the worst movies and also the supplanting of some of my favorite voice actors by just famous people who can talk like it led to so 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 many bad films it was the road to ruin for mike myers and by the way those wayne and garth uh, uber eats ads or doordash ads whatever they are uh they make me sick they're uh yeah sickening is the right way to put it it's yeah. uh, hey you know the characters you like how about if they're puffy and just <laughs> mutilated by plastic surgery uh, i mean i know mike myers went through a divorce and stuff but like he you don't need to do this no like, no yeah. I, sure bring the characters back i don't care they're bringing everything back but don't do it for this i mean even if it was a giant paycheck and also mike myers is like well i haven't done anything in a while maybe he also feels like this is a rollout of a reintroduction of me to society like i'll remind people of of wayne and then they'll be ready for like another austin powers or something i'll be 10 times sadder seen as austin oh, powers no. though my husband and i came up with a perfect pitch for it i swear i'm sure maybe other people said this but we just talked about this of like okay austin powers his last film it was what 2002 2003 so after that in 2002 austin powers again gets frozen for 20 years and it uh, comes out in 2022 and people have to tell him hey that stuff you did in 2002 is not cool anymore buddy you can't do that oh my god that's perfect because it's been 20 years and i guess the old premise was he was frozen for 30 years yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he, i do he, like it he was frozen from 67 to 97 now it would be 2002 to 2022 austin we don't do ironic racism anymore <laughs> oh can i play me cds <laughs> like, uh so so there free idea for an austin Powers yes. film as for jeffrey katzenberg he would go from success to success but a funny end to this story and a sad one is when comcast bought dreamworks animation which had been spun off into its own company separate from dreamworks they paid an extra 400 million dollars so they wouldn't have to work with jeffrey katzenberg <laughs> like if you bought dwa with katzenberg it was a certain amount if you wanted him to not be boss you had to buy out his Man. contract 400 million dollars that's how much they did not want to work with Cat. i want to be paid to not work that sounds awesome and you know since then comcast i was like oh i don't even think of dreamworks movies anymore trolls is some of the biggest movies around right. and those are dreamworks animated films and trolls world tour famously killed all movies last year yes around yeah, this time yeah i guess we'll see if it kept it dead but yeah that's and meanwhile if you look at any ugly ass cg movie like say ugly dolls or uh any of those smurf ones just look at the credits you will find at least one person who worked on shrek oh, it, or a shrek sequel katzenberg himself meanwhile he'd use all that money to start a little dream called quibi <laughs> uh and meanwhile unfortunately as you know how just recently we saw that blue sky got shut down by disney after they bought this big company comcast did that in 2015 oh. even though pacific data images made the biggest hits they ever made at dreamworks they don't get to keep existing. Comcast like, we don't need another office that's in Northern California. Some of you can come to LA. The rest of you, here's your pink slip. What a fucking thing to do after 15 years after they saved DreamWorks Animation, PDI gets shut down. I don't recall saying good luck. Oh, it's so, so cruel to think that there could be like a crueler taskmaster and not even <laughs> in a fun way of like, there's no fun stories about those Comcast guys like there is of a psycho like Katzenberg. It's just just clean efficiency of shutting yeah. something down so that is the history of shrek i'm sure if we'll do shrek 2 or <laughs> another one i can get more in depth of the things that happen after shrek but a very interesting long road to the theater for shrek impossibly it turned into not only a critically celebrated film but 
one of the most successful films of all time and Shrek 2 would make a fucking billion like <sighs> and that's not counting toys and games like it's just just the film but uh but yes so that's the story of Shrek why don't we take a quick break when we come back we will head to the land of far far away actually this one isn't set in far far away it's in Duloc anyway <laughs> that's the other movies but we will head to Duloc and talk about in depth the film Shrek hallelujah 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 all I ever learned from love was how to shoot at someone who outdrew you and it's not a cry you can hear at night it's not somebody you've seen the light It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah 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 Once upon a time Seize him! There was trouble throughout the land. Oh, now tell me, where are the others? You're a monster! And the only one who could save the day... Don't look down! Shrek, I'm looking down! ...was the unlikeliest hero of them all. Shrek. Shrek? You're expecting Prince Charming. Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, John Lithgow. Shrek, rated PG. Starts May 18th everywhere. Shrek, music from the original motion picture. Shrek, featuring music from the Baja Men, the Proclaimers, Leslie Carter, and Smash Mouth, with a new version of I'm a Believer. Shrek, the motion picture soundtrack, in stores now. On November 2nd, the number one film of the year arrives on video. It's hideous. Oh, that's not very nice. It's just a donkey. It's one of the top films of all time. Man, I'd really love to stay, but you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm an asthmatic. Newsweek calls it smart and hilarious. It gets two big thumbs up. That's right, poo. And now Shrek has an all-new longer ending, and the only place you can get it is on the video and DVD. Own Shrek on video and DVD Friday, November 2nd. Once upon a time, there was a lovely princess. But she had an enchantment upon her of a fearful sort, which could only be broken by love's first kiss. She was locked away in a castle, guarded by a terrible fire-breathing dragon. Many brave knights had attempted to free her from this dreadful prison, but none prevailed. She waited in the dragon's keep, in the highest room of the tallest tower for her true love and true love's first kiss. <laughs> like that's ever gonna happen. Oh, Lord. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the 
shape of an L on her forehead. The years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense, not to live all fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Only shooting stars break the Hey now, we're back from uh, the break, and I'm sure you all enjoyed hearing uh, basically America's national anthem, yes. All Star. Please stand for the playing of All Star. Uh, it, uh, you know, it's a song about America. It's about everything's dying around this guy. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the the ice we skate is getting pretty thin, but you might as well swim. All the glitters is gold. Like, it's it's about the the denial of living in America. It predicted the gig economy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? But so uh, it's been a few weeks since we recorded the history segment. That's just how these podcasts work. And I've uh, watched it for the, for the first time in 20 years. And I got to say, if you were born after 1990, you might not like my opinion about Trek because <laughs> I, uh, I didn't think it was bad. I just felt nothing. I felt nothing. I was going through a green corridor of Shrek, and I reached the end, and I just felt nothing. And I thought, usually, even with a bad movie, I'll smirk, I'll go, huh, or whatever, but nothing. No no reaction from me from Shrek. And I have a lot of issues with the storytelling. There are a few things that did impress me, like the animation at this time. They're doing a lot of things that are very ambitious, and sometimes they work. But overall, I'm panning Shrek. Yes, okay. I, I understand that. I mean, you know, when you... Compare it to 2001, other CGI films like, well, it wasn't 2001, it was 2000, but Dinosaur by Disney. Like, yeah. This is way better than Dinosaur. And Dinosaur had to cheat by having filmed backgrounds. Shrek makes its own backgrounds, you know? And I, I think I mentioned this in the history segment, but what I don't like about Shrek is that it makes me defend Disney. <laughs> and while watching this movie, there's all of these jokes about, no singing, songs are stupid. You know what's harder than complaining about writing songs? Writing a song. Writing a good song. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you could have put yeah. songs in this instead of just doing these needle drops of things that I find very cringeworthy. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm going to get mad about this podcast. <laughs> about this uh, movie, sorry. I'm also well. mad about having to talk about Shrek. You <laughs> voted for it. Oh, wait, no uh, one voted for it. This is Henry's idea. Well, was it yes or no? Yeah. It was. So, I mean, they, they could have saved you from my idea. But uh. no, I will say it's important culturally for me to know more about Shrek. So yes, yeah. I'm happy for that opportunity. But You got to uh, learn about Shrek sometime. It's true. Yeah. They're not teaching in schools anymore. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, I watched this uh, three times yesterday with one version of the DVD commentary, another with the other commentary, and then full on. And uh, the DVD commentary is interesting because mm. it is recorded before Shrek becomes really Shrek. Like, it was definitely recorded after Shrek is a big success in theaters, but they didn't know that it would also be the biggest DVD of all time mm. when they recorded it. But it's an interesting kind of quiet commentary of uh, producer Aaron Warner, directors Vicky Jensen and Andrew Adamson. And uh, I learned a couple of things uh, overall. One, I don't know if the pipeline's different now, but they talked about how hard it was for some people to get into it because they did not have a lead animator for characters. Like mm. on 2D, it was just, if you got a scene, you animate every character in it. So if you're wondering why there's not more consistent acting with Fiona or Donkey per scene, it's because 
a specific animator had different views on okay. it. Okay, yeah. I, I kind of noticed that. Just, oh, Shrek is acting different in this scene, or he's, fa- he's making different faces, or he's not making any real uh, faces at all. He's just kind of yeah. robotic. I don't know if they fix that for later Shreks of like, oh, you're the lead Shrek animator, you're the lead whoever animator, and who who is quality control on that. I, I also, uh, learning about it, like, Vicky Jensen and Andrew Adamson, they are a funny pair because uh, that really gives you the flavor of this film because Jensen comes from 2D 90s fart cartoons. Right, right. And and Adamson comes from a visual effects background who'd never directed a film before. So you put that together, a guy who's, you know, good at special effects for 2001 and somebody who does farts, that's Shrek. <laughs> special <laughs> effect farts. Uh, and, and also an interesting thing that maybe you've seen it on the internet of their in-between storyboard bits where it's just, you know, static action figures like flying through a scene of like, here's how the run would go. And it's just a Shrek in a T-pose flying forward. Those are just so funny to look at. And and I found out they animated most of the scenes with the characters essentially naked. And, <laughs> and then they'd add the clothes afterwards because like, this is a pain in the ass Ooh, to do clothes. I want the naked Shrek cuts. <laughs> I mean, Donkey is hairless, I guess. Yeah. uh, Boy, uh, this movie made me remember a lot of memes and recognize a lot of memes online. Like, oh, there's that face. There's that gif. Uh, I just (laughs) completely, like, I knew they came from this movie, but that's all I could think of when I saw it on the screen. And I will say, in this movie's credit, the sequels have to be better because I feel like their hands are tied because they have to adapt this very simple book. They feel tied down to the message of the book. And they also want to tell their own wild, cynical 90s story. But it's at odds with what the book has uh, in it. the odds with what the book is trying to say i think shrek 2 is better but it also worsens the things that are in this they're like oh well if you like that matrix thing they will reference visually specific films over and over and Mm. over again like in the just the opening bit set to counting crows accidentally in love they do like the spider-man upside down kiss and i think like one other movie reference too yeah (laughs) i was also surprised and uh happy to see maybe we'll find them in our discussion but no gay jokes in this i i fully Mm. expected to be like oh farquad falls over he's wearing a bra and panties or something Mm. or something like that an easy joke (laughs) for this era but yeah maybe just because they didn't have any other characters that could make them and uh even with robin hood i was sure with the merry men they we're going to do but instead it's that he's a creep but a yeah. heterosexual creep i guess well i do remember in shrek 2 when they need pinocchio to lie and make his nose grow for some escape plan pinocchio says i'm not wearing women's underwear and then the nose grows you know i was also expecting more pinocchio and gingerbread man i remember them being in the movie a lot more uh they well because they got one scene in this that people liked they then were in all of the marketing all of the like if you watch the um bridge film between this that was also a theme park ride shrek 4d Mm. they're all over that because it once katzenberg sees that a side character was more popular than he thought that goes in your face instantly and it's an animator you don't have to pay as much as mike myers well that okay that's also interesting too because all over this thing is storyboarders doing the voices and i think about how like in the future ones they'd say well we can't give this prime character in over the hedge to some storyboarder just find a a mid-tier sitcom star french stewart french stewart and just give it to him like if we're gonna give five lines to somebody give it to jimmy fallon tony danza (laughs) tony what's he doing yeah yeah you you wouldn't make a star out of a storyboarder that that's kind of what i i like about this that it does have kind of the 
Pixar feel and PDI was a similar sized and located place that I think just like how Joe Ramph just did voices. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, that's just an awesome voice. He's funny. Just keep it that same deal. And I don't want to disparage anyone who worked on the movie in the in the artistic side because I feel like they're working very hard. They're doing some ambitious things they really can't pull off, but they're trying. Yeah. yeah. And I do think it was a mistake to try to do photorealistic humans in 2001. <laughs> you can even see that Pixar was very, very selective for their first five or six years of movies of how much humans you would see. Oh, yeah. Until uh, Incredibles. And even then they were very stylized. And even now they don't do photorealistic humans. They are a little cartoony. Yeah. Like, say, Brave the uh whatever yeah. her name is bravey mcbrave merinda melinda yeah. uh, merida they, merida there thank you thank you it. merida yeah it's, a, it's an all right movie all right yes yeah but... it's not the last dinosaur <laughs> give it a break uh, but yes but she looks cartoonish and big like the way they they do people or like any of the characters in wreck it ralph for instance too. i i yeah. can't deal with human fiona and my skin crawls <laughs> it's just that she's bad it's uh, bad news you know maybe they also wanted her to live in the uncanny valley so you'd like her sh- uh ogre form more you'd be like oh this is who she should be i like this more. farquad's a little better because he's a bit cartoonier but yes, uh yeah. you can tell why there's a lot of helmets on his guys <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah well well i guess we should start with a very crass in your face 90s opening where we have a storybook uh, tale being told like it's the opening to sleeping beauty or beauty and the beast and then shrek literally wipes his ass with those stories this ain't your mama's disney movie i know it's uh, i I don't think when I was a uh, a teen, I was going to say like, oh, I was a little kid. I'm going to pretend that I'm 10 years old. Whenever younger. you're talking about a movie from 2006, you're like, I was a baby. Yes, I was a baby. I then. was chewing on something. <laughs> uh, but no, when I was... An illegal uh, adult. When I was 18 watching this film, I don't think I even fully got that he wiped his ass with that oh, page. Innocent Henry. Like, yeah, I did. Uh, even though they go so obvious with even the uh, another page is stuck to his foot. Like every every obvious joke, it's they take some very, very obvious swings here. Yeah. <laughs> but the storybook being told is Fiona's story and kind of the story of Shrek. It even does end with all of the villagers watching, uh, celebrating their wedding day mm-hmm. in, in both this film and the book. And yes, he says, yeah, right. Like that's ever going to happen. What a load of flush. Like. Another beloved thing Katzenberg did, like in Lion King, is have a swear almost be said. Now they say ass so many times in this movie. Referring to the donkey, though, correct? I, I don't think they ever say ass in a way that's like not where you could get away with saying, no, 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 we're talking about donkey. I'm, I'm saving my ass. Yes. Or yeah. you're an ass kisser, right? <laughs> yeah, nobody likes to kiss ass. Yeah. <laughs> if you're born in Catholic school, you just go to the Bible, find the place where they talk about asses. It's great. <laughs> And uh, also when he slams the door on his shithouse. Somebody. Yes. The directors apparently wanted the Crescent Moon logo on the shithouse to be the DreamWorks logo. Oh, that's great. Uh, but they weren't allowed to. That was, oh. uh, they were prevented from doing that. Uh, I kind of enjoyed the DreamWorks logo. The S is turning into Shrek S's. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I, I was like when fun. you play with logos. It can get a little <laughs> uh, offensive at times, but uh, uh, I like it. I mean, look, you don't have to say you love this film, but. Are there a few things more iconic from a 2001 film than Shrek bursting open that door and it's somebody like I, I, th- yeah. I think it's the only used track in this song that works the only a licensed track in this song that fully works a lot yeah. of them feel like well that's too obvious or why is this a montage what's happening you're <laughs> only playing montage. 20 seconds of this song yeah man I just think uh, that term from our podcast the ride friends of 2000 core like this 
whole sequence is so 2000 core. Like, it's just slime and gross shit everywhere while Smash Mouth's All-Star is just playing the entire time. Like, uh, I'm also sad that there was a time where you could say All-Star was cool, as in they aren't the jerks you thought they'd be because they were very, like, pro-trans rights and pissing off any reactionary fans of theirs and then they did that fucking show in sturgis the super spreader event and when everybody told them please don't do this you don't need to and like all these bikers at sturgis what do they care about smash mouth smash mouth made covid 40 percent worse worldwide (laughs) they did uh you can like literally now say all-star killed people yeah that song like it they would be accurate i was warning people for decades (laughs) and we see the character's name spelled out in different things that he's doing like mud and slugs and john lithgow's name is spelled out in maggots later are there any artistic credits up front or is it just like the three or four stars oh yeah no just the star names yeah up so front. it's like yeah. uh mike myers eddie murphy cameron diaz and john lithgow and that's it that's all the credits we get up front right that's right that yep. sucks it's all, well you know blame iotzi for not having as good a union as, mm. as sag or wag you know like it's the director should be named on the screen but that also is very much the katzenberg style like well we got famous people tell people how famous there is yeah and, and also make people think you're you're watching a Mike Myers movie. This is just like an Austin it's, Powers movie. It's just Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy goofing around. No yeah, one made this. Yeah, not, not a person animated it. When it when you see Shrek, that's uh, Mike Myers made that face and then the character did. It's, you know, it's, it's really similar to like a year later when Gollum was getting all of that praise every piece of media was about just how Andy Serkis it's like oh look at Andy Serkis he made this face and then Gollum made that face and Andy Serkis is probably the best motion capture actor working but animators made a lot of choices with his performance and made it work mocap was so primitive back then they really dressed up his performance with so many little touches yeah i i think that kind of you know advertising and that pitch went so mainstream that even to this day people think that if you do mocap on it that no animator did any work or anything like there's there's definitely bits in this movie where i think oh yeah they probably did start with motion capture for like a movement to character did or even a facial expression but then an animator had to make it work way better Mm -hmm. than the the uncanny valley it lived in before but but it's also in Katzenberg's interest like he doesn't care about pissing off people below the line he wants to be very friendly to Mike Myers and Cameron Diaz and Eddie Murphy and John Lithgow we'll get to this but I have a feeling that they told Eddie you know the script is just a suggestion Eddie have fun <laughs> yes. have fun we'll record it all we'll use it all yep there's lots of lines in here that I can just tell you like well no that's just Eddie Murphy making it I think Mike Myers actually had even more control than than Murphy like they just said hey Murphy you know have some fun here while Mike Myers said well I think Shrek is this and I'm gonna to do this bit and this bit and Shrek says so many things in here that just as a fan of comedy you know are just Mike Myers like words yeah yeah but but yes about all-star early in their uh temp track editing of the film uh in storyboard form they were using all-star and they were thinking boy this is good but i don't know if we actually can use it but this works better than any other song we're trying for this opening sequence they really wanted to do it they contacted smash mouth they said no at first but then they gave them the closing song in the movie as a second song on the soundtrack to make them even more money and so they're like fine use all-star how much money did 
Smash Mouth make off this movie? I would bet Shrek alone has made them $100 million. Why did they like, need to play Sturgis at all? Yeah, Just stop. I, I stop playing music. You're done. Um, you know, they, they they wanted a third house in Venice, Bob. Mm. Yeah, the, who are you? Yeah, well, you, you, you some Marxist trying to take away their third house, Bob? That guy needs to buy more bowling shirts. Yeah. He, <laughs> I bet he buys like $700 bowling shirts. <laughs> so like, no, these are the fans. These are the Armani <laughs> bowling shirts. And yes, in the okay. in the sequence here, they also talked about some of the most complicated stuff they did in the film was trying to animate mud sliding down Shrek's bare ass. Like that was some of the hardest stuff they did. I was paying attention to things like mud and water and fire. There's some really awful fire in this movie, but oh, sure. uh, the liquids are pretty good for this era. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the fire was as good as they could make it then. I, I it kind of looks like but... N64 fire. <laughs> There's they... one scene where they, uh, they throw a book into the fireplace. It looks like oh, I saw that in Zelda. Like oh yeah. I, I lit that torch in Zelda. Yeah, when he had the uh lay in the hallelujah section where he throws the sunflower into the fire, that fire is the worst looking fire it's, in the it's movie. It's pretty bad. Yeah. There's better fire in the movie. <laughs> but the mud going down his butt. That looks all right. That's that's all right. And the yeah. mud getting pushed out of the log. Yeah, yeah. When you're thinking, what's happening in the scene? <laughs> and then you realize, oh, it's him like being shoved through a log or pushing himself through a log. They wanted us to think that was like shit. Yeah, he's, he's shitting through a log. Yeah, he uh, also in a very like a wink to Austin Powers. There's a lot of winks in here, <laughs> but they hide Shrek's genitals with a, uh, you know, a tree branch is just in the way during the opening shower sequence. <laughs> of Shrek. They also say that like the PDI figured out facial animation a lot better after Ants and also that's why this film though you wouldn't you doesn't read is showing off now in 2001 just seeing this like swamp area look real enough that was them showing off like we couldn't have done this shit yeah. at all in ants and probably them saying too you wouldn't see pixar they couldn't pull off this sludge right now you it's know? uh it's three years later so it's not really a fair comparison but it does look a lot better than the outside stuff in a bug's life i yeah, was impressed yeah. by the outdoor environments for for this era yeah well I, you know it's not just time it is also like if you're a gamer you talk about game engines a lot but pdi is using different tools than pixar and so pdi can do some things better than pixar could do then do you think shrek kills that bug when he gets the stuff out of it for the toothpaste there's a lot of animal abuse in this movie and i don't like it <laughs> oh i know there's one i don't want know. our heroes doing these things to animals <laughs> then shrek takes a nude plunge in a pool shout out to the twitter account every shrek frame in order uh, <laughs> uh that uh, posts a sh uh, like a frame every 20 minutes and uh, the at least at the time of this recording the pinned tweet is frame 3265 which is the frame where you can see all of shrek's butt from his jump into the pool someone so. said that to me yesterday when i was uh watching <laughs> shrek and i reported them uh you that's two 18 plus for twitter <laughs> account yeah and and when shrek rips a big fart in the uh and kills fish with it they tell the story on the commentary that they were in a fancy french screening of shrek and when that fart happened they all like shrunk <laughs> into their chairs like i can't believe i'm here they're not gonna like the robin hood scene coming up uh, you know shrek takes the fish he doesn't eat the fish what's he do with it i gotta think he ate that fish they should too. show him eating the fish yeah. i thought that was gonna be the payoff because mainly he just eats like slugs and bugs eyeballs yeah and i where does he get those eyeballs from that's that's very wasteful if he's just eating the fish eyes and none of the other parts of the fish yeah, he collects a bunch of bugs and bullshit, and and, uh, and then it's cross-cutting to him preparing for a nice evening while we see a bunch of villagers from very far away. You don't 
you see them at night and not close up because even they admit on the commentary most of the villagers they refer to them as potato heads because they just have interchangeable eyes and faces but it's basically this is man this is woman we can make them taller yeah. or shorter but you just change out the face they're not going to model individual characters for scenes like this yeah i mean that's why if you see incredibles which was really only three years after this incredibles has this these many scenes that don't feel like show-off scenes but like in the opening bit where it's a bunch of just people walking to work like it's you know like a scene from new york city like oh the many people that is a show-off scene then they're showing off we made this many bystanders who are unique enough that you can't Hmm. tell that they all come from a formatting thing but also when shrek lights his fire with his belch i was just thinking of a little kid saying like and then mommy and then and then shrek lights a fire with his belch he's so funny <laughs> yes mommy. very good he's so funny let's go home uh but yes shrek introduces himself to both the audience and a bunch of villagers right let's get it hold, hold on do you know what that thing could do to you yeah it'll grind your bones for its bread <laughs> yes well actually that would be a giant. Now, ogres, oh, they're much worse. They'll make a suit from your freshly peeled skin. No. They'll shave your liver, squeeze oh, no. the jelly from your eyes. Actually, it's quite good on toast. Back! Back, please! Back! I warn you! Right. Okay. I like his little scream with the blobs of spit flying out and hitting people. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. And it's important distinction that Shrek does not kill any of these people. He just wants them to leave. He only hurts people in self-defense. Yeah, yeah. If they're coming at him with swords and whatnot. (laughs) Also, you know, when the villagers were walking there, I did like the design of Scarecrow Shrek that was, you know, like a big pumpkin head on it. That was fun. Uh, But... Shrek's big scary ogre speech on the commentary they say was mostly Myers improv, especially having quite good on toast. That sounds like uh, a Myersism for sure. Yes. I'll touch on this a few other times where it becomes evident that they just had to reshuffle the deck. But originally it wasn't that Shrek wanted to be left alone. He wanted to prove to his parents that ogres could be knights. So if you're wondering why there's a whole bunch of shit of him like putting on a knight helmet, competing against knights, that is left over from it's him trying to prove to his dad that an ogre can be a knight as well. I was actually looking up the musical just out of curiosity for this (laughs) podcast, and the musical follows that plot line. Okay, I didn't know that. The parent stuff is in the musical a lot. Oh, all right. See, I didn't, I mean, that gets you to a three-hour musical for sure. Yeah, because this film is kind of light on plot. Oh, boy is it ever <laughs> the only bit i watch from the musical because it's on the the blu-ray is uh the farquad song which is pretty funny if to just see the performer who plays farquad has to do a full like broadway singing and dance thing dwarf style he's oh, on his knees boy that guy that poor man yeah, yeah. he's in the hospital now <laughs> he must add uh, like rock solid quads after God. that yeah <laughs> I, I will say uh i don't know controversial take from bob Mackie. this movie would be much better with songs because <laughs> there is so much dialogue that is inconsequential i feel like the 15 to 20 minutes of donkey saying random things over and over again that have nothing to do with the plot that could have been replaced with songs yeah 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 well i mean uh, or just have donkey sing more things yeah like he's but you know that song thing 
I just remember even the promotion for Prince of Egypt, reading about that in the research, that Katzenberg was like, this isn't songs, no songs. Like, he was so against having songs to prove he didn't need them, I guess. Which is so weird because it was through Katzenberg's connection to Geffen that they even started having songs in The Little Mermaid. Like, Ashman was hired through that. So I guess he could just be, he's like, I never understood why Geffen likes music so much. It's dumb. (laughs) Again, I'm just thinking with the animated movie for kids, kids or for families or whatever it's okay to have a plot this light but usually a third of the movie is occupied with songs so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about the plot being that light because you have an hour of actual storytelling to do uh, <laughs> around those songs but in this movie they don't have that so yeah. i feel like there's so much meandering that happens after the halfway point well i think too that you know another bit on the song thing is that especially as i dissected which songs were and weren't on the album and all that that the goal of dreamworks records was to sell an album with band that are signed with DreamWorks not to do a musical. So it was in their business interest as well, Bob, to just play songs that happen to be by DreamWorks recording artists. Or if they're not by a DreamWorks recording artist, then have a DreamWorks recording artist cover that song. Mm. Uh, That happens later, right? (laughs) Yes. It happens later like three times, actually. (laughs) But so Shrek scares off those guys and he could give a shit about the fairy tale creatures being rounded up. And now, man, I have to say... All this stuff of the rounding up of the fairy tale creatures by the uh, army. I mean, it had obvious Nazi similarities yeah. in, even in 2001. But this really feels like something now, man. The like, baggage of these jokes that used to be funny is really, you can feel it. With this yeah. and the torture sequence, when we used to make torture jokes, and now we were like, well, we were torturing people in 2001, of course. Yes, but yeah. <laughs> now we're more so aware of it. Yes. Yeah. Gingerbread man pretty much gets waterboarded. waterboarded yeah. Yep, yeah. And one in this case case seeing baby bear in a cage and saying this cage is so small i rewound i rewound the movie thinking wait did that just happen yeah because i'm sure i laughed at it i'm Uh, sure i laughed at it when i was 19 and now we're in the age of camps there's so many camps yeah well we'll also think about in 2001 and this is a film made in steven spielberg's production company like even if you didn't know the history of the holocaust and all that as much you definitely knew the scene that starts schindler's list of the proper nazi at the desk in the line of people like that's what they're doing with yeah. jim cummings is playing the knight Man. who interviews the people like this, it, this is too edgy for me yeah uh, it's just shocking like to see that is the joke that like that they are going to like a designated resettlement facility yeah like you know they're being is, put in a ghetto for yes. these uh, marginalized citizens yes and now it has similarities to you know what ice does every single day but in 2001 this was a nazi reference i guess you know in 2001 we all had more nazi jokes because we just thought well this will never happen again we're, ju- we're laughing about the past that's settled if you're gonna put this in the beginning of your movie the movie should be about this and the <laughs> yes. movie really isn't about this actually when they get sent to shrek's home and then when shrek gets rid of him there's no scene of them being like rounded up again or making shrek feel bad it's like hey you just sentenced them to death shrek or yeah. you just moved them out of your swamp i guess they fixed that at the very least by having them all at his wedding at the end that they got freed i suppose but yeah to deal in such 
heavy imagery of out of history and then not really return to it that's uh i don't know that's weird are are these jokes also about disney expanding disneyland um yeah you know i think this was written during the california adventure buildings it probably just opened uh when this movie went live because i I think think it was uh march of 2001 or something like that it was spring i think yeah that's right because all the 20th anniversary stuff for california adventure is has just happened so then they were working on this as the story of disney taking over was in the news well i also think katzenberg probably got off at the idea of like yeah disney's like the nazis they take away (laughs) all these fairy tale creatures and force them into servitude also i mean not only does baby bear have to cry but this is the only time you're seeing mama bear breathing in this movie oh too. you're right i forgot about that yeah yes, you see her yeah. as a rug later <laughs> it's uh it's heavy man it's, so they're uh, also being killed <laughs> yes yeah some die well i think she is the only fatality that's provable in the yes. film which on the commentary the directors are chuckling at getting away with that dead mama bear Oof. but uh but yes everybody is selling their magical creatures into slavery which it also makes me question like who exists as a legal person in this world again like, the uh, movie should be about this yes. because i have so many questions do <laughs> do people own fairy tale creatures do they did, were they arrested were mm. they just uh chased down i don't understand like peter pan is right behind them in line about to sell tinkerbell yeah which it, so peter pan owns tinkerbell i always thought they were on similar levels you know but i guess he like orders around tink a bunch i don't know it's it's weird and then on top of that a chucked plot line here as we introduce donkey is that originally in the plot where shrek wants to be a knight he saves donkey from a witch that cursed him with the ability to speak Hmm. in this case it's just some old lady who never returns. She doesn't appear in other movies. If uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they ever really set up a backstory for Donkey. No, Donkey's <laughs> owner gets a lot of uh, screen time, too. Yes, yeah. She's voiced by the late Kathleen Freeman, who was a character actor known for, uh, well, she was Peg's mom and married with children, mm. if you remember her. Or uh, she was the mother superior in Blues Brothers. She was a mean old lady. That was her character. She played Mother Wanker on Married with Children. Oh, the wankers. Yeah. And then this was one of her final roles, sadly. But uh, and she says, damn. I was like, wow, that's where she's like, I'm talking this damn donkey ever saw. There's some dams in hells. This is this a PG movie? It's PG. PG, yes, yeah. Yeah. Which also was like, Disney wouldn't do that, would it? And also speaking about cold geppetto sells pinocchio like it's like god damn <laughs> though i was very distracted the the guard was jim cummings i was like me wow, too yeah. <laughs> especially because a couple times he's in jim cummings where i think they for one version of the film and they kept the majority of his lines but when they're like oh when he's gonna scream let's not call cummings back yeah. we'll just have have a storyboard to do it who cares in general that donkey's design i find his soulful eyes and human mouth very distracting they, they disturb me uh i will say i don't like the character design in this movie but i will give it to donkey for being a cute character sure he's, maybe he's in his cute. animations uh not necessarily in his face in his cat-like animations or when he acts like a dog those are funny he, he yeah. moves in ways donkeys do not move yeah uh, they also talk about both with shrek and donkey's design a reason they try not to have them be face to face with fiona too much is because you think about how huge their heads are in relation to fiona's yeah i was actually thinking of that when they're in (laughs) Uh, scenes together like god she's just so weird looking next to these characters uh like 
when they have uh, their little cute moment of her on top of him, you can just think like her entire head would fit in Shrek's mouth with room to spare. Like not, she, not to get into vor pornography. She ends up looking like the weirdo in this movie. She, you're right. Yeah. Well, hey, Bob, maybe that's oh, what they, they meant to say. Like, <laughs> what is normal really, Bob? It was all planned from the beginning. Yeah. But, but yes, behind the scenes, the donkey design is based on Perry, a donkey that lived in Palo Alto near the PDI studio. Hmm. So it's like after the movie came out, the tourist board for Palo Alto was like, come see Perry, the real life donkey. But all donkeys kind of look the same, right? You know, he's Not I guess his, donkeys. <laughs> his stature is is similar to it. Look, look it up. He kind of looks like donkey. I don't believe Perry is still with us, though. Uh. But, uh, you know, hey, it was 20 years, you know. But yes, Peter Pan is selling Tinkerbell. So a caged Tinkerbell lands on donkey and then he starts to fly and uh, i also think these jokes are also why disney stopped doing public domain fairy tales as much because they realized by doing peter pan they could then have somebody make fun of them and just have the character called peter pan yeah like in this movie or the three little pigs and we did ducktales last month if you haven't heard that one what happens in that movie happens in this movie too and i absolutely hate it a character looks at the screen and goes uh-oh <laughs> and then something bad happens i can't fucking stand that he, he, he literally goes uh-oh and then he falls it's it's terrible it's terrible uh, he's letting the kids in the audience know something funny's about to happen uh, it's, you know uh, what I, I like eddie murphy I just feel like all of these riffs feel like just total first drafts. They are like the the 90s of riffs. Yes, it is sort of yeah. like the taste like chicken. That's uh, going to leave a mark. Like uh, all of somebody those. Somebody needs a tic tac. Yeah. yeah. Paper or plastic. <laughs> like all of those meaningless riffs. Uh, I feel like that's all he's doing in this movie. And when I do these notes for these movies, I usually write down a lot of dialogue. With Shrek, I rarely wrote down dialogue because it just feels so inconsequential. Well, because they're just a tossed off line by a famous person half the time. Yeah. yeah and watching the picture in picture thing was also really funny because they tell the story of like oh and mike myers came up with this line and then they show footage that's supposed to be like oh here's when he said it and i know that like no 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 you called him in for this day and like let's pretend we're recording <laughs> that line mike he's like okay oh it tastes really good on toast is that a good line like it it feels uh, like those things they do for epks where the people get dressed up very nicely and pretend they're doing the dialogue that they've already recorded exactly exactly by that, the way it's yeah. electronic press kit yes yeah. uh not to be confused with the item that the ghostbusters use which i've often said it backwards pke yes, meter yeah <laughs> the, uh but the german accents on the pigs who say like "Ooh, he can fly they have german accents because it sounded funny like there's no other sure. reason to it for that and those are also all storyboarders i, I yeah. assume so <laughs> again uh, i don't know why i misremembered i remember these characters being in the movie a lot more yeah yeah they just say like a second line i i think it really is because they were in so much more of the advertising also because they yeah. can be their real voices too i don't care if an ogre feels good about himself there are people being rounded up and murdered yes you know like, there's a bigger story <laughs> happening in this movie and they're not uh, telling it yeah yeah i guess it, at least you don't feel bad at all when farquaad dies at the end of the movie but yeah, yeah it's it's weird to to open that can of worms and, and not deal with it uh so donkey starts flying and he says now i'm a flying talking donkey and then has a very weird riff uh, referencing the Dumbo Crows, which is like, you may have seen a house fly, even a superfly, oh. but you've never seen a donkey fly. And also referencing the movie Superfly? Yes, also okay. the film. On that one, I have questions every time Donkey references a thing that we know because 
I have to say, like, well, then how does Donkey know that thing that doesn't seem to exist in this world? Superfly would be the first of those things. And the Pina yeah. Colada song is coming up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But yes, they Donkey gets chased, and it is intentionally, if you see, it's not very long, but when you see uh, the camera behind Donkey's back and he's running through all the trees, it is supposed to be a reference to that bit in Return of the Jedi of the, the fly through oh, the Endor forest. Okay. So. I didn't get the reference, but I liked the shot. Yeah, it's a I good, thought it was a well a done shot. shot. I did yeah. write down the things I liked about the movie visually because there are like I was like oh that's impressive they probably took a lot of work to move the camera like that yeah they, they also talk about the little things that you wouldn't notice of say a tree tree leaves blowing or the all that of like they say if they were static you would notice if we put in a ton of work to make them not static and to move naturalistically you don't notice <laughs> so it almost feels like not worth it but it's just a thing you don't know if they're not there so Donkey, of course, bumps into Shrek's butt, like, directly, just to get more butt humor in here. I almost feel like there was a note that said, if we go 10 minutes without a joke about Shrek's butt, we have failed. <laughs> has to, something has to happen to Back Shrek's butt. Back to the butt. drawing board. <laughs> Where can we fit in a butt joke even here for Shrek's butt? So, uh, yes, Farquaad seal is pulled out, and it, it really does look like the Facebook logo. I couldn't stop thinking of Facebook. <laughs> I had to remind myself, no, this is not a Facebook parody. Facebook is still a few years away. Yeah. Do you think somebody in the offices when they designed that little F were like, hey, this looks like that Farquaad thing from Shrek. Remember Shrek? Let's steal it. <laughs> yeah. This is where they bring up the term of the Jim Cummings guy tries to arrest Shrek and says he's going to be sent to a designated resettlement facility, which, man, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, hey, they've got Wi-Fi there now. Uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, well, they're, they're spaced out a lot more than you'd think. Some of those kids are actually like 16. So, I mean, it's not even like we're not talking like babies here. I'd like a cases. free foil blanket. They look nice. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Free meal every day. What What do you? Uh, anyway. Yes. <laughs> Lots of things are happening in the news. Yes. Uh, and that's when Shrek scares off all the guys just by how huge he is. A guy who's not Jim Cummings screams as they run away. <laughs> and then we get to see the truck is correct. The donkey is annoying and he shouldn't want him around. And that was all I was thinking this entire sequence. I agree with Shrek yeah. on most things. Politically, I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, you definitely wouldn't be like, hey, it's not my business. You know, I, I, hey, I, I'm, I'm not political here. He is an isolationist too. <laughs> he, yes. Yeah. Well, that's a really good way to put it. But in this case, he saves Donkey's life just because he hates those guys more. And then this annoying hanger-on shoves himself into his life like, can I just move in with you? No, you can't. It's my home. Go away. Shrek has a point. <laughs> At least Donkey does have a point of like, well, I'm the only person who even talks to you. <laughs> Isn't that kind of nice? And that's when Shrek yells in his face and he says like another obviously like well, you need some tic tacs here buddy yeah. your you know, breath stinks there are too many moments where you feel like oh shrek crossed the line with donkey he got too mean and then when they finally have to sell that moment you don't really believe it because there's like three moments before that where donkey <laughs> just bounces back <laughs> yeah you're right the, when he says do him in here is twice as mean as what he says in the final moment of uh, of their friendship at the big end of second act breakup but yeah, when he says Tic Tacs, I was like, what are Tic Tacs in this yeah. world? You, can you go to the <laughs> local convenience store and it's still the brand Tic Tacs are here? It's just so 
Like, just have him say breath mints. Like, it, why does it have to be a branded word, you know? I, I was thinking about Donkey in terms of other characters who are similar to him, like Iago. And I was like, well, isn't Iago the same character? But then I thought, no, everything he says is related to the plot. Yeah. He's just yeah. not riffing on things all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's at least funny of saying, you know, I hate that guy, this dumb broad. I, like, yeah. And here it's just Donkey saying, well, it feels like what you'd ask of just a comedian to think off the top of their head. Okay, a guy growls in your face. Ooh, you're breath stinks you smell bad like that's it's the first joke i think by even 19 i by 2001 i knew there were so many jokes of pu somebody needs yeah. some banaka i was thinking banaka banaka is funnier than tic tacs if you want a comedy word it's yeah. banaka well i guess they think you know tic tacs uh, you got you got the hard hmm. c's which the comedy science says is funnier and also he tries to silence donkey and donkey halfway tells a story about eating berries that makes him like fart a bunch which is the fourth fart joke in nine minutes in this film. <laughs> Give the kids what they want. Uh, and so uh, Donkey follows Shrek home and he's, he's got a song in his heart. <laughs> and then I ate some rotten berries. Man, I had some strong asses eking out of my butt that day. Why are you following me? I'll tell you why. Cause I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. My problems have all gone. There's no one to deride me. But you gotta have friends. Stop singing! <laughs> well, it's no wonder you don't have any friends. Wow. Only a true friend would be that truly honest. Listen, little donkey. Take a look at me. What am I? Oh... Uh... Really tall? No! I'm an ogre! You know, grab your torch and pitchforks. Doesn't that bother you? Nope. <laughs> really? Really, really. Oh. Man, I like you. What's your name? Uh... Shrek. Shrek? Hey, you know, I... Okay, I do sort of like the moment that Shrek... It says, oh, you're not scared of me. You're the first person I ever met who's not scared of me. And you want to know my name. No one's asked me that. Because hmm. he goes like, uh, Shrek. Like, I guess he had to think about it. Yeah. I read one reading from a person who worked on the film who likes thinks of that scene as Shrek making up his name on the spot because he's never been asked his name before. He's like, uh, my name's Shrek. Yeah, hmm. Shrek. But yes, that song sung, that is 1973's Friends by Beth Midler. Oh, it's a real song. It's okay. a real song, yes. every No song he sings is a made-up song. Okay, I, a real I, song. I just never heard that before. Well, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg certainly had because he worked with Beth Midler quite a lot in the 80s. Uh, I see. Calling uh, in a favor. <laughs> like in 1989, I found a New York Times story that absolutely feels like Katzenberg getting placement in New York Times, <laughs> but it was about how Beth Midler saved Disney because once Katzenberg and Eisner came in, they loved working with Midler before and they had her star in like four different films that made pretty good 80s money for for a movie and they're like oh Bette Midler saved it and so it was one of those beaches yes one, one of them Ooh. was beaches another was terrible people horrible it, one of those it was something it was the one with DeVito yeah that she did yeah and so I think he probably was like, hey, I should give my friend Bed another payday. Let's just license that song. I, no, I don't know. Eddie Murphy could have just said like, oh, I like this song and start singing. But I have a feeling that was in the script to sing a Bette Midler song. Also, the commentary in a way that feels like they are trying to assuage somebody's ego. Uh oh. They say like, in real life, 
Eddie Murphy's a much better singer than Donkey, and he's trying to sing bad on purpose as Donkey. Oh, so. come on. His girl wants to party all the time. Yeah. We've heard it. Yeah, that is a good song. But Rick James <laughs> helped a lot with that, though. Well, that's why that comment to me feels like Eddie Murphy said, don't let people think I can sing this bad. <laughs> I, I'm a better singer than this. And he is a good singer. He is. I'm not saying he's not. He just celebrated his 60th birthday, I think. <laughs> wow, man. You know, I haven't watched uh, The Coming to America 2, even though it's just on the Amazon. No, it's Coming to America. Oh, pardon me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you have to pronounce the two like the number. Uh, and something I think they do really good with in this movie are eye twitches. When a character twitches yeah. their eye, like Shrek twitches his eye as he is listening to the song sung in his face. And, uh, and yeah, so they just keep walking. I do like the little shot of walking over the flowery hill into the Shrek's home and all that. Donkey insults his home before realizing it's his home. <laughs> then he just invites himself to live with Shrek, which Shrek, I think, is correct to not like that. He's right. Donkey's annoying. <laughs> if anything, Donkey owes Shrek a favor. The favor should be to go away. Yes, go away. I mean, in Donkey's defense, he will die if he's without Shrek. Like, if he just walks away from Shrek, those soldiers will just grab him again and put him in chains. <laughs> like I so. said, the story should be about that. There's only one other <laughs> moment in the entire movie in which he has that fear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that bit's funny. They could have at least got more comedy out of it. But, but then comes the iconic line, we can stay up late swapping manly stories and then in the morning... I'm making waffles. In all the commercials. Every commercial. Well, you know, it's it's a fine enough line. Yeah, but, it's inoffensive. <laughs> but it's also one that in the extras, uh, in the picture-in-picture thing, they show Jeffrey Katzenberg saying, do we want these pancakes or waffles? I uh, think waffles is funny. We're going with waffles. You know what? He's right. He is right. Well, you're Mr. Waffles over Waffles pancakes, are superior yeah. <laughs> breakfast food, and uh, they should be in more jokes. They're a funnier comedy word, mm -hmm. too. I'll give them that. Yeah. I Though, apparently, in, uh, they talk about localization, too, on the commentary, that in Mexico, it's I'm making tamales. Ooh. In France, it's I'm making crepes. So, not universally waffles all over the world. What does the Japanese Shrek dub say? Uh, I... You know, it's not on the DVD. Mm. I should check that out. Uh, boy, what would he say? Om Omi rice? Uh, yeah, you know, that would be nice. Omi rice. Yeah. Just the big ass toast like the characters eat in, uh, in Whisper of the Heart. I love that giant toast. Uh, and so, yes, Shrek getting fed up, tells him to go outside. I also kind of hate Donkey because he is so annoying of like, you should feel bad for me. I guess I'll sleep outside. It's like he's being nice enough to let you stay on your porch yeah, man you're not dead and then we get a quick crossfade to shrek preparing his meal you know what this is uh too relatable during lockdown <laughs> we're now in month uh, 13 i'm like well this is my every day making my little uh, eyeball platter drinking your, a cocktail your dinner for one yeah. every day yeah you think like man i did the presentation of the purple stuff in this pumpkin really well and just for me eating the same like five <laughs> meals for a year uh, I bet you felt that even more watching the bit later where he's eating and then it cross cuts to Fiona yes. at the table too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't pull earwax out of my ear to make a candle though. So they say apparently their original pitch was a grosser looking earwax and that's as gross as Katzenberg would let him be with it. It's, it I guess it's convincingly earwax, but not really. It's just like, it's yeah. like a perfectly pulled out candle from his ear. Uh, it's disgusting for sure. Definitely gag inducing, but I do think like, well then wait, how does he keep that wick centered in his ear to pull it out because really gravity would pull it down to the bottom of his ear you know i too many questions <laughs> what do you think of shrek's many ear actings and moving uh, up and down i find his ears disgusting <laughs> i i don't like uh, them especially when you see the sun through the flesh in his yeah. ear the, the semi-transparency <laughs> yeah and we were all about things on stocks in the late 90s early 2000s like jar jar binks oh yeah his eye stocks i find right. them hideous <laughs> 
ear stalks, uh, eye stalks, a, a stalky time for America. And yes, then a bunch of nosy jerk fairy tale characters move into his house, which, you know, I'll, I'll forgive them because they, they have gone through this horrible trauma of having their homes taken from them and shoved into a swamp by a fascist uh, group. So I don't feel too bad for them. But then this just feels like, okay, this was another thing that I didn't like even back in 2001. I'd already been through years of hearing comedy of like, well, you know, that Snow White fairy tale. And yeah. if you think about it this way, it's actually kind of funny. These you know? these jokes aren't as funny as the movie thinks they are. In fact, oh, yeah. we were talking about this in the history segment. Rocky and Bullwinkle yes. was doing this yeah. uh, 50 years earlier. Yep, you're right. Or He's 40 years 40. earlier. Yeah, yeah, you're right, 40. Yeah, it's it's all the same deal. You are correct. Yeah, the again, when we saw the big bad wolf dressed as grandma, I was shocked there wasn't a real like cross-dressing joke you know okay so i guess i didn't chuckle the movie i my, my mouth might have moved when the wolf goes what <laughs> what uh, so there you go that wolf was also voiced by a producer on the film too and yeah the the three blind mice two of them are producers one is mike, mike myers. myers very obviously yeah. Mike myers like oh that's the mike myers english voice he does i kind of like him trying to grab the mice and that the the blind mice bumble around but if you try to grab them then they have like super speed <laughs> and can dodge anything and yeah they shove a dead body on the table like oh no 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 dead broad off the table uh and so shrek heads out season is swamp it is full of fairy tale creatures including a airport style landing of witches yeah. on a runway that this shot looks uh very impressive for 2001 even now just the amount of characters crammed into the screen all moving and this is yeah. the first time i've seen this movie in 4k yeah i saw it in theaters twice and then never again so i'm seeing this at the most pristine quality ever and it looks good this scene is interesting visually and mm. they're doing a ton but they don't go this far ever again and you know why yes yes this took See, too much work <laughs> watching it on my blu-ray i i was impressed at bits i didn't think i'd be impressed with i think it's because i had before seen them just in sd if i yeah. ever rewatched Shrek, i'd see him in 480 or something so and yeah. this made me realize why the movie is not about this because they can't put all these characters on the screen they That's really true. only want to focus yeah. on Shrek and donkey and fiona <laughs> for most of the movie uh well they got it they had a very firm 2001 release date bob yeah there's they tell the story on the commentary that nine hours per frame to <laughs> render some of these shots which when a shot has hundreds of frames that's a long time it's 24 and, frames per second in movies yeah the producer on the commentary says he didn't even want to okay this but the director said oh no we'll have them like be in the dark they'll just be like eyes you see <laughs> and then when they're looking at it on screen doing the commentary like those aren't eyes you lied to me <laughs> And yes, we also see Baby Bear is crying. No mother is there. Oh, no. Seemingly, he, he I hope he didn't witness his mother's murder <laughs> and he just can assume she's dead. Let's at least see that. But yes, they say he hoofed and he poofed and he signed an eviction notice. Also, all of them are demanding that somebody do something and Shrek has had enough of it. You don't look at me. I didn't invite them. Oh, gosh, no one invited us. What? <laughs> We were forced to come here. By who? Lord Farquaad. He hoofed and he puffed and he signed an eviction notice. <sighs> All right. Who knows where this Farquaad guy is? Oh, I do. I know where he is. Does anyone else know where to find him? Anyone at all? Me, me! Anyone? Oh, oh, pick me! Oh, I know! I know! Me, me! <sighs> okay, fine. Attention all fairy tale things. 
Do not get comfortable. Your welcome is officially worn out. In fact, I'm going to see this guy Farquaad right now and get you all off my land and back where you came from. So now Shrek has something to do outside <laughs> yeah. of yelling at people. Now he's a thing to get people out of his swamp. And uh, apparently when he said attention all fairy tale creatures, originally it was just recorded by Katzenberg himself on a digital tape in the back of a car in New York. And it sounded so shit that they want there at the end. They're like, we just have to redo this. Like, it did. Well, he recorded he, Mike Myers in the back of a car. Yeah. Like he was like, oh, we need this extra line. I'm going to fly. I'm seeing him in New York anyway. I, Jeffrey Katzenberg, have a dat and I'm just going <laughs> to record it myself. It's good enough and they did have a little chuckle that his angry speech that's meant to push all these people away they then go like yay the hero's gonna do it that that's funny though that pinocchio this isn't saying the the people who play them are like bad actors but anybody can do that pinocchio voice (laughs) it's true it's like it's a voice anyone can do (laughs) but so hey if anybody can do it and you laugh at the storyboarder doing it then just do it which is why they do it twice in the movie with another character yes yeah actually right after this yeah well i mean too the pigs are that voice because they they all say it like the yeah or the big bad wolf it's it's all the same deal yeah and as they walk away donkey starts singing 1979 willie nelson hit song on the road again and i roll my eyes yes yeah like what hey what's the obvious song you could do like (laughs) on the road again then we cut to our villain of the film farquad i had a little smile with these cross cuts to him looking so scary and then the forced perspective of his walk forward i will say the movie i I enjoy the villain i enjoy the performance but he's just out of the movie completely and uh there should be more of a ticking clock but we'll get to it the sunset is ticking clock but it's very boring (laughs) we should he should have a grander scheme i mean he does but the movie doesn't even care about it i feel like we need to see him more yeah the his wants and needs kind of he should either really want to be a king so he could conquer everybody, or he should really want to have sex with Fiona. Yeah. One of those two should be his drives, and they kind of just muddle them in the middle of the movie. Another story issue I have is, this confused me upon watching this because I forgot this was an element in the movie. He wants to be a king. Yes, I don't understand yeah. what is not making him a king right now. He's a ruler uh, of a land named after him. Mm. He has knights. He he is the leader. Well, if you want to do the semiotic reading <laughs> that he is actually a Jeffrey Katzenberg mockery in disguise, then even though he is the leader of DreamWorks, he is not the king, a.k.a. in charge of Disney. Yeah. And so this is about him wanting to have more, even though he already has his own fiefdom. It needs to be, if he becomes king, he can do something like yeah uh, only if i'm king can i do this or have this power my magic spell book does not unlock unless i am officially a king so it just it makes it not an issue like what is his motivation he wants to be king he is king what are you talking about uh but lithgow is so good it it yeah it's great it makes me sad that he's dead so he can never come back in the other stuff i've heard he comes back as a ghost in the future movies in shrek 4d he comes back as a ghost yes it's uh if you never experienced as a ride if you see a Shrek short called The Ghost of Farquaad or something like that, Lord Farquaad's Ghost, I think it's called, that is Shrek 4D, except it's in 2D, which makes all the scenes of like Shrek swinging bugs toward a screen seem very boring <laughs> on your television. Well, when uh, they're spraying water at you in a theater yes, and you've got yeah. uncomfortable glasses on, <laughs> it's more fun. Well, that we find out that in the Shrek world, you can kill a ghost. Like he is a ghost and then the ghost dies. Oh, cool. <laughs> (laughs) And we also get to see Thelonious, 
the uh, he's a recurring character in it as well the the masked uh, executioner type dude voiced by christopher knight animator who would go on to be the lead a lead person on madagascar and one of the lead madagascar penguins okay. so he's private penguin whichever one of the penguins that is i like those penguins it's uh the it's only not, good part of that movie <laughs> it's not the shatner voice penguin that's that's also i'll say another thing on that blu-ray of shrek they have the dreamworks jukebox which just plays you random songs from other movies and one of them was just from madagascar of the um lemur guy going like i like to move it move it oh, i like to, and he's just singing it you know like, madagascar is probably worse than this i think it is 100 percent. it's worse than this yeah i bet bob you'll like shrek more if you watched all of the like over the hedge shark uh, tail shark tail mega mind you know i've heard my mega mind's not bad but shark tail will make you pray for shrek he'll be like oh please get shrek back <laughs> pray here. for shrek pray you will beg for shrek after you see these fish um, get some fun torture here <laughs> yeah yeah waterboarding with milk yeah uh, but you're right bob why are they doing this there's no okay he's torturing him asking him for something he's telling him about the muffin man but then when the mirror shows up he's like don't tell him anything but what he asked the mirror is like hey aren't i great and the mirror says you're not a king and then he says oh then i need a princess what was i don't see how all that the logic of the scene is bizarre i feel like they had all these ideas and didn't know why they had a function in the movie but thought they were funny enough to leave in yeah i think when they dropped that night stuff with shrek they dropped some other stuff with farquad and they just wanted to keep like well this torture scene's really funny like it what's it matter what he asks him about yeah, he's he's relocating the he's relocating the fairy tale creatures because why um, to go over this again well because he doesn't like them yeah and he wants the place all to himself i guess I, I guess maybe there should be more of him trying to find the princess than mm. it just being told to him explicitly you know yeah. it just being brought into him like well here's the information you want i thought maybe it could be interesting if he's rounding these creatures up because one of them knows yeah one of them knows and where a princess is they can't let him find out because if he becomes king something happens yeah. yes wow that's a much better plot line instead he seems to he only knows he needs a princess because a mirror tells him that but yes i mean this is I think some of the better fun acting. Yeah, in this next outside here. of the scene making no sense, Lithgow yeah. is very funny. Wait, yeah. wait, wait! Is it Lithgow or Lithgow? I know my wife's going to yell go. at me. It's go. go, okay. Every, yes, I yeah. apologize uh, for any <laughs> misuses of his name. To prevent myself from doing it, I wrote his name in my notes as L I T H G O, so I don't even see that W that makes me think to say Gal. I say Go. Pokemon Lithgow C Shrek. Yes, yeah. Uh, but this is him with storyboarder Conrad Vernon as uh, the gingerbread man. <laughs> run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. You're a monster. I'm not the monster here. You are. You and the rest of that fairy tale trash poisoning my perfect world. Now tell me, where are the others? Eat me. <laughs> I've tried to be fair to you creatures. Now my patience has reached its end. Tell me, or I'll... No, not the buttons. Not my gumdrop buttons. All right, then. Who's hiding them? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. Yes, I know the Muffin Man. Who lives on Drury Lane? Well, she's married to the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man! She's married to the Muffin Man. <laughs> My lord. 
Uh, that so, goes on yeah. a bit long. Yeah. And I also think, boy, I'm just punching up this movie constantly. Sorry <laughs> if this is annoying, but he should have some motivation for not liking the fairy tale creatures. I feel like yeah. there he is just so unexplored, and that's why he's a bad villain with a great performance. Well, so I will say on the commentary, they say that in defense of all the short jokes, which seems to go against the moral of the movie, which is you should accept yourself as who you are, except if you're a short guy. Yeah, well, we all hate Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yes, well, that's true. But the reason we hate Ben Shapiro isn't just that he is a tiny man. It's that he's an <laughs> awful person. And I and married short- a short woman and it breaks my heart every day. <laughs> Uh, so that's why all these short jokes with Farquaad, they think they're justified. And also they think that his, this is the director saying it, his distaste for the fairy tale creatures is because they aren't normal, just like he isn't normal. Well, then put that in your movie. He should have said a line like that. Yeah. yeah. Instead on the commentary, they're like, well, I think you can, you know, guess that from it or infer it. It's like, this is a children's movie. Have him say, yeah, you should be normal like me. And so he's like, you're not normal or whatever. <laughs> like just, yeah. But, that, isn't a, uh, that is an easy voice to do. Uh, yeah. I'm the gingerbread man. <laughs> oh, you're a monster. <laughs> the muffin man. We can all yeah, be We can all be gingerbread man. <laughs> when, when the economy sinks again, I'll be ADR for Shrek. Five uh, or six or whatever one they're on. Yeah. It'll, it'll be five if you count puss in boots as one then it's the sixth shrek movie if they make a shrek five but uh conrad vernon also will be talking about him next month because he was a character designer on cool world okay so, interesting and he'd go on to be one of the co-directors of shrek too so you know what i don't like this dating game parody it, <laughs> well, it sucks it's been dating game parodies have been done a billion times before this and i remember uh i used to like the movie wall rats i've come to my senses and on the commentary which i've heard a billion times <laughs> when that dating game parody comes up on mall rats kevin smith was like what am i doing why did i think this was funny uh, oh let's stick it to the dating game that that's great. Yeah, I know, right? Let's take it like, down. Uh, the dating game was over 20 years old in the mid-90s. How many like, SNL, Mad TV, and Living Color, etc. sketches were this yeah, exactly? Yeah. Well, because every sketch is so easy to set up. Uh, like a game show sketch, you have very clear characters you introduce, and it's just like, it's three. the character. Here's three characters. Each is a joke. We write a joke for that one. Like, yeah, dating game parody in 2001. Like, it was over 30 years old at that point. But I'm sure it entertained, you know, Xers like who yeah. were the, in those positions. Yeah, I, I think I, it gave the animators a break too, where it's like, here's a painting oh, of yes. a character. Nothing is moving. Yeah, I, the thing flips around, <laughs> I guess. Oh, one other thing in the uh, torture bit, the darkness of ripping off the gingerbread man's legs, dancing with them in front of them. And then he crushes one in his hand and tosses the other way. And then he throws him in the garbage. I'm yeah. happy he reappears at the end of the movie. <laughs> but gingerbread man only has one leg attack attached to the end of the movie because he crushed Uh. the other leg. Though in Shrek 2, Gingerbread Man has two legs. They baked him a new one. Yes, yeah. He's I also do like he's like, not my gumdrop buttons. <laughs> I will say when I was a teen, I was shocked they got away with him saying, Eat me. Yeah. But I guess context wise they could say he's not saying suck my dick. He's saying literally <laughs> eat me because I'm the gingerbread man. Uh, but yes, the magic mirror appears. He's also voiced by a storyboarder. I think they say in, in some interview, but I couldn't find it that Jimmy Fallon was supposed to be the magic mirror at one time. I'm, mm. I'm glad it's just this I guy. wonder if he would have been doing a voice or anything because at the time, Jimmy Fallon was uh, doing a ton of impressions on SNL. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. he was like, I don't want to be the impression guy, but that's the only thing he was good at. It's the only thing he's good at. Otherwise, he just like giggles. Like, that's great. I love it. Oh, my God. Ah. It's very <laughs> depressing to see any clip of his show, his, uh, uh, his, his late night show yeah. these days. <laughs> now, I do like the joke of them threatening the mirror by breaking a mirror behind him. Yeah. That's, uh, that's clever. But, but yes, 
It's time for the dating game, which is where you get more of these edgy-ish, very easy jokes about like dirty readings of fairy tales like Cinderella is a mentally abused shut-in. Snow White lives with eight guys, but she's not easy. Like, there's not even really a joke about Fiona. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess because they just save that for later. But yes, it's time to play the dating game. Bachelorette number two is a cape-wearing girl from the land of fancy. Although she lives with seven other men, she's not easy. Just kiss her dead, frozen lips and find out what a live wire she is. Come on, give it up for Snow white and last but certainly not least bachelorette number three is a fiery redhead from a dragon guarded castle surrounded by hot boiling lava but don't let that cool you off she's a loaded pistol who likes pina coladas and getting caught in the rain yours for the rescuing princess fiona so will it be bachelorette number one bachelorette number two or bachelorette number three Okay, okay. Uh, number three. Lord Farquaad, you've chosen Princess Fiona. If you like Fiona. She's perfect. Okay. Uh, yeah, I remember so. all the laughs in the theater while we were watching this, and the mm. She's Not Easy was yeah. a big laugh in the theater. <laughs> also, when the Pina Colada song came on, or Escape, as it's known. Escape, yes. By Rupert yeah. uh, Holmes? I think, I think so. Right. Yeah. Uh, big laugh in the theater. Yeah, yeah. But I you mean, know what? An easy laugh. Easy ass laugh. Also, like when we saw this in 2001, we'd seen a million Pina Colada song jokes like, Do you like Pina Coladas and getting drunk in there? Like all that stuff getting caught in the rain it's it's just so lame and then do you think that they always thought they'd play that song there or that after doing the storyboard of describing her as somebody who likes those things that then somebody else says let's just license yeah the full song. let's just everyone's buying that song using their in their tacky parodies let's yeah. do it for in our tacky parody uh, and he'll license that song to anybody like whoever yeah. owns the rights to that's like we will sell it to you two for a penny like a second one for a penny it's much more rare to do a joke about timothy like that's cutting it a oh. little Oh, deeper, Timothy, yeah. right. From the same song writer. Not about a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, we get our first shot of Fiona, which on the commentary, they say that if you think she looks freakish in this human form, <laughs> you should have seen her first version, they said, was was way worse. I'm glad they turned her into an ogre forever at the end of this movie because I can't <laughs> deal with human Fiona. It sucks. They said in their original version, she had much bigger anime eyes. That's how they described them. And a tiny waist, which made her look even more like freakish. So, though, you know, if their point is what is normal, then Farquaad seeing her and saying she's perfect then she should actually look freakish but in an extreme beautiful way mm. of taking what people call beautiful traits and making them more disgusting you know but the mirror almost spoils the entire plot of the movie by telling him I, that she has problems i forgot about this part of the movie <laughs> this is too much too soon i think yeah, yeah i think when i saw it for the first time i wasn't paying attention or i just didn't think it was consequential what yeah, he was saying yeah. because i was surprised by the ogre thing yes, the first me, time i saw it me too but then once you know it and you hear him in the background say well there's a thing it's sunset i guess farquad talks over it and he's so distracting in the foreground that you don't pay attention yeah. to it and okay i'll compliment more animation again when he says i'm gonna do a tournament and he like arches his eyebrow and kind of grinds his teeth or like moves his jaw like mm, i, I kind of like that I, I thought that was good 
Now let's talk about another thing they don't commit enough to. If you're going to do Disneyland jokes, don't do just like two minutes of them. Uh, Again, I misremembered this. I thought there was more Disneyland jokes. They go for the easiest targets. And you know what? I'm dying to go to Disneyland again. (laughs) Disneyland is good. Universal Studios sucks. (laughs) Uh, You've you've been in the DreamWorks Theater, Bob. You've seen it. Who are you to throw stones, Universal? (laughs) They also say on the commentary that even though like the Lancelot parking lot is is clearly a a Disney old Disney parking lot reference yeah which is now California Adventure (laughs) when they enter the empty town they say they actually base that on Universal City Walk (laughs) (laughs) that's great Uh, which also I sneered at Universal City Walk before but now I miss Universal City Walk I'd walk through that any day I've been on It's a Small World it's not fun I just love the tackiness and the kitschiness of it all well talk about that I mean in 2001 okay probably when we were entertained by the Duff parody of it's a small world yeah in 1993 right yeah which even then it was probably kind of an old joke but in 2001 to do a small world joke i at least think they animated it well yeah i like the little figures and i guess uh, a tiny chuckle (laughs) indecipherable to most people over the you know wipe your face the the pause (laughs) yes yeah keep off the grass wipe your face also the Farquad guy in the giant head that's kind of funny but they they don't do enough with that you no know? they i mean they don't have the resources or time to put more people or things mm. in this setting i do like him running through the turnstiles though and then shrek just, just walks through. right through yeah. those are called stanchions, <laughs> stanchions by the way thank you those things that hold up ropes are called stanchions <laughs> take uh, that knowledge with you <laughs> and also the guy saying that no no that's director adamson okay and he on the commentary jokes that that was him doing an impression of any time jeffrey katzenberg asked him to add anything so (laughs) i like that i uh but yes they they get into there they walk they see the duloc song they say that the entire welcome to duloc song was laid out by ants co-director eric darnell so uh you know that's it's fun i like all the posing on it well here why don't we just hear the song right now where is everybody hey look at this And at the end, they get the photo taken of themselves as well. So. They, def- they should have to pay for that photo, though. <laughs> yeah. Unless they have fast pass. They're not being properly gouged here, you know? It should be, you can't take the photo out without putting in, like, five shillings or whatever. You know, the Jim Cummings guy says British currency. Like, oh, it's worth five shillings. So I mm. guess it'd be shillings is what they pay. Nobody else mentions money in this movie. It's so weird that Disneyland stuff stops here, though, because there should be a Disneyland-related uh, thing that they do inside. Instead, it's this tournament, which yeah. is not <laughs> that interesting. It's uh, it's pretty much your standard tournament. I guess they, there's wrestling involved later. Uh, well, yes. So when they enter 
first, uh, that's where Shrek threatens Donkey with like, you're on your way to a smacked bottom. That's another Myers-ism. They say that he would just say that to a director, a voice director giving him too many line readings. He'd be like, you're on your way to a smack bottom. You keep giving me these lines readings. But uh, Myers loves saying it so much that fans of Austin Powers may remember at the end of the Beautiful Stranger video, uh. the Austin Powers says to Madonna, you're right on your way to a smack bottom. And she says, I hope so. <laughs> and then, of course, Austin Powers goes, ooh, oh my. Cheeky. Yes, yeah. Also, when they enter the arena and you see all the people around, doesn't read that way 20 years later because who thinks about the movie gladiator but it is a gladiator reference oh they're doing a gladiator yeah. thing which also was a dreamworks film okay. gladiator was i think the first dreamworks film to be nominated for best picture so at the time big deal to have gladiator shots in there you know speaking about memes when farquad said some of you may die but it's a sacrifice i am willing to make i saw that memed a lot these days hmm. i've been seeing i was thinking of zap brannigan yeah okay look it's not an original joke either but a lot of the millennials meme that scene because it's the one they remember and so yes here's another big change of rooney originally when it was shrek wanting to be a knight it is him competing in a knight tournament with a bunch of jousting and competitions like that and then when they're like oh we're getting rid of that knight stuff an unnamed animator they mentioned on the commentary says it should just be a wwf style battle royale then just mm. do that and they're like yeah let's do that this tournament thing feels like so complicated though because okay farquad wants to get the princess and now he's gonna have a tournament to decide who's the strongest man to get it they, just just yeah. send everyone out <laughs> yeah why can't they send an army there yeah. yeah that doesn't make sense no actually he'd have much better odds if he has this huge army of knights send all of them but I, they don't hit hard enough that the joke is he's a coward and he would never go himself yeah. to get her so they say that Shrek has to be killed. It's like, okay, the new tournament is kill him and whoever does is the winner. Shrek gets to drink a whole beer on screen, I which I that. also was shocked by. Maybe thirsty for beer, but I was watching this at 10 in the morning on a Monday. <laughs> so no, no beer for uh, old Bob. And then again, talk about obvious things. Joan Jett's bad reputation oh, starts playing. <laughs> I wrote yeah. eye roll in my notes. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, well, here's something that's extra lame. On the soundtrack, if you bought it, you don't even get to hear that song. It's the real version in the movie. But on the soundtrack, you get a cover by a band you've never heard of named Half Cocked. Ooh, yes. Don't like that. Yeah. I uh, like that song and I like Freaks and Geeks and yes, I played it in Rock yeah, Band a lot. Yeah. But I, as soon as those chords started, I was like, you're not doing this, right? Uh, oh, you're doing it. Well, Bob, you don't get it. Shrek has a bad reputation. Oh, wow. wow. That's what it's about. Okay, so the song is telling you what's happening in the movie. That's yeah. very smart. So Shrek also does like kind of a hockey thing, which is a wink towards Mike Meyer. I They say it's a wink towards Mike Meyer's love for hockey. I feel like he said, and then Shrek does a hockey thing. I like hockey. I have him do something with hockey. Also, when they arrive at the place and Shrek just says, ooh, maybe compensated for something. Like Austin Powers and the love guru had like 17 jokes about like, this guy's got a small dick, don't you think? Eh? That, eh? that felt like a Myers edition. Yeah. And everyone in the movie theater was tickled by that. They're making a dick joke. <laughs> Shrek should have said he needed a Swedish penis pump or something. <laughs> they are his bag, baby. Uh, but yes, then a big wrestling sequence happens. And I got to say, they did this good. Like these are real moves done with accuracy. They look good. Yeah, they, they are really well done. I'll tell you, move for move, which ooh. moves Shrek does. Let's break it down. So first, he hits the guys. He comes off the rope, hits him with a double clothesline. Then hits a flying head scissors on another guy. 
he goes up top, does a top rope crossbody, or if you're a New Japan fan, that was a high fly flow, the finisher of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Then he puts a guy in a full Nelson so Donkey can headbutt him. Then he does a seated senton off the top rope, followed by an Irish whip into a drop kick. Then he does a classic vertical suplex. Then Kurt Angle's ankle lock, followed by the Undertaker's tombstone pile driver, and then finishes with an airplane wow. spin. How popular was wrestling in 2001? As big as it would ever be, okay. I think. At least in America, some could argue that in the mid-80s, the WrestleMania Hulk Hogan era was bigger, but having lived through both, though I was more conscious of it in the 90s, 1999 to 2001 was the hottest pro wrestling has okay. ever been in American history. I wasn't sure how it was doing in 2001, but by the time they were making this movie, it was at its peak. It was at the peak. Yeah, actually, the month that this came out was WrestleMania 17, which most wrestling fans view as the crest of it. And it was just, it was all downhill from then. It was still very popular, but it was like the last big rock match, the last match where Stone Cold was the good guy. Like, you can just see all these things like, oh, that's over now, that's over now, that's over now. But And then 9-11. And then 9-11, yeah. And also the decline of America. Yeah. And the XFL launches as well. Yeah. And there's also a very Attitude Era unprotected headshot to oh, with uh with a chair, a chair yeah, yeah. A chair in 2001 very normal to just smash a guy as hard as you can in the head with a chair that caused a whole lot of death and misery uh and so i'm glad that's over and i i also took note of another 90s riff that's not really a joke but it had said with the intonation of a joke where shrek wins the tournament he says i'm here till thursday try the veal oh, God, it's one of those yeah. tip your waitresses kind of lines it's not a joke it's not no, funny no. <laughs> you could put a joke in there but it's just like well this is what a, a joke would sound like if we were to write one let's that, just drop yeah. that in there <laughs> that are so is, many lines like that in this movie uh, just filler of like well yeah. somebody should say something here like and that is such mike myers patter like he would definitely say try the deal i'm just kidding <laughs> so here comes another bit that got cut here they speed this up so much shrek beats all those guys then farquad instead of killing him says you know what you do this and i'll get everyone out of your swamp in the original version of the script, this was much longer. Farquaad gives Shrek an entire tour of the castle. And also it's where Farquaad explains his plans a lot more. But they're like, I ah, just speed this up. He just agrees oh, to it right there. That, so. I mean, I would want to see more of Farquaad and what he's up to. I feel like it would have been a smart move also to maybe Farquaad doesn't trust Shrek and he goes off on his own to follow Shrek and he has his own like clumsy adventures with some knights. Yeah. I don't know, get him out of the castle. Get yeah, him out of the castle. You're right. They also bring up another problem that they had later in the film that they're just like, ah, who cares? They originally had Shrek hanging out with Farquaad. But from this vantage point, Shrek just sees Farquaad up there who's standing on a stool. He doesn't mm. know he's short. If he had walked around with him like in their original one, he would know he's short. So Shrek making all these short jokes about him. Oh, okay. He, he shouldn't even know that he's short, really. Okay, yeah. I, I, I didn't even realize that. Well, then, hey, then I guess it wasn't too bad of a plot hole, but yeah. <laughs> and this deal he makes with Shrek is that if Shrek gets the princess, he gets his land back. What happens to the fairy tale guys? I would guess they move to a worse prison, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. So Shrek, Shrek is just like, fine, get, just get him out. I don't yeah. care. As long as they're out of here, I don't care. Yeah. I Also, Bob, did you think when all those guys with crossbows popped up, in this, uh, you know, castle area, did you think of Demon Souls Tower Knight? Battle? Oh yeah, that that first boss fight. I was definitely take those yeah. guys out first. Yes, yep. take them out first. I learned that very quickly in that match. Yeah, the honestly, when he's scrounging around in in the castle later, I was thinking like this feels like a Souls game. Like but that's, Shrek Souls. <laughs> that's because I've gotten Souls brain now. I've played enough of those uh, games that I have the Souls brain. 
But yes, as they leave the place, Donkey very helpfully just explains like, so let me get this straight. This is the deal and you're going to do this. <laughs> that skips over yeah, all that. Saves I, some time. I was like, couldn't couldn't Farquaad have delivered this in a funnier way? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he can't. I no. Guess. It's, they just rather like, ah, Donkey should just saying it. And yeah. <laughs> Again, there's so much inconsequential dialogue in this movie that when it feels like something that was actually written as in a script... It hits a lot harder. It, it like it calls out a lot more. And this thing about onions, I was like, oh yeah, this was something written down. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. everything that's said is just so you know riffy and and like pointless. But here is something that matters. It's yeah. talking about the theme of the movie. <laughs> in in the history section, I play that clip from the Chris Farley, the yeah. one Chris Farley scene, and it calls back to this of donkey says to him oh this is one of those onion things so this line was in the chris farley version or a version of this onion speech this is one of those rare times where it seems like they're thinking about a theme and just have it spoken out loud at the very least and again i've watched shrek for the first time in 20 years as of this recording but for 20 years every time i cut open an onion i think of shrek (laughs) and seemingly every meal i make starts with cut up and cook an onion so i think about shrek a lot when i cook i've been incorporating more onions into my meals too it's just it's a nice little extra you know i like it Uh, especially they they caramelize great i didn't like onions for a time as well i i don't think i even like a raw uncooked onion on like a burger i still would say like eh, Mm. could you caramelize that for me it's got to be a purple onion yeah i guess cut that up put it on pizza it's good times (laughs) But yes, Shrek explains how special ogres are. Ogres are like onions. They stink? Yes. No. Oh, they make you cry? No. Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No. Layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers? You get it. We both have layers. (sighs) Oh, you both have layers. Oh. You know, not everybody like onions. Cake! Everybody loves cakes. Cakes have layers. I don't care what everyone likes. Ogres are not like cakes. You know what else everybody likes? Parfait. Have you ever met a person you say, hey, let's get some parfait. They say, hell no, I don't like no parfait. Parfaits are delicious. No! You dense, irritating, miniature beast of burden. Ogres are like onions. End of story. Bye-bye. See you later. Again, this is one of maybe six scenes where Shrek is just like, <laughs> fuck off. Leave me alone, you piece uh, of shit. Drink just bleach. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, gee, Shrek, that's weird. And then he like just runs up next to him. <laughs> that also, that whole parfait thing just feels like like Eddie Murphy riffitude right yeah, there. Yeah, and there's yeah. got to be a uh, tiramisu. If you're going to do a stupid pointless riff, just choose the funniest word to go with it because it's not going to be a joke. Yeah, I, uh, tiramisu is a funnier word than parfait. I, I, That's my feeling. Though also, did Shrek just steal those onions? Like, it sure. seems like he walked through a farm and just grabbed an onion but he yeah. doesn't have a job <laughs> yeah i guess you know he doesn't even own that uh the hovel in the swamp it seems like he just built it there yeah I, I just feel like that scene was going somewhere and then it's just like well now the donkey riffs a bunch and then he just gets mad at him <laughs> again and yells at him and the scene is over it just uh, it's there's so many scenes like this yeah also the bye bye see you later that also feels very Myers to me, too. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. Also, when Donkey says, like, damn, like, uh, nobody says no to a damn parfait or whatever. Again, I just thought, wow, that's just so weird. Just like a casual damn in a kid's film. 
I think they thought this was for older people. They're like, oh, this is for tweens. But the kids saw it. Like, parents took their five-year-olds to this movie, which they really shouldn't have. Everyone who's 30 now loves Shrek from being a kid and seeing Shrek. Yeah. Well, you just said it on a recent Retronauts we recorded, but a lot of this is just remembering ads we saw as children. It's just yeah. like, oh, this is how we were advertised to. I, there's a lot of negative things you can say about the streaming world we're living in. But if you're a parent who can just have your kid watch nonstop in a row, no commercials things on a streaming service, maybe you're doing a better thing for them than them watching commercial television. Yeah, perhaps. we had worse TV babysitters than our modern children. <laughs> yeah, we had to see ads not just watching old SpongeBob's over and over again, but then an ad for a toy that we shouldn't own. Or fast food. <laughs> or, or fast food, yeah. All, snacks. Yeah, the the Shrek. Oh, man, Shrek loved being a fast food tie-in. There's 8 million commercials oh, for that. <laughs> I worked at a grocery store during the summer of Shrek, mm. and we had all the Shrek foods. Uh, just Shrek on bags of chips. We had the Shrek ketchup. I think that was green. Oh, yes. Was that for Shrek or Shrek 2? Uh... Uh, it was 2001, so oh, wow. Shrek, Shrek 1. I couldn't find as many tie-in product commercials on YouTube for original Shrek. Shrek 2, you can find find eight million of them like it's the green twinkies with shrek filling i think the cat in the hat that awful mike myers movie <laughs> broke a record for the most marketing tie-ins and wow. i remember walking through a grocery store when that movie was out it was just the cat in the hat was on everything he was on swiffer refill just he's in he's uh, in, the, in the corner of the box going like i guess i'm i'm on this <laughs> uh clean your house with this i guess he like, makes your house messy he's yeah. the cat in the head <laughs> So then we get again what in 2001 was very show-offy of them walking through a bunch of natural settings to places. To and, a proclaimer song. Yeah, and, and they walk by the windmill that'll be very plot important later in it. But yes, it's uh, the proclaimers song, On My Way, and this I don't know, but... I feel very certain they wanted to use 500 miles there. And the proclaimer said, we'll license you this other song about walking. We won't, <laughs> we won't give you our most famous walking. We song. mostly do songs about walking and it's a song <laughs> uh, from the late eighties. Yeah. It's not yeah. a new song. That's well, a good song. I'm on my way to from well, misery to happiness. They're Scottish. So I guess there's some Scottish representation in this oh, movie. Sure. Sure. But yeah, uh, 500 miles. It makes me think of Benny and June, a film no one remembers for any other reason, but Johnny uh, Depp. Yes. Johnny Depp and Dermot Milroney or Patrick McDermott one of those guys I just recall the music video yes oh yeah we just cuts to that film let me complain about Benny and June I realized I was lied to that that film I didn't know all the shit that it was ripping off of uh, when Johnny Depp does a bunch of the routine of Charlie Chaplin. I thought he was inventing it. I didn't know they were Charlie Chaplin references. Yeah. yeah. When when Abe Simpson did that in the episode in season five, I thought he was referencing Benny and June yeah. in that in that episode. Yeah. It's uh, okay. So the uh, the woman was Mary Stuart Masterson. The other guy I'm thinking of was not either of the McMoldy McMulroonies. It's Aiden Quinn, who uh, basically is that type of guy. But and Julianne Moore and Oliver Platt are in it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I should check this. Out. No, I'm <laughs> now's the best time to watch a Johnny Depp movie. But uh, <laughs> if you went out and told someone I just saw Benny in June, they would call the police. <laughs> this, this man has snapped. Uh, also, we get to see uh, Donkey pissing on fire. I forgot that you just literally see Donkey piss in this movie. <laughs> like just center of the frame. There it is. You would never see a character like actual urine escape from an animated character's bladder in most films. And they get to this big volcano and castle. We have another fart joke of uh, Donkey thinking Shrek farted and Shrek saying, 
believe me, Donkey, if it was me, you'd be dead. So and we've seen just, his killer farts earlier in this that's, movie. That's true. Donkey just keeps embellishing. It's just like, I, I, that, was, that didn't come off any stone. It's not brimstone. And, and I was right in your face. I was like, all right, please. It's, that wasn't even, a, again, a lot of these aren't jokes. They're just things said with the cadence of a joke. Like <laughs> when Donkey says that didn't come off any stone, yeah. that doesn't even make sense. And then I think Donkey is right to not laugh at Shrek's joke because it's not funny. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, That also felt like a Myers line of him telling a bad joke. How many scenes are there in the Austin Powers movie where he just says a joke and Basil or one of the women says, like oh austin please he's like well i mean here's another bad pun it's just mike myers loves to say bad puns so that that line is like but think of the location that that feels very mike myers as well then you see one horse skeleton apparently they wanted more horse skeletons there (laughs) because the joke was supposed to be that it was like a horse parking lot where every knight who goes there parks their horse they die inside the castle and the horses starve to death and die in the parking lot which for a character that appears in all the other movies, Dragon has killed a lot of people. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, I guess not enough is made of the fact that these knights are trying to rescue her, but I thought that her being in this tower was a secret or something, you know? I think other royalty knows about mm. her. It's they don't fully engage with this in Shrek 2, but even in this, they set up that the parents put her in there and they hope that whoever saves her would kiss her and change her into a full-time human. I'm just confused as to also why the gingerbread man didn't want him to know about this because isn't if you live with Farquaad it sucks but isn't that better than living with a dragon well maybe because she's not normal the gingerbread man knows he'll kill her or lock mm. her up perhaps and I... also other motivational questions here is <laughs> uh, why does the dragon have her well her parents put her there okay and had somehow they got a dragon there to guard her though well the dragon is magical in that it's a dragon but the dragon seems to have about human level consciousness yeah so is the dragon paid to live there? Is it paid in getting to eat nights? And it's like, oh, if you live here, you'll get all the nights you want because they'll keep showing up. Like, that is not particularly well explained either. <laughs> then uh, we have a fun rickety wooden bridge walkover sequence. They tell an interesting bit about how positioning in movies changes things, how this scene was originally later in the film. Hmm. And they thought, ah, this looks too much like Shrek is bullying his friend. So by putting it earlier in here, they then found a tone that Shrek sort of is bullying him, but he's doing it to make him not think and be able to walk over the bridge because he's too scared. It's sort of clever. Yeah. I forgot that that was his strategy. And I agree with Donkey. It's not cowardly to be afraid to walk over <laughs> a rickety bridge. And if you fall, you definitely die. You know, Donkey is correct to be scared. Donkey doesn't even need to be with Shrek at this part of the movie. Yeah, he could just yeah. stay behind in the, the horse graveyard, I guess. That's true. And the fact that he doesn't, I agree with Donkey later. He does earn half of that swamp. He does half of the work in this. He's he's a key part of it. He seduced that dragon. <laughs> he do. We'll, we'll, we'll get They have that. children later yeah. in the movies. They do. They, uh, yep. But I kind of like the camera motions as they're walking over the bridge. Like, that looks kind of good. Mm-hmm. I like that. And yes, of course, we get another just thing of like, that was in a movie type moments of that'll do, donkey. That'll do. And then a Jurassic Park reference coming up, right? Oh, yeah. When they walk into the yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1995's Babe. If you did a that'll do pig reference now, would people get it? Would anybody no, understand absolutely it? not. And I, I don't think so. This was almost too late to make a Babe breath, but I think it was too late. It was. It was 95, right? Yeah. Babe was yeah. 95. I, I remember it being closer to the Razor Shrek, but maybe that's because like Pig in the City had been a little closer to Shrek's release. Yeah, that was like 98 or 99. When I saw it was 95, I was like, 
Wow, that's uh, I was one of those kids who was made to read Babe in school before we uh, it was oh. made into a movie. Because I remember our fourth grade teacher had to say, because he loves the book, had to upfront say, "This is a book written in another country." When they use the word bitch in here, oh, right. that is meant to refer to a dog that had had puppies. Call the so, dictionary people. I bet that was the last time he could even get away with that kind of like warning beforehand. And believe me, for a bunch of 10 year olds to know that you could like get away with saying bitch in <laughs> class, we, we, had, we all had some giggles there. So yes, they enter the place. They, I think again of like five year olds in the theater, they see those bones sticking out of the like boots of the night that's scary that's scary for a little kid and i'll compliment the lighting design of the castle i like the like black gray and red coloring of that i like that and then donkey says to shrek where is this fire breathing pain in the neck and shrek says inside waiting for us to rescue her shrek doesn't even know this person yeah i, I don't yeah. i don't understand <laughs> like i guess that we know based on that dating game show that fiona has like a fiery temper but shrek doesn't know that yeah i guess that also just feels like bad wife humor i'm like oh, yeah this, this women lacks here you know women right yeah that's a lot of austin powers is about women am i right guys mm. yeah <laughs> and another scene of him saying uh, donkey shut up Yes, Just like yeah. the 40th scene of that. Uh, but I mean, he really should. They're sneaking around. Yeah. But, but then it wouldn't be funny. So it's... This is where Shrek puts on armor needlessly. Like, he just does. It's it's because key to their plot in their original version where he wants to be a knight, he has to have on armor so Fiona doesn't know he's an ogre when he, she first meets him. But in this bit, he just is like, hey, a helmet. I'll put that on. Like, I maybe guess it's for protection, I guess. He has no plan going into this. He doesn't have weapons going into this. Yes. What yeah. was he thinking was going to happen? Uh, yeah, he uh, he just kind of just goes with the flow. Yeah. Shrek. He's like, well, that's the castle guess we'll walk in hmm she's got to be in here somewhere he's not the deepest guy this shrek you know what i also think i get a little tired of shrek i feel like he's like talks too much about how special he is he's like actually i'm a lot better than you think or i'm a lot deeper than you think like yeah yeah you're begging for attention get a job <laughs> then donkey says uh he'll go up the stairs i'll find the stairs i'm the stair master mm. uh which is a reference to a line he's uh eddie murphy says in 1996's nutty professor really yes uh is that a reference <laughs> to a line or just a reused riff i think it is murphy reusing a riff so okay. after sherman loses loses all of his weight the first time and turns into buddy love one of his celebratory things after seeing that he can see his penis now <laughs> after that joke he then runs down the steps of the college he's like oh my god i can do these steps all the time i'm the stair master and that's so, a reference to the famous workout equipment yes yes that as well so it, it's everything Boy, you recognize <laughs> you know the things that passed as jokes in the 90s it's a shame uh, it's shameful do you think we're in a better world now where people can say like um that's not a thing or and by uh, that i mean this uh it's also bad just a different <laughs> style of bad uh boy she woke up on the wrong side of bed this morning boy. too much coffee yeah um too much information yeah more than i wanted to know every decade has its own bad style of comedy but this is uh, definitely of the 90s where it sounds like a joke but it's not yeah could i be any more of a donkey <laughs> 
So yes, they wake up the dragon. The dragon first almost kills Donkey, blasts its tail with with fire. And then when she is about to crush Donkey, Shrek then pulls on her tail and she flings him. Which on the commentary, they joke about like, boy, that's pretty economical (laughs) that the tail just flings him into the place he needs to be into Fiona's room. Pretty helpful. (laughs) Though I do like the animation on Donkey being all like scared and cornered. I think it's I think it's well done. You do feel bad for the little guy. I also I had a good giggle at the line like I'm sure you hear this all the time from your food, but and then we get another tic tac reference of saying like do I detect minty freshness? And then comes uh so look, I don't want to say it's definitely transphobic, but these jokes about how the dragon is a woman and how Murphy's like, oh, and you're so obviously feminine. Waking a feminine beauty. Yes, that's the line. Yeah, that that one, it seems to be jokes about masculine looking women. And two, I can't not think that it is a reference to Eddie Murphy's real life run in with a trans sex worker. Like, uh, if it is, he didn't know that. Uh, I get I mean, he, I don't think like, he wants to talk about that. I suppose not. I don't know. You could be like, all right, we all got a good laugh. But I mean, especially it's a drag on. So it could be a drag joke as well. Could be. I'm happy they didn't take it any farther, though. They get kind of close. I mean, also Eddie Murphy in several of his movies, like, say, Norbit, he writes scenes about (laughs) him being dominated by a larger woman like that. That crops up a lot in his stuff. I'm just going to say that's uh, it's a consistent thing in the Murphy worldview. But yes, Donkey then gets uh, carried away, which I have to say too, uh, you know, now this film wants to make jokes about like all these old fairy tales. If you put modern views on them, aren't they kind of like weird sexual politics? This has weird sexual politics. Donkey is carried away in a no means no situation. Yeah. But then he later falls in love with his attacker. Like, that's weird. There's the threat of sexual violence against Donkey in this movie played for comedy. It's a little too much. And again, then he ends up with her. Like, he's like, oh, you know what? I actually love my attacker. I don't like that. I don't really like that. Bad message. So meanwhile, Shrek lands in Fiona's room. We get to see Fiona on screen for the first time uh, in person. I do like her getting in position for her kiss that she's been dreaming like, oh boy, uh, I'm finally going to kiss somebody. This man's coming in here. She's been waiting for this forever. And then Shrek basically snaps her neck, shaking her up and down to wake her up. Her character at this point, it goes on for a bit too long about how she wants things to be like a fairy tale. And Shrek, I see telling her, no, this is not a fairy tale. I kind of get sick of that. (laughs) You know, at least it's a message. Yeah. They... They understand that the story is Fiona was raised on all of the dreams about what a princess should be. And Shrek is shaking her of those misconceptions. I I like that. But uh, yes, we have Cameron Diaz here. When they cast her, she had not been in there something about Mary, but that had come out okay. in between in this. And she is, like, I think, an underrated comic performer. Like, she's also a very pretty lady, but I think she is good at being funny, you know? And, uh, and she does all her own belches in this, they say. Okay. But here is Fiona saved by Shrek. We have to save her this moment. You could recite an epic poem for me. I don't think so. Well, can I at least know the name of my champion? Um, Shrek. Sir Shrek, I pray that you take this favor as a token of my gratitude. Thanks. 
to-do list. Now, come on! But this isn't right! You're meant to charge in sword-drawn banner fight! That's what all the other knights did! Yeah, right before they burst in the flame! No, that's not the point! Oh. Wait, where are you going? The exit's over there! Well, I have to save my ass. What kind of knight are you? One of a kind. <laughs> That's a real trailer line there. Yeah. It? Yeah. That, uh... And she was coming right <laughs> off of Charlie's Angels the previous November, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a bigger star than ever then. Now, now I believe that that's one question about a Shrek 5 if they were to do it. I mean, I bet she'd come out of retirement for this, but she hasn't been in a movie in, I think, three or four years at this point. Which, I mean, sure, you know, she's in her 40s. She still is a gorgeous woman, but roles start shrinking as you get older as, as a woman in Hollywood. She could be an Aunt May in two more Spider-Man cycles. <laughs> uh, she'll be Aunt May's best friend, Anna Watson. <laughs> Actually, please, MCU, cast her as Anna Watson. I, I want Cameron Diaz as Anna Watson. But yeah, apparently, too, when she was doing all this acting, she actually did ask uh, the cartoon people who were recording her like, hey, somebody come in the room with me, like pull on my arm when Shrek is pulling on my arm so I can physically act it out more. Hmm. She was very invested in it. And also that one of the guys who helped her in their recordings, his last name was Cameron. And the director said they eventually pushed him to finally tell her a joke of like, you know, you should marry me. So then your name would be Cameron Cameron. Please get him out of here. Yes, I think. <laughs> Uh, they oh, he was probably very embarrassed to say that very very sad news about cameron diaz she's become a lifestyle person oh man she's gooping it up just she's, like Paltrow. She, she really is gooping it up <laughs> in 2013 she released the health book the body book feed uh, move understand and love your amazing body and then she released the longevity book the science of aging the biology well. of strength and the privilege of time uh, you know, I, I and gotta, now she has an organic wine brand. All right. I think the secret to all of those is like probably be rich. I think be rich first. Yeah. Be rich first. Also start out beautiful with perfect skin. Yeah, boy, that's weird. At least I don't believe Lucy Lewis started a wellness brand. So she's the only angel who <laughs> has not started a wellness brand. Uh, you know, hey, whatever. There's worse scams out there. I, I don't want to begrudge her that. Uh, then comes a joke that I never really caught until very close watching. Not only does Donkey say this is unwanted physical contact. Yeah. But the dragon starts to suck his tail. I didn't see that. He, he says, hey, what are you doing to my tail? He says, you're going to tear it off. Jeez. And the dragon's head moves below frame. They did a tail sucking joke. He's getting, he's getting a tail job on this kid's movie? <laughs> yeah, I know. On top of him saying like, no means no. I don't want this. And the dragon starts sucking a donkey's tail. I, I, I can't believe that. I've got kids like, here. It happens so subtly that if you're not listening closely to what he's doing. Well, then the dragon gives rim, uh, Shrek a rim job. He, she does. She does. I could, uh, it, Again, that does feel like another note of like, it's been a little while since Shrek's butt did something. Come on. I always forget that joke, probably for my own sanity. I don't want to think of the dragon kissing. It also looks like Shrek's pants fell down, so it is his exposed butt. Not yeah. Uh, yeah. the 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 logic of that scene physically doesn't make sense like how did Shrek knock donkey out of the dragon's tail wires pants down mm. i i just i i know what they wanted to do but like the setup wasn't there yeah you know physically i guess i guess he's swinging on the chandelier then he 
falls down and I guess his gut smashed donkey out the out other of the, side. Out of the tail. Yeah, I thought, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then the chandelier, in a clever thing, the chandelier falls on the neck of the dragon, which is now the leash and collar on her so she can't chase them all the way out. Then some music pops in that they, uh, the commentary identify, go back all the way to the J.J. Abrams propeller head version of the film that they were working on. Like mm. one of the earliest things they played this like music as as shrek is being chased that dates back to like pre-pdi like 95 version of shrek this thing with the dragon getting tangled up in the chains is pretty interesting i think they overcomplicated by adding that sword because it's not really clear what the sword is doing between the chains she's already like tied up in the chains and then she's free later so i guess it's just for the joke that shrek picks up a sword and says i'm gonna take care of that dragon and then stabs it into the ground instead of you're supposed to think he's gonna kill the dragon but he does i thought he was gonna pin the chains to the ground but instead he just sticks them in between the chains which i guess makes so the chains are tighter but it's not very clear i guess it's a locking mechanism i suppose also we get a ball hit joke too of him sliding down the banister thing and it one hits him in the crotch that bump is not big enough for comedic purposes and shrek has testicles (laughs) shrek has testicles think about Uh, that when you go to sleep you know it should be a bigger higher thing yeah i would guess too he's got low hangers which (laughs) to hurt in that way from that bump it'd be funnier (laughs) if it was like a gargoyle sticking up out of the pillar right yeah, Something that like would that. be funnier. Yeah, it, it, then it would be like the mouth of the gargoyle smashed him in the crotch, like that. You get some mouth to crotch comedy there too. Actually, the chains and the pillars, which is kind of a Scooby Doo scene of him like running. It's a static shot, and the characters run in from different angles. Credit that to being boarded by the director of Prince of Egypt, Eric Kamel, who would go on to direct the mega mega flop Mars Needs Moms. Oh boy. So. He got that job, I think, because he had worked on Roger Rabbit with Zemeckis. So when Zemeckis was doing Mars Needs Bombs, he he put him in charge. But that's just so sad that I bet Disney wouldn't have bought Star Wars if Mars Needs Bombs hadn't <laughs> been that big of a, of a flop. I'm still curious about that movie. Maybe one day when I'm drunk enough, yeah, well, I'll put I, it on. We've done a lot of movies we complain about, so I wouldn't do it again soon. But maybe one of these days, our next poll will be like a shitty movie. Pick which one of them. I'm looking at it now. It's a merciful 88 minutes and that's probably with credits without credits probably like an 80 minute movie right yeah you know that's that's not so bad i'd rather watch it than dinosaur i'll say that one uh, poll has to be the zemeckis poll one, yeah. one of those cursed oh, movies god and so we get a slow-mo runaway they run over the collapsing bridge shrek saves donkey from falling and the dragon can't chase him any farther and so they escape and another bit the dragon looking like a sad puppy and sad that it can't follow that idea came from steven spielberg himself oh wow they had the scene as it was and when they screened it for spielberg he said the dragon should look sad and look back at them because she wanted to follow the donkey and she misses him so uh they joke on the commentary like uh what does steven spielberg know about making a good movie (laughs) we can just cut that (laughs) it was a good idea i guess the dragon at that point is no longer a threat Mm -hmm. and that communicates that fact if the dragon's going to be their friend at the end of the movie uh you better it's good to have that little scene there to set it up so yes Fiona is thanking them for saving them. They have a little laugh that Shrek would be the one to kiss her, and that's his true love. She then demands Shrek take off that helmet. How will you kiss me? What? That wasn't in the job description. Maybe it's a perk. No, it's destiny. 
Oh, you must know how it goes. A princess locked in a tower and beset by a dragon is rescued by a brave knight. And then they share true love's first kiss. Hmm? With Shrek? You think... Wait, 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 wait. You think that Shrek is your true love? Well, yes. <laughs> you think Shrek is your true love? <laughs> what is so funny? Let's just say I'm not your type, okay? Of course you are. You're my rescuer. Now... Now, remove your helmet. Look, I really don't think this is a good idea. Just take off the helmet. I'm not going to. Take it off. No! Now! Okay! Easy! As you command, your highness. And then she's disappointed, but Shrek reads it as her being disgusted at him, mm. but she actually is thinking, oh, he's an ogre like I secretly am. That's weird. Yeah. But, okay, I like the shot of Shrek doing his, like, eh, face. Like, that's a, that's a funny drawing. Or, well, again, drawing's not the right word. It's probably drawn and then uh, modeled to look like the drawing, I'm guessing. Certainly. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, they all they all have a good laugh that uh, Fiona says she's like, he asked her, were you expecting uh, Prince Charming? She's like, well, yeah. Which she literally was expecting Prince Charming because he's the villain of the next two movies who thought he was oh. going to end up with her. So. so the next two movies have better villains. Then. Way better villains. Yeah. Way better villains. So we did DuckTales last month. Structurally, I see some similarities. This is better than DuckTales, by the way. <laughs> Although, actually, I'm not sure. But we're talking about this movie. I think it is. I... This second act is the saggiest thing ever. <laughs> it's There's nothing pushing anybody in any direction. They're just going back to the castle we go back to Farquaad once but not enough mm-hmm, and again he needs a bigger scheme he needs a grander scheme than just making some woman live in misery with him <laughs> it's a lot of long walking from one place to another like yeah when you when you analyze the film it is that a guy goes from his swamp to a castle to another castle back to that castle back to his swamp then back to the middle castle yeah and that's all the movie is just a walk a walk from a place to another place. I remember being in the theater watching this, and I again, I liked it a lot when I saw it, but I thought, okay, the movie's halfway over. What happens yeah, now? What we do it? And it turns out it's 20 minutes of just hanging out. like Hanging uh, out yeah. and misunderstandings. Yeah, I guess it turns into a romantic comedy at this point. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a mini romantic comedy. It's like 20 minutes of a romantic comedy in this kid's action film. And I don't buy any of it. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the Shrek-Fiona stuff doesn't really work for me. Well, so look, Fiona is secretly an ogre and she actually likes eating bugs and farting this also is the time of the perfect girl to bro guys in movies just one of the guys uh, just one of the guys gal who weighs you know a hundred pounds yeah. but eats and drinks as much as the guys she loves chicken wings and wrestling yeah but <laughs> she's got the foulest <laughs> mouth in the room uh but also the body of a playboy playmate yeah yeah that's and that is kind of what fiona instantly becomes yeah once she stops her princess act and then shrek and donkey they make a bunch of short jokes about her betrothed which uh i mean he's like well you can do the measuring on her wedding night it's like all right okay we get it and also when he says measuring does finger quotes that is a tribute to chris farley and his many finger quotes characters you know he might not smell great or (laughs) have gone to high school wasn't that kevin nealon I think you do that too, but I think of Sweaty Matt, uh, of the Matt Foley character uh, okay. on the update set doing his finger quotes, who may not have learned to take a shower. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> 
again all those short jokes though i just think like so are you supposed to judge someone for how they look or not you know like, yeah figure it out shrek yeah <laughs> there's more than farquaad to make fun of well i mean saying he has a small dick too like that is also judging someone for a physical quality and they're walking around with her first he carries her then she convinces them to get to walk around they say they're gonna have to camp for the night somewhere and uh, she just tears the bark off the tree to make a doorway for it i guess is that the first hint of what her true abilities are her true background that she's that strong yeah 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 and and then shrek has a joke about locking her in the cave just putting the stone in there and leaving her and then Shrek goes <laughs> like i'm just kidding come on so then we get the heartfelt donkey see this is where the emotion is in the movie yeah donkey and shrek why why does shrek have to also fall in love with the lady just have him have a friend now and i like this scene it feels written yes, it feels yeah. like it was a written scene not just that ah, fun goof around yeah. find some jokes riff riff a bit it dates back to the farley version yeah like it it was there from the beginning though the bit mike myers definitely added when they're pointing at constellations blood knock the flatulent is a reference to a character peter sellers played in the goon show okay of course it's peter sellers yep and of, course, and of course it's a deep cut like the goon show and yeah again i think shrek protests too much he's begging for attention by saying you know people are more than they seem okay i'm i'm actually really deep that just feels like a person on twitter is like i'm actually way <laughs> deeper than people think i've uh, taken the introverse test yes, i'm better yeah. than everyone <laughs> i guess yeah this is real gifted kid syndrome yeah too, yeah and donkey though correctly analyzed shrek is wanting to push people away in this next clip you know what i think i think this whole wall thing is just a way to keep somebody out no do you think are you hiding something never mind donkey oh this is another one of those onion things isn't it no this is one of those drop it and leave it alone things uh, why don't you want to talk about it why do you want to talk about it <laughs> why are you blocking i'm not blocking oh yes you are donkey i'm warning you who are you trying to keep out just tell me that shrek who everyone okay oh now we're getting somewhere oh for the love of pete hey what's your problem shrek what you got against the whole world anyway huh look i'm not the one with the problem okay it's the world that seems to have a problem with me people take one look at me and go ah help run a big stupid ugly ogre they judge me before they even know me. That's why I'm better off alone. Yeah, I like that Shrek is just, he's a guy who is judged by the world, who also doesn't feel particularly attractive or, mm. or loved. So he just says, yeah, I'm pushing everyone away before they can reject me. Like that. That is a realistic problem for a character to have in a movie. I like that. And in the history segment, we heard the Chris Farley version of that scene. Yes, yeah. With, with almost the exact same dialogue until up to a point. Yeah, up to a point. Well, and that's where the turn came. Before Donkey, what he touches on is saying, you know, was it your parents? He's like, leave my parents out of this. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. So when you take out the parents thing, it's just Shrek going like, I just want to be alone because everyone hates me. So, and I like how sad Shrek is. I like that you can see ogre fiona watching and she understands that she's in the closet about being an ogre and she feels the same pain as shrek about how everyone judges you for how you look I, it's it's sweet i like that and i really like the shot of them looking at the moon and yeah they actually have like kind of a mature 
relaxed way of doing it like just pull out from it no cuts to their faces don't even do too many jokes just a nice shot of two guys sitting in front of the moon and talking the one joke is donkey asking what the constellation is that they're looking at and he's like that's the moon yeah what's that big bright one over uh, there and then we get the creepiest scene in the movie for two reasons so we go to farquad's room pan across it the mama bear is a rug now he has killed her and made her a rug and she stays dead i i will say if you watch the karaoke dance party extra that's on the dvd and blu-ray she is back in that but for all the future films she stays dead so that 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 is non-canonical karaoke dance party not canon no it's not take it out of the wiki uh that's oh my god when that dvd came out they sold as like the karaoke dance party this party never stops because they take the wedding party at the end of the movie and then they're like what if they sang 18 more songs in this (laughs) that is the cheapest way to end this movie we'll get to it uh but uh farquad is staying up late making a mirror show him pictures of a girl over and over again i mean is he, is he jerking off in front of this mirror well so here comes the grossest joke imperceptibly almost the sheet in front of him rises he has a boner and then he goes mm, and he like makes a sort of embarrassed face well he lifts the sheet up and looks at his penis yes yeah which he seems shocked he had a boner like don't i don't think you <laughs> need to lift up a blanket to know you have an erection if or you're not. a man and you have an erection you're aware of it you're quite aware yes of it. yes yeah that's how it works <laughs> is is a joke that he normally is so impotent that he doesn't have an erection and he's like oh look at that i'm and glad they, they don't explore this i can't believe they even got it in there on the commentary eerie silence over that bit when they have other bits they're like oh not everybody noticed this joke they talk about it but when it's the dick joke of the boner nothing they they don't talk about that (laughs) i think as they know they really got away with something yeah but but it's gross it's just gross at least the mirror makes the face of like i know this is gross too guys i i don't like that is the joke of the scene yes yeah what the entire scene is leaning up to uh it's a man up late at night looking at pictures of a girl on the internet and jerking off to her (laughs) that's what and what's wrong with that (laughs) well for him it's stalkerish behavior i guess so yeah then we cut to another scene i'm sure bob loved. oh come on the bird violence yes yeah she and then uh, she steals the eggs from the bird so it's a joke about disney that yeah. it's uh it is you know snow white singing with the birds or sleeping beauty singing with the birds except in this case she sings higher in register than the bird can sing and it explodes in a feathery grenade and uh and the legs <laughs> are left behind on the branch that's also pretty intense yeah, yeah. I, uh so look it is bird violence but i had a little laugh mm. at her choosing that instead of it turning into a story of like oh no i orphaned these birds she's like well can't let these eggs go to waste and just kills three birds as well it was a dark yeah. joke that got a lot of laughs fading from the eggs in the nest to them cooking yes. on a stone yeah apparently that bird exploding scene was originally in the love montage that comes a little later mm. but they thought ah, it kind of messes with the song to have her do this singing in the middle of the song so we'll just put it here and it works good anyway is like it shows how resourceful she is that she makes breakfast for him now is that also very like the girl woke up early to make breakfast for, for the hungry boys, boys. Yeah. My hungry yeah she says well you're gonna need your strength 
And Donkey, meanwhile, is having a sex dream as well. I wrote that. Donkey wakes up from a sex dream. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad there was not a, a visible boner again in this next scene. Yeah. And when Fiona tells the boys to eat up, they look at each other. And that's a, that's a meme I see a lot. With oh, uh, yeah. Shrek's, his mouth is drawn down and his chin is sunk into his neck. Yeah. And they're looking at each other. <laughs> uh, that's a meme I see all the time. I really love that drawing of, of Shrek face. It's a very like, nuanced yeah. good face. There's some good face acting in this movie. There's some bad ones, like you said. It was just like whoever was available to animated scene did it yeah. uh so there's not a lot of quality control on the face acting but there's some good stuff in here yeah i, I like that shrek face of him looking at donkey like well, what the hell she's different now and as they're walking away shrek burps and says it's a compliment and then donkey is grossed out by it but then uh fiona burps too to show she's one of the guys she's as nasty as you are as donkey says and then, uh, boy, we get some more comedy here. Killing some time. We? Oh, boy. We got uh, how, 25 minutes left in this movie, half an yeah. hour left in the movie. Well, they need to do something before getting back to the castle for the two-minute ending. Uh, so Robin Hood shows up. A very French Robin Hood, which is strange because it's a very English character. You don't get more English than Robin Hood. At first, uh, upon seeing this 20 years later, I didn't know it was Robin Hood until the Merry Men showed up. And I was like, oh, well, why is he French? Yes. I guess French <laughs> accents are funny. Also, his entire routine is Pepe Le Pew's. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's also oh, that. We have the dragon who's a Pepe Le Pew character, too. Yeah. They say on the commentary that he had more gross pickup lines, but it eventually grossed them out too much. Like, no, this, this is yucky. Robin Hood is voiced by Vincent Cassell, okay. uh, a French actor who was just getting into the U.S. at the time. In a lot of very boundary-pushing films, uh, Shrek isn't even mentioned on his wiki, which I say somebody <laughs> needs to fix that. It's, it's on his IMDb, so I know it's him, but... Somebody on that wiki needs to mention that uh, Robin Hood is Vincent Cassell. And this movie is up front saying, we're not doing songs. Yeah. He's got a song. Yes, yeah. Well, he technically has a song. Uh, well, he's a bad guy and everybody hates his song and uh, he gets the shit beat out of him for singing a song. So, I mean, also the, well, here, I'll just put in the Robin Hood song here. Oh, wait, wait, what are you doing? Be still, mon chéri. For I am your savior, and I am rescuing you from this green beast. Uh, hey, that's my princess. Go find your own. Please, monster. Can't you see I'm a little busy here? Uh, look, pal, I don't know who you think you are. Oh, of course, how rude, Alala. Please let me introduce myself. Oh, merry man! <laughs> I still from the rich and give to the needy. It takes a wee percentage. But I'm not greedy. I risk your pretty damsels. Man, I'm good. Take it down. I like an honest fight and a saucy little maid. What he's basically saying is he likes to get paid. So when an ogre in the bush got the lady by the tooth. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. When a beauty's with a beast, it makes me awfully mad. It's mad. It's so not only does he do a like break it down line yeah but then they also do river dance like just uh it's every easy joke in the book there oh boy we get river dance and matrix yeah references and you know that it hurts the duloc the duloc joke of face versus ass that's good but then when they do it again with like what he's saying is he likes to get paid instead of laid, laid. if you repeat that joke you're taking away from the funniness of that joke earlier in duloc and i was thinking going back to a movie that i think is good aladdin 
Armageddon. Why are we not as annoyed by the pop culture references in that movie? Mm, is it because yeah. they're just drawn better? It's because is it because they go by faster? Is it because yeah, well, I mean like the Arsenio Hall joke? Why are we not screaming and upset about that? You know, I think uh, definitely it's execution because Genie's very funny and Eric Goldberg uh, as lead animator on him did an amazing job. I think we like 2D animation better too. And if this movie only had Donkey making these lines and no one else made a pop culture reference, that is the difference there. That's too. a good point. Iago yeah. is not aware of pop culture in the <laughs> 90s. Yeah, it's a, if it were to follow Shrek rules, Gilbert Godfrey would say like, I heard better jokes on Carson. Or, oh, man. He doesn't go for that easy thing. It's only Genie. And at least with Genie, he is a magical creature who you can convince yourself like, well, yeah. he knows all of time so he can reference something in 1990. He has access to things beyond this time period <laughs> but when you have donkey doing it and then shrek kind of does it and fiona does it and robin hood shows up and does it and the magic mirror does it and pinocchio does it and everybody does it it's not even special it's just everyone knows about movies the robin hood guys all do the west, west side, side story, story yeah. thing yeah in the fight scene there originally it had been a reference to jackie chan films they said but as they were making the movie crouching tiger hidden dragon and matrix showed up so the more obvious one is the matrix jump with her fixing her hair even in 2001 i was like nah -uh, i don't like yeah this. that Lame. and that hair fixing was not even uh, it was too subtle yeah yeah you it, can barely <laughs> notice it well the crouching tiger reference is even i wouldn't call it subtle but when she does the kick and they show the kick three times in a row there's basically almost the exact posing i think of a, a zhang Yi scene mm. in the movie I also forgot there was a side plot of Shrek getting an arrow in his butt, too. And, that, and this goes uh, on for too long. Yeah, I guess the Merry Men are just all dead, too. They're just knocked <laughs> unconscious and, and dead. Is the arrow thing basically, I mean, I, I don't think they do this very well, but is, is it Shrek trusting someone for the first time? I think it's that. It's also just easy romantic comedy stuff of like yeah. a guy who doesn't want a girl to touch him. And she's like, but I have to help you. Let me tell. I could see Katzenberg just saying, hey, we did this in like five movies when I worked at Disney paramount just to have an injury happen to the tough guy and the girl also has to touch his butt and it's and fall on him and fall on him it's a very like meat cute kind of thing and yeah when she lands on him i just like he could eat you alive yeah. like this your your faces are just too huge shrek should realize this is not going to work him not knowing she's an <laughs> ogre what what's gonna happen Meanwhile, Donkey's sent off and he can't find something because he's colorblind. Which that okay, I, I like that joke. I did like that. It, that also, like you said, that feels written not like a thing Eddie Murphy would have said. Oh well, you know, donkeys are colorblind. This is a funny. Eddie Murphy could write that joke, but I'm just saying, if you're asking him to improv in a room, I don't think he'd say, "Oh, if only I wasn't colorblind." Uh, which like, don uh, they, donkeys oh, really are colorblind. Flowers, I should call FTD or something like that. <laughs> I mean, don't uh, laugh at that joke, Henry. It's bad, no, but that's but, uh, that's a riff that he, you would just think up on the spot. I and I laugh because you did a good job of th coming up with a bad riff. I'm sorry that's, for scolding you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh at my uh, bad joke. So yes, when Donkey returns, he's like, "Oh, you guys just wanted to be alone," and they they both have to pretend that they're not into each other. And then we have another montage of walking somewhere. And what song is this? Uh, this is oh. from The Eels. It's uh, the song My Beloved Monster. See, what bothers me about this band, Henry, it's not The Eels, it's Eels. Oh, yes, yeah. And I that bothers me, and I wish it was uh, The Eels. It's too clever by half saying just Eels, yeah. And it, I guess they were pretty big around this time. Uh, Novocaine for the Soul, that hit mm, single, was yeah. uh, basically their only big hit in terms of crossover appeal. I owned this album. The, mm. the, uh, My Beloved Monster's all also on Novocaine for the Souls album. Uh, so 
I own that album. It was a fine song. I like it. Uh, this, I, this scene is all right. I bought one of their albums, one of their most uh, beloved albums, and it barely brought me down. <laughs> it was a little uh, too much for me. I wanted a thing to bring me down. That's why I bought it. Also, because the dude looks like just like, oh, you're a mopey looking guy. You got glasses and a soul patch. I think Nova Came for the Soul was written about a friend who committed suicide as well. That makes I sense. Think, I yeah. guess that would be Nova Came for the Soul. <laughs> and of course, most importantly, the song title is so on the nose. Yep, My yeah. Beloved Monster. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, this is one of the ones where it's in the movie and on the soundtrack, too, because Eels were on the DreamWorks record label. Mm -hmm. So apparently the Eels sequence also is one of the last ones they animated. So mm. it's uh, they said it was the one of their easier ones because they'd figured out so much of it. Another bit I didn't uh, fully get until hyper close watching when Fiona walks by Shrek, she pats him on the butt. Yeah. And that's like her little wing of like, yeah, I'm into you kind of thing. Like. You know, Shrek has never had a girl like him ever, so he, he doesn't know what to do. I was briefly confused about this movie because I knew one of the Shrek movies had a Weezer song in it that was cut, and that Weezer song ended up on uh, Make Believe, that rancid album. Oh, but wow. it was actually Shrek 2. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, Man, it's then, a bad song. Uh, I knew that uh, Rivers had written songs for Angus that got cut, but I didn't know about the Shrek one. <laughs> Then she helps them catch a bunch of flies and then she licks her fingers after making bug cotton candy to show again that she likes gross stuff. And then they kill a couple frogs. They kill a frog and a snake. This <laughs> this looks gross. If this was a 2D movie, it would be less. You'd think about it less. But because they're realistic looking animals, you just kind of feel bad. On the commentary, they even say like, well, yeah, when they get to a certain altitude, they're going to explode. Yeah. These characters have killed this snake and frog. You just feel bad for them. They kind of take you out of the scene. I didn't need to see the scene of them drifting upwards. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you sad. It, instead of ending the scene with thinking these two characters are in love, you're thinking, well, they killed those things. And also you're thinking, do ogres breathe helium? Why, <laughs> why do they float? yeah that's part of shrek lore that's why fiona that's an early tell that fiona's an ogre because she has helium breath too <laughs> so uh they are about to drop her off at farquad and they said they cut more jokes about uh, how small his dick is when they they were about to do a bunch of jokes to fiona of like oh when you marry farquad he's got a small dick and that was eventually they were told think of parents with children in the audience like this is too dirty <laughs> well at this point donkey tries to basically repeat the uh, shrek joke about overcompensating and shrek gets mad at him yeah yeah it's uh when fiona gets donkey to have a hypochondria reaction to just stay there i call this one a must-see tv joke of like i think i need a hug uh, like, that's just it's just so easy like, I, I wrote down some like i really groaned it i can't feel my toes i don't have any toes nah, just yeah mm, yeah i write a joke <laughs> just write a joke i do like the uh the animation on donkey breaking his own neck he's like well you know yeah. i don't want to say anything but when i move my neck like this uh really hurts like that's okay, though he uh, his neck quickly is fixed. That's nice. Then again, in another real like tell about Fiona, Shrek finds a bunch of rats in the weeds and roasts them. She's like, mm, rats, and just eats them whole. They're like, killing all these animals. These uh, guys are real sickos. I'm not for this marriage. <laughs> uh, look, Bob, they can't go to the grocery store. They got <laughs> they got to live off the land. And if there's rats in the in the swamp, they're gonna eat them rats. You know. I also like that he accidentally, as they're talking about the rats over dinner. He accidentally kind of asks her on a date. He's like, oh, I make a mean weed rat stew. You should uh, like that. That's fun. I like that. He's Another slurping <laughs> in the weed rat tail like spaghetti. That's cute. I like that too. I, I will also say too, though, you think about it from Fiona's position. She knows two different men 
in the course of two days and is going to marry one of them by the end of that second day. And it's either Farquaad or Shrek. And they just rush to the wedding so fast. I guess there's a time cut between them in the church and then them in the swamp wedding. You could tell yourself like, well, they dated for like six months in between (laughs) those things and then got married. I think she needs therapy first before (laughs) she gets into a relationship, honestly. Uh, Well, you could say that for most fairy tale uh, princesses. Yeah. Which they actually... I heard this argument from Griffin Newman on uh, his guest appearance on Podcasts Ride that because this movie mocks Disney so much, every Disney movie after this had to be like, hey, we can make fun of ourselves too. We, we, we're, we're cool like Shrek. Like, that's why in Frozen, Elsa's sister, when she falls in love with a guy and says she's going to marry him after knowing him for like five hours, Elsa says, you can't marry someone you just met. That's crazy. Like, that is them crapping on their own tropes. It took them a while to react to it just because of how long things take to make. And wasn't Enchanted the first time they really were like, this is stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I guess you could say 06's Princess and the Frog has jokes about like, well, this isn't a normal princess. She's a, she's a princess who knows princess stories. And Tangled too, I think. Was oh, a big very one. much Tangled, yeah. I yeah. only know the Kingdom Hearts 3 version of that <laughs> movie, by the way, so uh, apologies. Well, yeah, also in Moana... Maui I was gonna just call him the rock but Maui also just makes fun of Moana saying you have an animal sidekick you're a princess are you gonna start singing any moment now like it took him about a decade to to incorporate Shrek style humor into Disney films so as we're having this sweet little moment playing in the background is Jason Wade's cover of you belong to me Jason Wade was a member of the band Lifehouse (laughs) anybody remember Lifehouse here and now he spends his time polishing mixing boards (laughs) you know hey if he signed a record contract with DreamWorks in 1998 he's probably got enough to live off of I think man I mean those Shrek checks alone Shrek checks those Shrek (laughs) checks those gotta be like uh, was that a cereal by the way (laughs) you know boy what was the Shrek cereal. I'm sure they had just a Shrek cereal. Let's see. Shrek official cereal. This is important for all of our listeners. <laughs> I want to know. Uh, so, yes, there was a Shrek cereal. I'm looking at it here. Marshmallow donkeys. Yeah, it's, uh, well, they're Fruit Loops. These are just Fruit Loops with Shrek, Donkey, and Puss on the cover. And they're uh, called No, Ogre-O. they're Ogre-O's, Henry. Sorry. Yes, not Different. Fruit Loops at all. Ogre-O's. Uh, oh, I'm seeing some marshmallow cereal right here. Okay, yeah, I see the General Mills one. That's some cereal bits with marshmallows inside. Yeah, for sure. Of course, Shrek has been around long enough to have three different cereals. Same with all of the all of the characters. Uh, but yeah, so then Donkey is a real cock blocker and <laughs> uh, just jumps in between them, ruins the moment. But then Shrek ruins the moment himself anyway. So like, you want uh, you want to eat this? And he just hands her the rat, and he knows he struck out. He should have kissed the girl, you know. Yeah, Donkey should have been singing a song about. See, this is why yeah, we need songs in these movies. This is why you need songs. Yeah, things need to happen. <laughs> so Fiona knows the sun's about to go down, so she goes to hide. Meanwhile, you know the donkey's trying to tell Shrek, "Hey, go for it, buddy." And I like the little bit of Shrek messing with the stick to be like, "Well, if I did feel something, man, I don't. Mm-hmm. But if I did, she wouldn't like me. I'm just." an ogre and so he just uh, heads off he says he needs to get firewood they cut to show that there's a whole bunch of firewood barely katzenberg didn't want that shot in the movie and said you don't need an insert shot of firewood but on the commentary they celebrate that they got that huh. firewood shot in the film it's an important battle 
And uh, then I, I actually, again, complimenting the film by 2001 standards, the shot of Shrek looking at the sun and then it dissolves to time and it's nighttime. A good shot. I thought that was good. Yeah. yeah. And of course, Fiona ran away because the sun was setting. Yes. Yeah. So she heads into the windmill. Donkey follows her in looking for her. It's, uh, it looks kind of good and creepy in there. And uh, then she falls down, revealing herself in a cloud of smoke. Donkey at first doesn't believe it, but yes, her with her cherubic face is, uh, this is her true form, and it looks way better than Fiona. You're out of the uncanny valley. Ogre Fiona looks way better. Yes, I mean, human Fiona comes back, but then the movies after this are just, she's ogre forever. Yeah. As far as I know. I believe a magic curse gets put upon her to put her in human form briefly in, in a film. <laughs> but uh, but it's always the point that she's happier as an ogre and that's how she wants to live. But I also have to wonder, is that dress magic? Because her mm. body is not the same. It is a form-fitting dress. True. You know? Lots of elastic is involved. Yeah. I mean, it could just be a magic dress. Her parents are rich. They could buy her a magic dress that changes in size. But so yes, Donkey doesn't believe it at first. But when he looks in her eyes, he realizes that is Fiona. Uh, at first he jokes like oh my god you ate the princess and he even kind of very like cruelly calls her ugly, ugly yeah. yeah but donkey <laughs> this is the point of the movie pay attention <laughs> donkey is tactless i i understand that but... her her backstory is really skirted over a witch cast a curse on you why yeah why, that, why did this yeah. happen where is this witch <laughs> believe me she does not come back in the second movie hmm. you even meet her parents and you get some backstory but not much talk of that witch at least I checked the Shrek wikis for confirmation. There's no character of witch who enchanted her, but maybe I'm misremembering. If guys say like, oh no, it was secretly the fairy godmother who did it. Don't you remember in Shrek 2? I'm sorry I forgot. It's been a while since Shrek 2. And it's not on Hulu, and I don't have the Blu-ray. Really? So. Not on Hulu? Well, you have to sign up for the live service. Oh, come on. And soon enough, they'll all be on Peacock because Universal owns yeah. them. But there's an over... I'm just talking about TV contracts <laughs> now. Uh, anyway, though... It's important. <laughs> Donkey, though, in this next clip, is a good wingman for Shrek as he learns Fiona's secret. <sighs> all right, all right, calm down. Look, it's not that bad. You're not that ugly. And well, well, you, well, you are, I ain't gonna lie, you are ugly. But you only look like this at night. Shrek's ugly 24-7. But Donkey, I'm the princess. And this is not how a princess is meant to look. Princess, how about if you don't marry Farquaad? I have to. Only my true love's kiss can break the spell. But you know, um, you're kind of an ogre, and Shrek... Well, you've got a lot in common. Shrek? Princess. I... Uh, how's it going, first of all? Good? Um, good for me, too. I'm okay. I saw this flower and thought of you because it's pretty and... Well, I don't really like it, but I thought you might like it because you're pretty. But I like you anyway. I... Uh, uh, I'm in trouble. That was a very Mike Myers-y section there, too. Yeah. I'm in trouble. So uh, maybe I'm missing something, <laughs> uh-huh. but Fiona was always an ogre, right? And the curse was to turn her into a human during the day? No. That's what I don't get about this movie. So on the commentary, they say it should have been that. They should say that she was always an ogre who was given a pretty curse, but... I thought that's why the movie wraps up the way it does, where that's the twist, but I guess it's not the twist. So, okay. Yes, it's not the twist in this film. Yeah. In Shrek 2, she has two human parents, and she was born a human baby. I believe it was her father actually had been 
the frog prince who gets kissed to turn into a human again that being her father i think that is the magic that brought the curse into it Hmm. i think that is sort of it but that's that's retcon like that doesn't count the reality of this film in this film what she says you just have to take is the reality a witch cursed her to be an ogre that's what happened okay like that she was born a human baby and then a witch made her be an ogre well then to me the twist doesn't make any sense yeah well the twist is that she just it's a transformation she's Mm. ashamed of i suppose like that's the twist but (sighs) it works so much better if she's an ogre who was cursed to look like a princess they they waste so much time on this movie with these bits and these riffs that they need to tell (laughs) these things to the audience Uh, they need to explain these things to the audience you know i I think that's what when you have to make room for riffs and you're locked in of like well we can't animate more than 90 minutes of this and we need room for riffs then you got to toss out like story bits like maybe maybe the bits on the commentary where they say oh we like the idea that she was had a pretty curse put on her maybe that was a line before and then they said we need to lose six more minutes because we're keeping these lines Mm. that uh, donkey says we're putting in every line we can but i i kind of do like her sob i don't like her sobbing as a character moment her crying and saying this is not how a princess is supposed to look like it's a, it's an okay message about like the beauty standards put upon her and she feels bad about how she looks only because it's what everyone expects a princess to look like not because she personally hates looking like an ogre she just hates what other people think of her looking like an ogre and i think in the book it was always an ogre princess yes the ugliest princess for the ugliest ogre yeah so yeah. they could be ugly together when she's only on like four pages yeah at the very end too it's just he it, it ends where the night shrek breaks into the castle and is like and then found out the princess was an ogre and they got married the end again it's a 30 page kids yeah book, yeah so, yeah <laughs> This then leads to quite a cliched romantic comedy misunderstanding where one character says something, but another person hears a different thing. This is why in romantic comedies, no character can directly say what they feel because that would defeat this cliche that stops them from being together. And in this case, Shrek listens in to her. She's into Shrek. When Donkey says she should go to Shrek, she then talks about how ugly she is and how princess and ugly don't go together but it's her talking about herself shrek hears that and thinks that when she says princess and ugly don't go together it's her saying i could never fall in love with someone as ugly as shrek and that hurts shrek's feelings and he walks away and doesn't hear the very next thing she says and that's why i can't tell shrek because of this spell Mm. on me maybe she's just very self-conscious about this but i don't understand why she would think shrek would reject this change Mm, well because he is an ogre well i mean her parents taught her to be in the closet all the time about this so it could just be she doesn't want to show anybody Mm, okay it takes her all night to get up the confidence to burst out of the room and be like i'm gonna tell shrek i'm coming out i'm coming out (laughs) they should have had that music played yeah that's a missed opportunity i don't know it just feels like (laughs) if anyone gets to see this transformation it should be shrek i mean i guess it takes her a while to come around to that but she's uh, i don't know i don't i don't buy a lot of this i guess as a romantic comedy goes they want shrek to get the confidence to tell her he loves her before he knows she's a ogre too because that it feels more earned for shrek's love that he's like if he knew she was an ogre that might make him go like oh then what am i even worrying about like it gives him a bigger romantic obstacle to overcome in in cliched romantic comedy yeah, terms if I, he I, thinks she's not an ogre i guess i don't like this romantic comedy stuff because yes. i don't buy it for a second 
because <laughs> later on, uh, when they're having their fight, I'm, we'll talk about it. Shrek goes, like you said, who could love a hideous, ugly beast? She should go, oh, I was talking about me. You yes, were misunderstanding. Yeah, okay, let's let's yeah. talk about this. But instead, it's just so contrived. Well, when he says that, then she replies back, but I thought that wouldn't be a problem for you because she then thinks he knows she's an ogre and she thinks that he's saying you're too ugly for me an ogre and that hurts her feelings but when she says I thought that wouldn't <laughs> be a problem for you Shrek thinks he's saying you think it wouldn't be a problem that I'm you think I'm hideous it's all missed communication it's, that's the joke it's too contrived yes, i mean yeah. you feel I, this is not realistic dialogue but <laughs> but i thought that wouldn't matter to you yeah well it does she should be like but i'm an ogre like you shrek and yeah. he'll go, you're an ogre too oh wow uh, it's uh a lot of 800 assumptions have to be made yeah. on top of each other and they have to be made while donkey is conveniently asleep because if he was oh, awake right. if he was awake he'd say no i know what's going on you you misheard here but donkey has to sleep and for the one time ever not talk i do like his little eye twitch as he is meant now donkey is a good friend to fiona though because she tells him please don't tell him my secret and donkey's like fine but you should and he does even when it would be plot convenient for him to say she was talking about her later he doesn't do it he just says she was talking about someone else that's where there's a good the bit you said where you slightly chuckled was when donkey talks and he sees he's surrounded by knights and he's like who talks certainly not a donkey that was, that was okay and it was the one reference to oh right this is uh he has like concentration camps full of fairy tale creatures yes, and yeah. donkey does not want to be rounded up <laughs> even when he says that you almost forget as a, li a viewer you're like oh wait yeah he's he's worried uh but yes farquad arrives you see the trek angrily left that night and brought farquad to her fiona is hurt that he would shove her to farquad meanwhile farquad is just happy like oh uh, hey it's my girlfriend and he he even very meanly says like uh <laughs> like you don't have to waste good manners on an ogre it's not like he's got feelings it's got feelings it's got feelings yeah and yes in this next clip the trio breaks up lord farquad i accept Nothing would make... Excellent! I'll start the plans. For tomorrow we wed! No! I mean, uh... Why wait? Let's get married today. Before sunset. Oh, anxious, are we? You're right. The sooner the better. There's so much to do! There's the caterer, the cake, the band, the guest list. Uh, Captain, round up some guests! Fare thee well, ogre. Shrek, what are you doing? You're letting it get away! Yeah, so what? Shrek, there's something about it that you don't know. Look, I, I talked to her last night. Jeez, yeah, I know you talked to her last night. You're great pals, aren't you? Now, if you two are such good friends, why don't you follow her home? But Shrek, I, I want to go with you. Hey, I told you, didn't I? You're not coming home with me. I live alone. My swamp. Me. Nobody else. Understand? Nobody. Especially useless, pathetic, annoying, talking donkeys. Yeah, you you know what? You thought wrong. Shrek. Shrek. You know what? I like the sad acting for Myers, but yeah. they've had this scene five <laughs> times. 
Uh, and I don't buy that it has to matter this time. Maybe Donkey can tell with the tears in his eyes that yeah. Shrek means it this time, perhaps. It's just, right? uh, it, this scene happens too much in this movie. Uh, I do like his, like, you're great pals, aren't you? Myers plays it well of being just, his sadness creeps through, and then he kind of stuffs it back, and he's like, no, I'm mad, no, I'm sad. Like, it, the push and pull of that, that's good voice acting. I, I like that, but... But yeah, I, I do like the shot. Shrek is looking at the deed, the thing he thought he wanted. And then he looks behind him to Fiona leaving. And he's like, no, that's what I want now. I thought I wanted to live alone. And now the woman I'd want to share my life with is about to leave to marry Hitler, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the framing is nice, visually. Uh, and also, I, okay, I giggled again, too, at... When Farquaad is taken off of the horse, he's lifted like a toddler out of his seat under his arms. I That made me laugh, you know. And then, of course, comes another gigantic cliche. The hallelujah scene, yep. which yeah. uh, was a bathroom break for me during my second viewing of Shrek. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I was just, I was yeah. making the jerk-off noise in my apartment. Uh. Sorry, no, the motion. I wasn't making uh, the jerk-off noise. Oh, no. That's, uh, yeah, the... Hallelujah as a song originally written and performed by Leonard Cohen. You know, it, it had been around for a while. It is, it's a beautiful song, but you've, I've heard it used in so many places for a very long sex scene in Watchmen over the trailer for Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and in many other places. It's just, it's so corny. It's just such an easy, and also it's a song about like, a biblical love affair it is not really right for the tone of it's, characters miss each other it's like, too heavy and it's too emotionally manipulative yeah i will say tonally the line i used to live alone before i knew you or all i ever learned from love was how to shoot somebody who outdrew you those fit for shrek mm -hmm. but lines like uh which are not in the movie remember when i moved in you and the holy dove was moving too yeah that's not in this movie <laughs> or also she tied you to her kitchen chair she broke your throne and cut your hair also not in the movie and i do like uh visually i hate this this segment but i visually <laughs> i like the cross cutting between shrek and fiona sure and uh i think they realize like this is a little much so there's a shot of donkey and the dragon reuniting that got a big laugh in the theater during this oh, heavy yeah, scene yeah it uh, it was nice to see them reconnect but again i i don't like donkey going back to his attacker but <laughs> uh, uh and here's more soundtrack funnies so <laughs> the film in the movie is sung by john kale who was a member of the velvet underground and just you know this very revered rocker but for some reason rights wise they couldn't get his version on the soundtrack and I don't understand why if they were going to have Rufus Wainwright do his version of the cover, why couldn't it be subbed in into the scene and just replace it? Like, I can get that it's not exactly the same timing and everything, but if it's close enough, like, and it's not said on the commentary either why it's a different song. Yeah, these soundtrack mix-ups are weird. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that they thought John Cale can't be on this album because we're only having DreamWorks people and we just signed Rufus Wainwright. But why can't it just be Rufus in the movie? I I will say, when I was a cliched youngster, I listened to Rufus's version of it <laughs> and the Jeff Buckley cover over and over and over again. And I was like, I'm sad and deep, too. It's, I love this song. It's for when you're sentimental and growing up. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. And as you get older, you go like, this is a song about sex. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, you're right. They are showing off, at least with all these match cuts, like them at the two sides of the table, the broken mirror matching up with the chandelier. Is this what the N64 fire is? Yes. He throws the flower in the fire, and that fire looks like shit. (laughs) Like, yeah. There's better fire in the movie. That fire in the scene is just bad. The big fireball that chases them is much more uh, quality than this fireplace fire. And you have to see it twice because it's like a match cut. You see his fireplace in the then it turns into the fireplace where Fiona is and and you can see Fiona doesn't like she's already realizing I don't want to marry this guy she shoves Farquaad into the cake like and when he cuts her off when she accepts his proposal that should have been like that's red flag number one yeah. right there but so after the song is over and we all get to hear a, a beautiful song that you've heard in, in too many movies Donkey then returns to to have it out with Shrek and I agree with Donkey. He owns half this place. He earned it. He he risked his ass, literally. Uh, <laughs> that's too funny for Shrek. Uh, yeah, you know, that's too good of a joke. I made up too good a joke for it. But yes, Donkey then has it out with Shrek. I also agree with Donkey when he says, you know what? No, I've had to listen to your bullshit this whole movie. Now it's time for you to hear about my feelings. I'm tired of your feelings. Also, I do like the ear acting on Shrek. His ears are down. And then when he finds out that Fiona actually does like him, his ears perk back up Hmm. again. He's like, oh, really? I guess I didn't notice. (laughs) But I I guess I did like this scene because I was sick of the Shrek telling Donkey to shut up scenes because there are so many. And finally, Donkey gets to, you know, bite him back. Yeah, yeah. And I think Donkey has earned that right. Uh, And yes, Donkey and Shrek make up. Well, guess what? Now it's my turn. So you just shut up and pay attention. You are mean to me. You insult me and you don't appreciate anything that I do. You're always pushing me around or pushing me away. Oh, yeah? Well, if I treated you so bad, how come you came back? Because that's what friends do. They forgive each other. Oh, yeah. You're right, Donkey. I forgive you. For stabbing me in the back. Oh! You're so wrapped up in layers, Onion Boy, you're afraid of your own feelings. Go away. See? There you are, doing it again, just like you did to Fiona. And all she ever do was like you. Maybe even love you. Love me? She said I was ugly. A hideous creature. I heard the two of you talking. She wasn't talking about you. She was talking about... Uh, somebody else. She wasn't talking about me? Well, then who was she talking about? Uh-uh, no way. I ain't saying anything. You don't want to listen to me, right? Right? Donkey. No. <laughs> Okay, look, I'm sorry, all right? And he he legitimately apologizes to Donkey. That See, that is the emotional arc that closes there that is yeah. more important than the love story, I think. you know. And then Donkey never has to explain who Fiona was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he, he said he'd keep a secret, and he did. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a sweet little moment of them going, like, we are friends, yeah. And then we find out that like the wedding's about to happen right now there's no way they'll get there in time i will say one thing the shrek movies this shrek 4d and the second movie really depends upon is can't a dragon just show up and get somebody there like there's maybe six minutes left in the movie right it's so there it is a sprint to the end here i i remembered this being spaced out more but yeah the the dragon just shows up 
and Donkey says, like, I guess it's just by animal magnetism, which seems to imply that he's having sex with an animal, not a uh, mm. a person of similar intelligence to him. <laughs> but then they just fly off. They're like, all right, let's get there right now. Back to back to the Farquad place. And then we just smash cut to the wedding happening. Yes, yeah. They I do like the joke of the applause signs. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's been done before for sure. I mean, this this whole section of like a woman forced into a, a marriage. Princess Bride did these jokes, you know, space balls for space. I was thinking the priest almost sounds like the space balls guy to me. Yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> I love space balls. Everyone uh, stop talking about it. It's a good movie. Also, the way the dragon lands is inspired by the Harrier jet from True Lies. Okay. So, was it uh, was it meant to be like a visual reference or uh, just inspired? The by... first time it lands, it's supposed to be a visual reference okay. to the Harrier jet. Yeah, and then that's also when Shrek calls Donkey Donkey calls Shrek a kiss ass, which again really gets him away with something there but yes yeah, so then they do the joke twice it's another one where i don't like they do the joke twice fiona's like can we speed this up and for the second time farquad's like oh she wants to get to the wedding night huh kind of joke they they already did it when he's like "Ooh, anxious are we and then we have to assume that when the dragon lands it kills a bunch of knights just yeah. off screen yeah and then of course though donkey has to waste some more time with uh with another song donkey tells him no you can't just go in there you have to be dramatic wait for the i object moment and then he sings the otis writing song try a little tenderness oh right i forgot there was another singing donkey bit in this section <laughs> got to got to that apparently was all murphy and they're like yeah that's funny we're, we're keeping it now here. we gotta pay for yep, it we gotta pay for the song he made the otis writing estate a lot of money that day <laughs> and uh yes shrek then finds out that they actually have wasted too much time and they miss the object part. I kind of like that. I like that they seem to know they're in a movie and they want to do the dramatic thing and then Shrek fucks up and realizes he already missed that. So he bursts in and just screams, I object! It's at too late a time. And that's when uh, this next scene starts with some more classic Mike Myers stage patter. Hi, everyone. Having a good time, are you? I love Duloc, first of all, pretty clean. What are you doing here? Really, it's rude enough being alive when no one wants you, but <laughs> showing up uninvited to a wedding... Fiona, I need to talk to you. Oh, now you want to talk? Well, it's a little late for that, so if you'll excuse me... But you can't marry him. And why not? Because... Because he's just marrying you so he can be king. Outrageous! Fiona, don't listen he's to me. He's not your true love. But what do you know about true love? Well... I, uh, I mean, oh, this is precious. <laughs> the ogre has fallen in love with the princess. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> An ogre and the princess. <laughs> Shrek, is this true? Who cares? It's preposterous. Fiona, my love, we're but a kiss away from our happily ever after. Now kiss me. Good sound on Lithgow. Though. Yeah. You know what? He is doing the John Lithgow thing. That's what you hire him for, but it's good. Yeah, he's it's great, great at it. They, You know, you'll see him in stuff every now and again, and you're like, man, he's good. But 
I forget that he was at his most famous when they cast him in this. Like he was the third rock from the sun mm -hmm. lead actor winning Emmys every year. You know, I would have liked to see an alternate universe in which he was cast as Doc Brown. That was their original actor. Oh, they wanted yeah. to play him. He also, you know, another thing he turned down being the Joker in the oh, 89 Batman. Really? Okay. Yeah. Which I can't imagine anyone but Jack, Nich Jack Nicholson <laughs> doing that role. But uh, he, I think he, I think Lithgow, I, would have been good i feel the same thing about lloyd christopher lloyd but i i want to see the alternate reality versions of those movies yeah just if they could exist yeah if we had the rick and morty portal gun or whatever or a better reference to a thing <laughs> uh, that's just the one that came to me but you feel for shrek there everyone laughing at him like oh the the nerd has feelings for the cheerleader everyone laugh at him ah. and again it's a uh, thing like he only wants to be king and it doesn't i i don't understand this i don't understand this plot point at all it's like this is his kingdom it's named yeah, after him it's, it's duloc you have it it's yours like yeah. he's i guess he wants to be king when shrek says he only is doing this to be king that was like oh right that was a plot point one hour ago yeah. in this movie if you're gonna do the scene of him jerking off in bed to her <laughs> have him say like and then i'll be king oh boy i yeah. can't wait to be a king that's what i've always wanted all of these things they set up in act one they forget about until act three when they're briefly mentioned again <laughs> uh just for the big ending like that's why this ending happens so fast everyone has to just shout like i'm in love with you i want to be king kill this person like yeah <laughs> it's like uh the villain is dispatched in about five seconds yeah so fiona turns down the kiss she decides she's going to turn into the ogre so everyone can see. In a real cheat about body morphing, they have better technology by <laughs> Shrek 2. In this, all Off smoke. Screen. Yeah, it's just a bunch of clouds that cover her. It's a very Myers line, too, when he says, well, that explains a lot. You can see then Farquaad just turns on her and starts calling her it as well. Like he he sees her now as lesser than a person too. I really feel like at this point Farquaad should really show his true colors and just say kill them. He doesn't yeah. even say kill Shrek. He just says get him. Get him out of here. You know, there's crosstalk, but he does says I'm going to have you drawn and quartered. Okay. He, does, he does say that. If he killed her, he might not be a king anymore. So he says he's just going to put her, her back up. in a dungeon. Yeah, and she'll never get out. Oh, yeah. He says to Shrek, you'll beg for death to save you. Mm. So, you know, he's a bad stuff's going to happen to Shrek. And he's fighting off all those guys. And I guess, again, if we're going to note this to death, Shrek should be more active in his own saving. If you want to say, oh, well, Shrek whistles for the dragon to show up. That's it. Like, yeah. the dragon does everything for him. The dragon flies him there. The dragon saves Donkey as well. It's really and the dragon's movie. It's his, and meanwhile, the dragon gets treated like shit most of the movie and is a joke. And yeah. if you're going to kill the villain, it should be an ironic death. Yes. Yeah, just, well, I guess early in the movie, you say, like, oh, I'll never be eaten by a dragon. <laughs> uh, but Or say, oh, I'm not going to that that castle i'm scared of that dragon he has no personal connection to the dragon one way or the other it's just a dragon as the force of the story breaks through a window and eats him to kill him his knights are doing a poor job of protecting him too uh, but i'll tell you what disney they'd have him fall into a chasm and you just assume death this guy gets eaten on screen you see him try to get out and he is swallowed dead d-e-a-d -E dead also like donkey 
this one I couldn't tell if it was a reference to something, but him saying I'm a donkey on the edge felt like a reference. Hmm. Like I, I'm not sure what. Maybe but. it's one of those things that feels like a joke, but isn't. Just like yeah, this should yeah. be a reference. I guess it's a placement for saying like, hey, I'm a man on the edge. Don't push me. But uh, I, it's a clever enough like you know statement of it. And then Eddie Murphy just becomes a stand-up comedian himself, saying like, celebrity marriage, they never last, do they? I like that everybody's happy after they're, he's dead. They're like, oh, he's dead. Yay, we're finally free. So yes, Shrek is about to kiss her. They say on the commentary that it was Myers playing that scene with his then wife at the time hmm. to, to make it feel real for him. And that's when Shrek says he loves her. As for you, my wife, Fiona, I'll have you locked back in that tower for the rest of your days. I will have order. I will have perfection. I will have... Celebrity marriages, they never last, do they? <laughs> Go ahead, Trey. Uh, Fiona? Yes, Shrek? I... I love you. Really? Really, really. <laughs> I love you, too. the guy writes awe on the sign yeah it's cute i i guess with donkey saying now go ahead shrek i guess it's donkey who was on the dragon saying like hey kill that guy i suppose there's that that mm. gives a little more activity to our characters sure uh, i guess it's implied with that scene <laughs> though that kind of reminds me of uh remember ninja turtles when casey jones says oops and then kills a the guy like you don't want your main characters to be that active in murder <laughs> you know like only uh, accessories <laughs> to murder yeah that's, that's yeah. acceptable like have tarzan say hey be careful and then a guy kills himself or whatever or or have beast like go ow you stabbed me and then it's gaston's fault that he falls off of the tower and frollo falls off of uh notre dame because yeah. he's clumsy he's a jerk a clumsy and jerk. horny yeah he's he's he yeah you know what he's too hard to, to <laughs> keep his balance but yes he kisses her we then have what is certainly a parody of the beauty and the beast final transformation oh, right. scene. like not only does she fly in the air just like beast does but also falls on the ground in a way that you can't tell if they're transformed or not it actually reminded me of the third matrix film when she looks up into the sky with like oh like the magical power hmm. consumed her or whatever one of three jokes I liked in this movie, but didn't laugh at, was uh, when she levitates and there's like a gust of wind and light that breaks all the windows in the church. One of them is left unbroken and the dragon just breaks it. That I liked. It showed the dragon had more presence of mind. It was like, ah, I can't leave this one unbroken, especially because it's a picture of Farquaad on it too. Mm. Like, uh, like, let's be done with that guy. Fiona, though, is revealed to be still in her ogre form. And she's like, I thought I was supposed to be beautiful. And... And of course, we get a happy ending. Fiona? Fiona? Are you all right? Well, yes. But I, I don't understand. I'm supposed to be beautiful. But you are beautiful. 
was hoping this would be a happy ending. Uh, oh, God. Uh, so there was nothing. So, like, I thought it was a clever twist, but I guess it's not because there's no, like, ambiguous wording in the curse that would imply that this would turn her into an ogre. Yeah. At first, my read on it was, as far as the first viewing of the movie, I thought it was if she had kissed a human, she would have turned human all the time. By kissing an ogre, she turned ogre all the time. That should be in the movie then. Yeah. Well, they just, no one explains anything of it. Like There should yeah. be some ambiguity in the in the words of the curse. She says the curse or like the rhyme or whatever, the verse yeah. into how to fix the thing. And then she should go like, oh, blah, 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 blah. That's what it meant. Yeah. Oh, it meant I turn into the ogre all the time. Time. that's great i love but it, being an ogre instead it's unexplained in this whole time I, I spent the movie thinking oh she was an ogre cursed to turn into a human during the yeah. day but they never they don't make that clear and in the second movie they make it obvious that she was a human like in the second movie it's also more jokes about like she comes back home with her new husband and they see like wait you turned into an ogre and you're married to an ogre what the hell like it's then it just turns into meet the parents mm. as well but Shrek then, much like Deadpool, knows there's a camera and puts his hand in the way so you can't see the kiss. I can't stand this. And I think, didn't <laughs> uh, every animated movie do this for a long time? Like, now let's do a bunch of fun songs. It's uh, A dance party finish was pretty much every DreamWorks CG film after this. Yeah, it's, uh, well, this is where the Smash Mouth cover comes in, which is their payback to them. They have a wedding, which I think if they knew they were going to have a sequel, they would have saved the wedding for another movie. But they wanted, if they thought, if this is our one shot, then let's Let's have the swamp wedding and all the creatures come back. So originally it was just supposed to be, they get in the onion carriage. They do the joke of the throwing of the bouquet and that the dragon uh, gets it. And then gingerbread man says, God bless us, everyone. And after they did it, then had that as their final thing in some screening, Katzenberg says, not good enough. We need a bigger laugh at the end. And so that's why they just had Eddie Murphy sing the rest of the song. Like one more time. I believe like, so all that stuff after where donkey starts singing, that was a very late addition to it. It's such a cheap way to make you think it was a good movie too. Yes, just like yeah. everyone's having fun. Why aren't you uh, having fun? Have fun. Like he's, I definitely think in my audience on uh, first viewing, some people sang along when he says, like, sing along with me. People in the back. I believe. I believe. I think that happened in my theater, too. <laughs> what made you cringe more? Donkey wearing the sunglasses, the pigs break dancing, or the Macarena? The Macarena. The by watch. 2001, illegal joke to make in a movie. Illegal. <laughs> you have to go to joke prison. Yes. Like it, it should be the meme of the dog bonking you on the head like, you're going to joke jail, yes. buddy. <laughs> go to joke jail. Uh, a Macarena joke in 2000. Even on first viewing, it made me groan. And when I watched it on DVD, I was like, I write a Macarena joke. In 01, even, I just couldn't, couldn't believe and it. And we talked about this in the history segment they added more right yes yeah so the big selling point of the dvd was the karaoke dance party which extended this sequence right and made it longer and just every character sings like one line of a song you know how in the movie donkey's the only one who's like this makes me think of a song and he sings like a few lyrics from it in the dance party version everybody sings it like shrek sings a song then fiona sings a song actually i'm gonna pull up the, the list of songs okay. here there's a very dense wikipedia page that's only for shrek songs. i was on like, shrekopedia for this yeah. by the way <laughs> so songs in the shrek in the swamp karaoke dance party 
Just the Way You Are by Billy Joel, performed by Shrek. Like a Virgin by Madonna, sung by Fiona. Baby Got Back by Sir Mixlock, sung by Donkey, oh. about Dragon, because, you know, Dragon's got much back. That should be illegal, too. A Baby Got Back song in 2001. In 2001 yeah. Feelings by Morris Albert was sung by Thelonious. YMCA by The Village People was sung by Robin Hood and the Merry Men. Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by Culture Club is sung by the Gingerbread Man and the Three Blind Mice. Oh, boy. Staying Alive by the Bee Gees are sung by Farquaad inside the stomach of Dragon. Who Let the Dogs Out Jesus. is, of course, sung by Big Bad Wolf and Three Little Pigs. Uh, it still goes on. <laughs> it's going on. There are more of these. Dance to the Music by Sly and the Family Stone is then sung by the entire cast. And then Shrek and Fiona and the Dance Party by singing Happy Together by the Turtles. Mm. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten songs they paid for for just the DVD extra. That's how much money they spent on it. I feel bad for every parent who had a child in maybe 1995. <laughs> they had to sit through this a lot. Uh, so many. Yeah, like, no, I want to watch it again, Mom. Just the don donkey singing song. When he sings that song about butts, like, that's so funny. Like, you know those uh, minivans with the DVD players built in? How many of these uh, were, uh, how many of those are playing this? It had to, on it, a loop. <laughs> it had to be, once Shrek 2 came out, they're like, I'll switch between Shrek and Shrek 2, please. <laughs> Don't make me see both of them. Mommy in a needs a break. Uh, you just have to, as a, as a parent, you have to just go like, all right, I believe I, but, uh, and that is still in, uh, though I think it's an SD on the Blu-ray cause I don't think they kept HD elements for yeah. it, but you can watch it on, on the Blu-ray edition. I think it's about to get a 4k edition as well of, of Shrek. Yes. I, I think even they knew there were story problems involving Fiona because now I'm thinking like, I have all these questions. And if you're working on the movie, don't you have questions too? And I think this dance party is just to be like, no, 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 we're having fun now. <laughs> it's almost uh, over. Uh, just, just get the rest good. of your soda in your body and let's go. Uh, you'll chuckle at seeing the Macarena be performed and that's it you, know? you have your keys just, uh, yeah it's time to go <laughs> uh your kid well, it'll soon cut to black and then you can walk your kids out and put your jacket uh, on oh and then that i mean those the credits talk about songs too four songs in a row it's longer it's more songs they shove in than we got in the space jam credits you know like it's four songs in a row like including the Baja men cover of the best years of our lives. God. Like, yeah. how do you feel if you get signed on to be on a soundtrack of a movie and you're stuck in the credits? I know. You're just yeah. at the end. No one's uh, watching it. It just fills out a soundtrack that can be sold. Like, but they seem to think the Baja man was going to be the biggest hit from it because that was the first music video they made for Shrek was the Baja man. They also must've got a big payday for that cover. They're covered to who let the dogs out as well, which, oh uh, man, like what's worse hearing who let the dogs out or, oh God, or YMCA too. I was going to say baby got back makes me the most mad, but I, I think Sir Mix a lot seems like a fine guy, but like it's such it is the clichéiest of all clichés. Are we in Mambo number no. five town yet? Oh man, had Mambo number no. five come out? Uh, I wonder. Let's see here. I am watching now on my YouTube the Baja <laughs> Man video for Best Years of Our Lives. Mm -hmm. An odd name for a song. Yes. And yeah. uh, I want them to be dancing with Shrek, but no, it's just them performing and then Shrek clips. <laughs> yep. At the very least, in the I'm a Believer music video, they get people in giant Shrek costumes that Smash Mouth hangs out with. You Good. know, they, they couldn't do any CGI stuff for it, but... Okay, so the Lou Bega version of Mongo, Mambo number Mongo number five, <laughs> Mambo number five. That was 1999, so they could have had it in here, and they didn't. I I feel like uh something must have fallen through, or like you know what I'm seeing here. 
Lou Bega was on RCA, so RCA might have been like, we're not giving that to DreamWorks. No, no. We're I can not see that. that. Yeah. It feels like an omission to me. Totally. <laughs> but uh, it was a scene that was supposed to leave you with a good taste in your mouth, and when you leave it, you're like, no, I feel bad. Yeah. I don't. This is so many bad jokes in a row and terrible references. The, the second I heard, <laughs> I, just, I, I knew I had to watch uh, the rest of it for this, but I just wanted to turn it off. Yeah, you'd uh, just hearing that. If it was just the monkeys version, I, I wouldn't be so bothered by it. But to hear the smash mouthified, I shut it off and I said, you know what? America deserved 9-11. <laughs> and then I unsubscribed from Hulu. That was a joke, by the way. Uh, yes. Of course, I don't mean that. It was a sign of our opulence, yes. I will say. We yeah. thought this was entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think the nicest thing I can say about Shrek is that Looking at other things that ripped off Shrek after Shrek's huge success make me think Shrek is a better movie than it probably is because it's not as bad as a lot of bad movies that other people than DreamWorks made and also DreamWorks themselves made. Like, this is a better movie than Shark Tale. Yeah. It's a better movie than Over the Hedge. It's it's not a better movie than Kung Fu Panda, which is, I'm not even saying that's an amazing movie, but I think as a movie of like Jack Black is a big fat guy who does Kung Fu. Hey, I'm laughing already. I'm thinking about it. That's funny. <laughs> and I don't want I, I don't want anyone to have a sour taste in their mouth after this podcast because I, I was kind of mean to Shrek. But uh, again, I liked it a lot. I saw it twice in theaters. And I like how this podcast lets us revisit things. I didn't think I was going to like the movie and I was right. But going back to other things, I've liked more like Toy Story 1 and 2. Like doing this podcast made me realize like, oh, Toy Story might be one of my favorite movies. It might yeah. be number one for me. And Toy Story 2 even better. I recently went back to Toy Story 3. I didn't like it. We'll probably oh. talk about it in the future. Wow, man. I'm surprised. And I loved you. it the first yeah, time. So. I, I still love that movie. I'm, I'm looking forward to when we ever do that. But, but you know, going back to one and two, that shows us that it's not just tech. Tech isn't the problem that yeah. makes it a better or worse movie or age poorly. Like Shrek. Shrek's, I didn't even see too many scenes. Occasionally, if a human talked, I'm like, oh, that face technology sucks. But mostly what it knew visually what it was good at doing and showed that off, you know? I really feel like the problem with this movie, it's not just the bad jokes. The storytelling is very bad. Uh, we explained it throughout this podcast a lot, but things aren't told to the audience. There's not a lot of tension. There's a saggy second act. The villain sucks. There's so many things that are going <laughs> wrong story-wise. And I think you're right, Henry. They didn't want to lose the riffing. Yeah. And the yeah. riffing just cut out so much of what was important to the storytelling of this film. And also, they wanted to tell their own story, but then their hands were tied by the message of this book that they were barely adapting to. Mm -hmm. So it's a very conflicted movie. And I have a feeling the sequels are better. I, they I, have to be better. I, I, yeah, maybe not the third, but definitely the second one's better i i guess for me to complete the circle because we started with the history of jeffrey katzenberg what is important to jeffrey katzenberg is making fun of disney and befriending celebrities and a way to befriend celebrities is to keep all of their riffs in there and say that's brilliant you're the funniest <laughs> guy in the world that's why we kept all your lines in here because you're so funny we kept try the veal yeah yeah it's, the, the writers uh, wanted to cut it one of the storyboarders said, oh, this joke about, oh, but think of the location is so hammy. We should cut it. And I kept it in because you're so funny, Mike Myers. You're hilarious. Please keep working with me. Do we know if there's going to be a, a fifth Shrek movie? They've been trying to make it on and off over and over again. It's at the time of this recording. It's still just a rumor. I think the most I had heard was Eddie Murphy on some interview somewhere was like, they're trying to make Shrek 5. He was implying Shrek 5 meetings have happened, but that's as far as it goes. But there's a question of like how many of the original can they get back every actor? 
how many creative people can they get back? Why even do it without Katzenberg in charge of it? It's just not to make it sound like I, I appreciate the artistic integrity of Shrek, but I do think that <laughs> if you're not going to make it without PDI or Katzenberg's input, and it's just some other like sterile executive at Comcast, I at least want the mania of Jeffrey Katzenberg coming through instead of just some executive who's like, have we exploited that IP recently? Let's do that. Well, Shrek was so big that it can never go away forever. No, no, no. And I'm surprised yeah. it has not been marketed more or milked more. Uh, what I'm seeing here is like there could be a second Puss in Boots movie because Puss in Boots is the new Shrek. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Puss never went away. He got his own. He had a TV or a Netflix series that like is recent-ish. Like, so, yeah, he, he never went away. Kids probably know Puss in Boots way more than they know Shrek. They... He's a cuter <laughs> character. Come on. Yeah, he is. He, he looks like a cute kitty cat. I would bet... 10 year olds if they see puss in boots or shrek they're like oh it's puss in boots friend he's uh whatever happened to that guy <laughs> but yes that was our exploration of shrek and who knows it could be a shrek wool in the future <laughs> for this podcast i kind of i'm really curious now but as for us it's it for this podcast we'll see you next month for another episode of what a cartoon movie we'll see you then i'm a believer i couldn't leave her if i tried And I saw her face. <laughs> now I'm a believer. Listen, not a trace. I'm down in my mind. I'm in love. I'm a believer. I couldn't leave her if I tried. <laughs> then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Hey, not a trace. you please of course really no please i don't want to go back there you don't know what it's like to be considered a freak well maybe you do but that's why we gotta stick together you gotta let me stay please please okay okay but one night only oh thank you ah. what do you know oh, oh this is gonna be fun we can stay up late swapping manly stories and in the morning i'm making waffles